guys, it's Julia, and I'm here today to um, pimp something. Woo! I don't pimp things very often, but I feel like I, I can make an exception today because what I have to pimp is something really cool. As you all know, it's now been a few years since Katrina, and as you all know, New Orleans is still totally in shambles. I mean, a lot of it has been rebuilt, but a lot of it hasn't been. The libraries in particular took a really big hit. They suffered over $30 million worth of damage, and 8 out of the 12 public libraries were totally destroyed. It was bad times. As some of you know, uh, Phoenix Rising was a Harry Potter conference that took place in New Orleans last May, and it had already been two years since Katrina and the effects were still very much felt, and I was there, and, you know, I saw firsthand that the city was still a mess. And I felt really bad because there wasn't really anything that I could really do about it. Uh, but then, two of the people that I met there, their names are um, Epithia and Tamala, came up with an idea. They said, hey, let's have New Orleans librarians write story prompts, and let's have Harry Potter fanfic writers write the prompts and have fan artists illustrate the stories. Wouldn't that be awesome? And we all said, well, yes, yes, that would be awesome. So that happened, and now Tears of the Phoenix, their organization, has created a book. It's called Ripple Effect, a collection of fiction and art, and it is absolutely wonderful. I got my copy in the mail last week, and it's just the nicest thing. It's full of poems and artwork and short stories and drabbles, all based on these these prompts from the New Orleans librarians. And it's really, really nice. And it's so awesome because it's a very real thing that Harry Potter fans did to help. This has our name on it, guys. And if you're listening to Potterfic Weekly, then this has got to be right up your alley. You all know that a book really can change a life. And you all know the power of fandom to do things. And, you know... Yeah. You guys know exactly what's going on here and exactly why I'm pimping this to you. So please, please, go buy this book. It's $17 for a paperback and $27, $28 for a hardcover. I have the paperback. It's really nice. And it's totally, totally for a good cause. All of the money from this book is going directly to the New Orleans Public Libraries Foundation and... You get a book on your shelf, and they get books in their libraries. So, come on. What are you waiting for? You can buy it on their website, which is tearsofthephoenixinc.org. There's a button up there for PayPal, which is how you can do it. It's so worth it. It's so worth the money that you spend. You're helping to rebuild libraries. And I'm sure everybody listening knows exactly how important libraries are and why we really can't live without them. It's amazing. Everything in there except for my stuff. My stuff is total crap, but everything else is so phenomenal and amazing. You'll love it. I promise. Yeah. Tearsofthephoenixinc.org. Go buy the book. Please. Holy crap! This is so exciting! Previously on Potterfic Weekly. And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Hi, y'all. <laughs> How's it going? Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, <laughs> there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Vitrificus Totalis. So. Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> Who wants to see Hermione as a trial lawyer? As a tribal warrior? <laughs> I want to say that... Chief, like, 
please, I can't, don't, you have to say only good things. I will cry if you say something negative about this scene. I love, I'm not gonna say, love I this scene. I do not need a stone. I love how they plan to have sex at six. Yeah, six o'clock. I know. <laughs> My question was, when do they eat dinner? After picture, he's in the shower, and he's staring down, and he's just like, this is it. <laughs> he's having a little conversation with his friend. Today, I become a man. And then they go, is this happening? And he's like, yes. I don't think he said it like that. Oh, yes, he did. He gasped it I out. Th- I think all of his concentration is elsewhere at the moment. He's like, yes. No, that like completely ruined my mental manly image. He's beating his chest. He's ravaging her. Not, no, he's, he's not. not. Yes. He's a virgin. How many virgins can successfully ravage anybody? He's Harry Potter. Come on. He's a skinny, <laughs> awkward kid who we think has ED. No, no, no. We don't think that. You think that. Do you? own a pig. No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I have to- I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. Oh, oh my goodness. Nice! I love him oh. and he's good and we're gonna find out he's good and, and there Jen. is gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it! So, and everybody just looks at me like I'm retarded, but I laugh, and it's hysterical to me. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. Okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. but I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. Oh, I love the social intercourse so varied. It gets me so excited for the guy I marry. This is like the Manhattan Project. Her man is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay. Oh, the two Superman is not Moses. Moses is dependent on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do Moses the guy that was lost in the Moses. desert for like 40 years that just okay. got fire confidence and crime-fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch, not while on the toilet. There's no way we have Wank. We don't care enough about the fans of to have Wank. For the God, if you ever, ever, ever make me cover a story with butt sex babies, I will kill you. Jen got pregnant on a boat. You know how hard it would be to impregnate yourself on a boat? Let's take a guess. This guy's, you guys are the most dysfunctional people. These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. And Jen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more, too. So what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, come here. I'm so sorry. Come here. <laughs> I just I just kicked my dog in the head. And now, Potterfically Clean. For Monday, July 28th, 2008. This is episode 52 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends.
All the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Part of it weekly Where the story never ends mm-hmm. And welcome back to Horrific Weekly. This is Ryan. This is Rena. Okay, we should explain. Scott is coming live from Canada this evening, and he has kind of a weak connection. He's like Maris from Frasier. And, of course, we have Anne here as well. Anne is taking time from her busy schedule to listen in on tonight's episode. So, as we have questions about the four founders of Hogwarts and basically why they seem like the Second Circuit Court of Appeals at times, we're going to chime into Anne, and Anne will get back to us immediately with answers. Rena laughs at me, but it's all absolutely true, because really, this is how Powerfake Weekly is run. Lady Chi, I just have to ask before we start tonight, I know we're pressed for time, how are your pipes? At the moment, we're safe and tornado-free. I did go without air conditioning for three days, though. I think that people on the forums sometimes think that I'm homicidal, but I'm really... I found out three days of air without air conditioning really does turn me into a homicidal maniac. Manhattan was hit by a by like an F3 or an F2 tornado um, on Wednesday of last week. And it hit on the southwest side of town, and then it hit campus. And I live uh, about two and a half blocks away from campus. So um, I'm very lucky to still be here and uh, to have survived with all of my stuff intact. It was us in the basement, our three kittens. This girl brought her cat that was like a cougar down, like I swear to God. Like it was three feet from nose to tip, this cat. And she had it in a duffel bag while the tornado was, like, roaring overhead. And the cat's, like, going crazy, you know. And she's all, you know, come on, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And I was like, I don't think that he's scared. I'd be pissed if I was in a duffel bag, too. I have frequently tried and to shove guy... Lady Chi into a duffel bag, and she has always responded, you know. <laughs> With the utmost respect. Yeah, exactly. When there's a tornado, Jen's response is like, as we're all hiding, Jen's like, okay, I'm going to Walmart. Anyone need anything? And she just gets in her car and drives away. So Tornado warnings, like, most of the time I don't even pay attention to them. But you know, we were we just happened to be watching TV this particular night. The guy on the other channel was like, there's a tornado in Ogden, which is like 10 miles south and west of us, and he's like, and it's moving at 60 miles an hour toward Manhattan, you have five minutes to get in the basement, you need to take shelter now, and at that point, like, all the trees next to my apartment building are, like, bending over, you know, and I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to the basement, (laughs) so. Well, then she uh, calls me when the whole thing's over, and she's like, I want you to know I'm okay, and I'm sitting here with my smoking jacket on, (laughs) listening to classical music, (laughs) sipping a martini, going, why is anything happening? I have no idea. She's hanging on to the side of a branch. That was the funniest conversation ever. I was like, Ryan, hey. There was a tornado in Manhattan. I just wanted you to know I'm fine. And Ryan's like, how? Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> I was like, he didn't want to give me a chance to worry. I came out okay, and all my cats survived. 
which is a miracle. Anne is just expressing the fact that she didn't know there was a Manhattan, Kansas. When I first went to New York City, when Danielle moved there, I was in downtown Manhattan in a coffee shop, and I called Chi. I'm like, Chi, where are you? She's like, I'm in Manhattan. I'm like, let's do lunch, not knowing she was in the Midwest. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> Always check the state you're in before you start coordinating a meeting spot. Just throwing that out to the preview. Are you People don't know where I live. Everyone's yeah. like, Ryan lives in New York. I'm like, I do. No, he doesn't. He lives in Massachusetts. I live in Massachusetts. I live in the town next yeah. to PS. That's what I'm known by. I'm actually going to put a sign yeah. up, like, in all the entrance signs to the towns, like, PS lives here and just see who gets it. Well, let's see, because my mom is from uh, Wakefield, and my dad is from Abington. So when you go to visit your mom, yes. like, literally, we're like Mickey Mouse with the ears. And the- Scott, I'm getting a bad vibe, buddy. Nobody talking. Please tell me nobody's talking. Oh, I, so, oh I sorry, Chi. I forgot you weren't here. We're um. <laughs> you're, you're, you're typing. No, I'm, I'm typing to Scott, and because I brought Mickey Mouse, Anne is now singing that song in her head. M I C K E Y. M O U S E. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Oh, Mickey Mouse. Oh, the last weekend or the yeah. last week in July actually going to be podcasting from Disney World because I'm going back to Disney World in July. Cool. No. I'm- this is not cool. Okay. <laughs> I love Disney World. It's a great place. However, my mother in law is obsessed with Disney World. This is her twenty fifth <laughs> in fifteen years. Nice. She went in two thousand seven, she went to Disney World four times. Four. We're not going at Christmas because my sister-in-law is getting married. But otherwise, we'd be going back in December. That's insane. It is insane. That I have is done insane. everything there is to do at Disney World. Before I met Tyler, <laughs> I've been to Disney World three times. Once when I was like eight, uh-huh. once when I was like 12, and once when I was a senior in high school. Since I met Tyler, I have been to Disney World six times. I went when I was 11. Wow. Oh, and Anne, for your benefit, M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. For those of you who aren't listening on the Skype chat, for singing the song, Anne is threatening to create a character named Ryan and kill him off in a nasty manner. I have so much to say on these chapters, Anne, and it's pretty much contingent on how you kill off my character. Charging into the Great Hall to take, you know, like an Avada Kedavra would be preferable. You're going to trip over a rabbit or something and fall in a hole. It's nice to know you have You know what it is? You, you're such a Hufflepuff, you like die from being too nice to somebody. Come up to Voldemort, you know, and... Oh, what? Sorry. Yeah. Would you like some tea? Steal this megaphone. We demand the unconditional surrender of... The Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Or we will open fire. I need at least a day to make the necessary preparations. You have one hour. Holy Merlin magician! He shoots me. No, I try and negotiate a non-aggressive <laughs> pact with Voldemort, and that would just be the end of me. <laughs> I'd be like Chamberlain, I'd try and give away Czechoslovakia, and the whole thing would just blow up in my face. It'd be awful. <laughs> oh, look, now that I've dazed and confused Lady Chi with my superior knowledge of history, let's jump into the chapters. Now, I have to... Sh- no! Okay! No, 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 no! No! I got 
weeks ago knowing who Neville Chamberlain you was. You did. You knew who Earlier, Neville Chamberlain like was. a couple of episodes ago. It has nothing to do with the fact that his first name is a leading character in the Harry Potter novels. You did know who Chamberlain was, and you know what, Chi? You're okay in my book. <laughs> oh, you know what you need to do? It's got to be autoerotic asphyxiation. That's like the worst way to die. What, what is that? And stop giving her hints, but what is that? <laughs> it's choking yourself to death while masturbating. You can do that. <laughs> autoerotics are people who choke themselves to get off. Or that's one of the things. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. I thought you meant like you were choking anyway, so you thought you'd just masturbate, so at least you know you'd... No, no. Autoerotic asphyxiation is suffocating while masturbating. I watched the Law and Order episode about it. You people correct me up. All right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. She stopped playing along. Besides, I used to be a really big, gigantic X-Files person, and that was a big joke oh, yeah? because there was, like, the psychic guy on there, who and Mulder asked him, well, how am I going to die? And the guy said two words, autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> Last week, it was a testosterone fest in here because it was Mike and Scott and myself. and Anne was nothing. This was like two days that, that ago. Was, that, was, that was two days ago. That is correct. And Anne was here too, but of course we wouldn't allow Anne to speak. Now that the women are back, I just have to, just to, to let you know what happened. I established a pecking order for the Living with Danger characters in terms of intelligence. Okay. So just, just to, I'm okay. going to build on it tonight, but I just want to, just to, to establish the framework. Picture a giant pyramid, okay? Now, okay. by far, the most okay. brilliant characters in this story are the kids. These, the, oh, well, yeah. The kids are brilliant. Also brilliant is Sue, the cashier from Remus's supermarket. She is brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> the stupidest character in the, in, the, in the chapters we covered last week, by far, just in terms of his intelligence level, has to be Snape. Snape is not the sharpest crayon in the box in this story. Because he is outwitted by Sue the cashier. No. So Snape is down there. Dumbledore, down there as well. Because Dumbledore leaves pictures of the pack on his desk and McGonagall comes in and finds them and, and the alarm system fails to go off and madness ensues. And it, it goes from there. Re, you know, the pack is directly above Dumbledore and Snape. Remus... You know, was making some questionable decisions here and there. So, so, it, so it pretty much goes the kids, then the rest of the pack, and then Dumbledore and some of the other adults, and Snape is in the sub basement. This week, I have to say, <laughs> no, I have to say this. I love this story. I, I, I love the story. I'm reading the sequels. I am enjoying the story so much because I have to try and explain this reading experience. It's like when you're watching a movie and you're screaming at the TV. It's like the character's walking into the room with the guy with the thing hiding behind the door, and you're like, don't go in there, you moron! Like, I am so involved in this story. Like, I don't do sports, but with this story, <laughs> I'm getting aggravated, because I, I am I, I just, I'm loving this story so much. So, I have some thoughts this week. Now, I'd like to maybe share my thoughts with the group, and then have you all chime in. Now, Scott, of course, is our resident pack member. Uh, Rinna is packing training, and uh, Chi is in the middle of a tornado wasteland, but that's having an otherwise very nice day. And Anne is um, listening here, giggling while singing the Mickey Mouse theme song, which, if you forget, goes <laughs> M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E, Mickey Mouse. Okay. Donald Duck. Oh my goodness, forever may you hold your banner high. Hi, 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 hi. Hey, as well as can be. And I would just like to share with you all, I know you can't read this, but um, Anne has weighed in, and she wants to say I'm doing a great 
job and she and she cares about me very deeply. Um, <laughs> how, how we're standing um, as a group here. Okay, so we we start off in chapter thirty eight, which of course the pack who are who are just you know the leaders of this pack are, are brilliant because they register their flu in, you know Marauder's Den, which was you know the, the name of the flu in the house where the pack you know recently escaped from. Umbridge finds them out, and Dumbledore gives them the early warning. Now, I have to say, I found this chapter very touching. Um, specifically, all of the, all of the cubs have necklaces with pieces of their former lives. Draco has his mother's locket. Um, you know, Harry has, I believe, it's Lily's ring. You know, Hermione has something of her parents. Everyone, they're all rings, aren't they? Are, are they all rings? I know they're all, all, they're all rings. They're all yeah. Rings. And Draco has Narcissus' heirloom ring. Harry and Hermione have their parents' wedding bands. And then uh, Megan has the Black family ring. Right. So it's it's something very personal yeah. to each of them. And Danger has, uh, you know, prophetic vision. And she knows what she needs to do. And, the, and they all take off their, their rings using a napkin and blood. They're already a pack now. But they're able to so deepen the connection between them that they can literally hear each other's thoughts. They take the oath, and that that oath, the things that they say, is what invokes the magic. And so, basically, it's the fact that they were willing, and of course, correct me if I'm wrong, oh, Madam Author, but, you know, it's the fact that they were willing to sacrifice something that 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 is that important to them. They made the sacrifice, they made the blood sacrifice, and then they said the words. And it was those things that allowed them to create the pack pendants. I thought it was Yay, very... Yay, I got it right! Two touch for me! I thought it was... <laughs> We're going to be like... Yay! Major. Anne, how you doing? You passed your accelerated reader dangerverse test. <laughs> what I thought was very, um, very emotional about that, and what really touched me about that, was these, you know, when everyone came into this pack, they were, you know, people who came from many different places. And when they joined together, the... The rings that they wore on their lockets were essentially um, pieces of their past, and they're at the point now yeah, where they've, then, they've been in this group for so long they're going their separate ways, and the pack has literally become their past. So it's one of those things where when you go through those moments yeah. in your life when things change dramatically, it's very emotional, and to have it happen literally in five minutes to get like five minutes that you're gonna, it's literally like if someone you know close to you just dies suddenly. It's just you, there's no time to prepare. It happens very quickly. And the one thing that really got me was when Draco kissed his mother's ring before he handed it over. I thought that was just you know very. Mm-hmm. It, it, it showed that there was some finality there, and that was just very moving to me. Well, I was just going to say. As a reader, it's very, like, it's one of those things that I thought was a great concept, but then later on in practice, it became kind of confusing because I'm one of those people that if things get, if details get, there are too many details given, I get very confused when I'm reading. And she's describing the pendants, you know, and everybody's pendant is a little bit different. And the different symbols on everybody's pendant means something different, you know, like, you know, which house you're associated with or you're descended from later on in the fic, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. That all kind of gets stuck on that pendant and oh my goodness, like I just felt like such a retard. Like I, not a retard, <laughs> that's not a nice that's not PC. I just felt so stupid because I was like writing <laughs> I was literally sitting there with a pen and paper going, Okay. Now Draco's pendant has to look like this because this is what this means and you know, I just it's one of those things that, you know, Anne's verse is very, it's very detailed and there's a lot of stuff going on and sometimes 
you know, my poor brain just like fizzles out and just can't take it. And I think that's probably because I'm just a little bit stupid. Well, the one but thing- I thought, you know, as a as a like as a concept, it was very. It's you know it's not necessarily unique. I don't want to say that, but the way that it's invoked is very touching in that particular part of the story. Yeah, I mean we're, we'll get to that a little bit later, but I, obviously later on um, near the conclusion of the story, when uh, Danger and Remus visit the uh, Second Circuit Court of Appeals, um, you know at that great <laughs> Hogwarts up in the sky, their pendants take on. As Renna would say, you know, the Care Bear powers. And, you know, you're able to use the pendants to communicate with each other in each other's minds. And um, you're able to modify, you know, like the molecular structure of the pendants so that no one can take them from you and so forth. Yeah. I think, I, I, I'm i sure it's going somewhere in future stories. I'm, I'm sure it's going somewhere in future stories. Um, yeah, those will be useful. Yeah. What, what it ding, came, ding, 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 ding. Exactly. Thank you. What it came across <laughs> to me as at that point, and, and this is just, I think, a preference thing. It's not really a good or bad thing, it's just a preference thing. I, when, when I read stories, I look for things to be very simple. You wouldn't know it because I speak for four hours at the time, but you know, I, I like things just very simple, and I love the fact that these were pendants from their past. That was what they meant. They were, you know, it was like a rebirth thing. You know, I may be packed now, but, you know, I, I used to be Narcissa Malfoy's son. And, you know, th- that meant something. It almost came across in the storyline like, you know, Emma's anticipating, you know, okay, we'll let them change the molecular structures of the pendants so that the pendants can never be taken away from them because that's not a plot device I want to introduce into the story, but I think that, you know, allowing them to use the pendants in such a way that lets them talk inside their minds will be useful. And it, just, it, it almost seemed like it was like, okay, here's the, here's all these plot devices I'm adding that I intend to use. It, it, it came across that uh-huh. way, which it, it, it was like, okay, I think I enjoyed the emotional significance of it um, a little bit more earlier. But in the early scene, yeah. I think that was great. There was a little bit of the, um, she did bring out the uh, the obvious stick just a little bit much there when she was, you know, it, it's kind of, there are points in the story where the symbolism, you know, is, is very, this will be important later on, like all in capital letters, you know, and that's kind of how you feel with like the <laughs> Yeah, they're anvils, yeah. There you go. I call it the obvious stick. Some other people call it anvil, anvils. You know, it's, it's all the same, same concept. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, one of my favorite points, you know, I'm flipping through my notes. Can I just tell you, when I say I take notes for other episodes, I'm totally lying. I've never taken notes at any point in the history of Perfect Weekly, except like the first two episodes. But I took detailed notes for these chapters. My favorite moment is when Harry, uh, Hermione, and Draco are in, I believe it's Ginny's bedroom with Ron and Ginny and Luna. And they decide they're going to become a pack. Mm-hmm. And they're going to take the oath together. But they can't cut each other to use the blood as part of the oath because they're, they're kids and we're not allowed to use knives without, <laughs> without parental supervision. And then it, it cracked me up because then when Ginny's like, I don't think it's working. I'm like, you didn't use the blood. You can't use the It just seemed like, you know, it's it's like in the middle of the scene when you're running from the bad guy, you stop and like obey all the crossing signals. It's just like moments like that always right. crack me up. It's, I know exactly yeah, what you it, mean. It's just like, we're not allowed to use knives and we have to be in bed by seven. I just, I just... It, it's like in the earlier <laughs> scene where they kick the crap out of Lucius Malfoy, but then lay down for their nap right afterwards. It just, it, it yeah. absolutely crap. Yeah. There's parts of the storyline I, I just really love. Kind of, it, it makes, it kind of, it brings like a kind of like realistic surrealism to it, you know, kind of very, yeah. well, you know, just odd positions of things. Like it that, doesn't yeah. take itself too seriously, which I think is a very good thing, because I think there's too many effects that take themselves way too seriously, and I like the feel of this one. Now, going back to the first scene, okay, so you have this very emotional, you know, you know, goodbye, and some, and, and, and dangers, you know, 
taking charge of things, and they have mere moments to, to, to you know, leave the Black family house. And by the way, I just enjoy the fact, I have to just say this here, when you go into hiding and you go into the Witness Protection Program, it may be helpful if you don't use your own last name. I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. Yeah. That was addressed. There was a whole thing where they said, um, we're going to use black because they never think we'd be so stupid as to use that. I'm glad you brought up that point. I would like to talk for a moment. I mean, it's the whole concept of the purloined letter again. Yeah, Ryan, hiding in plain sight. That we talked about at the beginning of the story. Yeah. Hiding in plain sight. Yeah. No, no, I know that. I just, I know that it's explained. It just, it just cracked me up. Let's talk about Mad Eye Movie. Okay. So your Mad Eye Movie, a constant vigilance. So you found Sirius Black. Right. He's in a house. He's in a house. And in this house are four rugrats and four adults. So there's eight people in this house. You have the house completely surrounded. I'm assuming there's anti-aberration wards up, because Moody will eventually keep saying, we covered all the exits. So I'm assuming people couldn't just aberrate up. Because I know the flu was um, blocked, so you can get that up by the flu. I was a little unclear on this. You guys can explain it to me. I was unclear if, if the kids are in a Magi, or if Danger somehow turned them into animals before she released them so they could get away. I'm assuming she turned them into animals now that I think of it. But, you know... Okay. She turned them. She turned yeah. them into okay. So the so the plot line is, is that she yeah. turns so they so the doors open, they leave, they leave, and Danger leaves her body and, and Remus is grabbing her and Sirius is, is standing nearby and that's when Moody bursts in. And Moody assumes that Danger killed the kids and then killed herself. And his explanation for that is we've been surrounding the house for five minutes and we haven't seen anyone come out. And my first response <laughs> is, you've been watching the house for five minutes? <laughs> like, like no reconnaissance? No, like you've been watching the house for 80 seconds and it's time to burn. It just, cra- and it just absolutely cracked me up. And I'm just looking through the notes I took. I'll even... The exact notes I had from this: Alastra Moody, the stupidest or ever, and I and I love him, and I'm it just it cracked me up. Moody's logic chain here, but even when I, I think it was either Sirius or Remus, no, it must have been Sirius. Were the doors open when you got here? No. Why do you ask? And it's just it it just it, it it cracks me up. I also enjoyed the fact that this was the first lead they had on them in seven years. Considering they still use their own name, I don't know. I, I, I don't mean to harp on it. I really had a blast reading this. It just cracked me up completely that, like, the Aurors tried so hard to find them, and I, I think the the adults in the pack were sloppy. But it's like Clark Kent. No, it, it would be like yeah. if Clark Kent. No one could find Superman for seven years, <laughs> and they're with Clark Kent every day. It would, it's just the same type of dynamic, which I thought was incredibly amusing. I think that part of the reason that they weren't looking for them actively is because, first of all, the only person who has ever had, like, a serious sighting confirmation, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I know who these people are, has been Snape. And Dumbledore got to him before he could get to the authorities. And it's one of those things where, or at least the way I read it, it was more like, it's not like on Deep Space Nine, where they made that weapon that could, you know, suss out a changeling. You know, they can't mm-hmm. force someone to revert back to their state. Obviously, Lucius Malfoy could, which we saw in the original chapter, but this was apparently a spell created by Lord Voldemort that nobody else knows or nobody is going to do in public. But then, even if they could do something like that, I mean, what are they going to do? Line up every single person they come across and do this spell on them? You know, it just it seems like yeah, 
even in in today's standards, you know, when the police are looking for a killer, they don't just line up everyone that lives in that town and get a DNA sample. They can't do that. And I mean, and to me, it kind of read the same way. They are looking for Sirius Black, and they are looking for Harry Potter. The rest of the world doesn't know about all these other people. You know, nobody's even really looking for Draco. They'd like to know what happened to him, but nobody's looking for him. It's not like there wasn't a Draco Malfoy Amber Alert or anything. (laughs) And so, you know, his face isn't on a milk carton. You know, he's he's, he's gone, but everyone expects they either think he's dead or he's going to turn up someday. Nobody's really looking for him. So they're looking for two people, a man and a kid. And they're not looking for a big family like that. Because everything that they knew beforehand was that, you know, Sirius was this crazy loner. He escaped by himself, and he stole the kid and took off. And, again, why would he be stupid enough to get married and get his best friend and his best friend's wife and a couple other kids and run around like that? You know, no one's going to be looking. It's the hidden in plain sight thing. No one's going to be looking for a big family. What is, the public, what is the public opinion? Remus disappeared around the time that Sirius got out. Did the public assume that Sirius killed Remus? I don't think the public ever considered Remus. Well, not the public, know. but like the, like the ministry. Okay, you're, you're Mad-Eye Movie. Harry Potter, you know, is kidnapped on Tuesday. Sirius Black escapes from jail on Wednesday. And Remus Lupin disappears on Thursday. Why would he even look at, at Remus? Because, obviously, you know, at the beginning of the story, Remus isn't a very high-profile character. Sure, it's the same thing with Aletha. When Sirius was arrested, I mean, she went on record saying some very hateful things about him. That's true, too. And so people think everyone still assumes that Sirius Black is this mass murderer. So they wouldn't expect for Remus to be like, oh, buddy-buddy with him anymore. They would expect that if Sirius and Remus did happen upon each other, they'd probably kill each other. You know, they wouldn't think, okay, this guy escaped, this other guy's gone. I really think that Remus wouldn't even be on people's radar. You know, obviously he's a werewolf. He can't hold down a steady job. You know, he wouldn't be missed at work. You know, he was kind of a non yeah, he he was kind of a non-entity. Right. Yeah, you get the sense that he doesn't have any parents. Like, nobody's going to miss Ramus Lupin. That's the thing. That's why it was, you know, this is the first lead in seven years, because or the flu connection when Dolores Umbridge told Lucius Malfoy in the Ministry holding cell how to find, or Lucius Malfoy told Dolores so whoever told whoever, you know, that was the first clue that they've had in Malfoy so many years. said, look at Alita's. They looked, it was empty. And now the same the same name that used to be on that house has shown up on the records. Right, that's what I meant. I just want to do something right here because we're having a really good conversation about this. Because we have her here, Anne, why don't you join the conversation? I'd love to hear your thoughts on all these things, especially as we wrap up the fic tonight. <laughs> Okay, yes, computer. Yes, that's that's my microphone. Yes, and, um, if you and find it, how I'm, you doing? Good. That I'm fine. Thank you. Now, if my microphone ever starts working, and is it possible you wanted to name a character after me that would then be eaten Hardly by the giant just, squid? Well, oh, I don't know. It depends on how nice you are. I'm pretty nice. I love this story. I just oh, think, I just think the, the the children in your storyline should run the world. I loved when Tonks was the only one to figure out 
the whole story. And in these chapters, there's a moment where Tonks, there's a reference to Tonks wanting to become an Auror. And the response from the Aurors themselves is, if you can pass the aptitude test, you can be one of us. <laughs> I'm just like, I think she'll be, I think you could use someone like her. I think she's smart enough to join your group. Well, if she can pass the test, she, she can be an apprentice. But yeah, she's, she's pretty well up there. I think, I think right now, as a 16-year-old, she should be the department head. You'd have to meet my family to fully understand it, but let's just say that um, everything in the story, um, almost everything in the story has a basis in reality. Almost everything that um, Sirius as Padfoot ever does or eats that seems ridiculous is based on my little brother's dog. Is it possible that you write romance novels on the side? Me? No. Um, I, I shouldn't tell you that. Know, you know someone Sorry. who does. Uh, I I can neither confirm nor deny that. So I'm actually looking through my notes here. Um, I have a lot I want to say about the final chapters of the story tonight, but you listened in on this last week, and you have 89% of our first episode, which I'm sending over to you right now. Anything mm. you wanted to say for the podcast? I love you guys. You're hilarious. And um, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about the beginning of my story, because... Okay, you you told me that when I said the first chapters were not so good, you were thinking, like, really horrible. Well, I guess what I meant was that I was, well, I was younger, I was a much less experienced writer, and those chapters... Am, am I going to tell the story again? Go for the story, Anne. Go for the story. All right. This was not meant to happen. None of this <laughs> was supposed to happen. This was meant to be. A ten-chapter-long, completely fluffy, plotless thick. This was supposed to be just, oh, let's give everybody their happy ending and then go 17 years into the future, kill Voldemort, and finish everything off. Something happened. Yes, a, a whole lot of things happened. What, what, what was the seminal moment? I think, um, I think when I decided that Sirius and Aletha needed a child, that was the first, well, I guess I can stretch it a little longer. Then I spotted a challenge on somebody's bio page. Make Draco a Gryffindor. And from then on, I never looked back. If you sat down and said, I'm going to write, you know, like this this massive multi-part novel-length story that starts when the kids are babies and takes us through the entire Hogwarts years and, and starts it from scratch. And you knew that when you sat down to write Chapter 1 of Living with Danger. What do you think you would have done differently? I probably, well, I definitely would have made Danger less Mary Sue. I would have found some way to um, keep the salient points without quite so much of the soonness, but I think I kept it under control pretty well. One of the things I want to bring up about these chapters is I refer to it as the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. It's yes, you know, um, no. I've I've noticed I've noticed you're very amused by my founders. I am I like amu- I'm amused by the founders. The one thing I was amused about, which I I actually laughed out loud when I read, was that they they are sending Danger prophetic dreams, but they are not allowed to send her the same image more than once. So that when yes, they this te- goes yeah. This goes back to the whole 10-chapter thing, because uh-huh. that was originally supposed to be resolved right away, and then when the story went on, I had to find some way to justify the fact that they are morons and don't pay attention to their prophecies. 
Because I'm so reading just, this, I'm I like, I said that in the first episode. Go for the guy and with I the just red. went for human stupidity because people really are very dumb. I I, uh, I adhere to Scott Adams' theory that we are all stupid. At oh, and I love you so much right now. I just have to tell you that. I'm like, you are morons. Go find the guy with the red <laughs> hair. He will lead you to worms. If you've if you've never met people who are morons just like that then um, I envy you greatly because I meet a lot of them. <laughs> Lady Chi, you never meet anyone who's annoying, do you? No, never. <laughs> no one at yeah, all who's actually annoying. Actually, I do. Like for, instance, like, for instance, my roommate's sister that's staying with us for um, a few days, weeks, months or something that just walked in with three people that I don't know that she didn't ask me about. Yeah, I don't meet stupid people. <laughs> There is a line in the story. You know, I got out my printer and printed off everything in the story so that it would make lots of... I don't believe of... you people. I, I honestly don't believe the people who do this. How many pages is the story that we just read? All 50 chapters. Um, Father, Scott, do you have um the story tag open? Or can you get at it? Because it says um, that in yep. this chapter. Fine, that I have printed off. Like, the one I printed off. Is five hundred and seventeen pages. I think I think ours ended up being something about that. Well, I, I print off the stories that we do. I've done that from the very beginning, mostly because, mm-hmm. and I even did that when I was when I was working as a beta reader. I would always print the stories off just to make notes okay. to myself on it. Okay, I want to bring it up again. I mentioned it in the very first one. It says that Aletha, to amuse herself, she thought about the Valentina Jet stories. And she started reworking the stories into different situations. Yeah. And it was so funny. She, she, had a, she wished she had a website where she wished she had a place where she could go to talk to other fans and to see <laughs> if they had these other ideas. And I read it, and I just about died laughing when I went through there. It was so funny. Okay, I met, I met a fake fan fiction. What's so wrong about that? I would have thought it would be amusing if she, like, shipped Danger Serious or something like that. Like, well, obviously not serious, but you know what I mean? Like, or if she was... Ah, yeah, I uh, hate you. Oh, uh, sorry. You, you don't understand. I'm suggestible. I'm suggestible. Oh, God. Now it has to happen. I'm going to have, like, a now pack it has of to happen. at my house. Oh, good God. All right, I'm reading through my notes of these chapters because I'd love to hear your okay. responses. All right, now we you wade in on the, on the lockets, you know, the beautiful moments. Now, so yeah. Danger leaves her body, the oars mm-hmm. come, and, you know, Moody comes, and I, I insist Moody is not the sharpest crayon in the box. N- none of the oars are. Well, he yeah. has been. He has been retired for a while. Give him a little bit. I mean, by the time we meet him in Goblet of Fire, and this is only a few years off from that, but by the time we meet him in Goblet of Fire, he's got a reputation for being a little right. paranoid and a little weird. He, right now, he probably hasn't had quite enough time to uh, psych his after-work paranoia up, and he's winding down off his in-work paranoia. So he's yeah, he's a little he's a little off. No, I will say this is one of the things that I said during the the last story that we did. Sometimes a crazy is just a crazy. You know, he might just be a crazy old man. One of the things that really jumped out at me was I love the fact that Megan refers to her parents as Dadfoot and Mama Letha. Because the first time I, I listened to the chapter, I thought she referred to him as Padfoot. I thought that was very interesting because she's the only one of the Cubs whose biological parents, both of them, 
are in the pack. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was very interesting reading through for the first time. How do you respond if you have your actual parents in the pack? How do you respond to the other two parental figures? And do you see it more as like a communal group? I mean, because it's different for Hermione, it's definitely different for Harry, and it's different for Draco. So I thought that was interesting that she calls them dad for the Mamalita. I just thought that was... I don't well, know why it's kind of it's kind of showing that she has sort of a middle position. She has her traditional nuclear family there in the pack, but she does have the pack all around her as well. So, um, yeah, she she combines the she combines the traditional names she'd call them if she was just being raised by them alone, and the names that the others use. And um, it, it's more noticeable in the sequels how it kind of shakes down who's kind of closer to whom in the whole um, parents and cubs relationships, but they really do all have pretty strong relationships. I almost see it as like... Yeah, if it starts to come out here. Yeah, you know I, I did, I did, I did work of, on that. One parent speaks to one child. Well, that was just the ones I chose to show, because that was the ones that they went to first. Let me ask you this, because this might help my understanding. When you went from ten chapters to a massive story, how much of it did you know? Like, how? Like, I guess my question was: Did you was the purpose of Megan in the beginning to show that Sirius had begun his own family? Did you have something specific in mind for Megan in the beginning, or was it something like you know, now that she's here, let's see what we can do with this character. I'm just curious. My, my original motivation was, hmm, they're married. Married people have kids. And then I was yeah. like, okay, let's see where we go from here. I've heard that they do, so that works for me. I don't have any kids, and I don't have a dog either, because I would probably lose my dog and be, be very sad. I did have mm-hmm. goldfish for a time, but they all died because I left them at work. <laughs> and I and I did. I had, I had a fish tank. I spent hundreds of dollars. I put this fish tank on my desk, and I forgot that there were sometimes be three-day weekends, uh-huh. and my fish died and were stuck to the filter on oh. Tuesday morning. So I do not yet have children, but I'm sure I'm going to be a wonderful father, because she always points out the <laughs> calm and reasoned person that I am. Yes. So I'm sure that's going to work so, out just fine. Point, shall I, shall I just explain the story of, of Lazarus, my re- resurrected goldfish? Yeah, Lazarus, please. the resurrected goldfish. This I want to hear. I, well, I mean, I'll tell it later, but if you want me to tell oh, it now. Tell, oh, tell the story. Well, you, tell can't, now and like, then, you can't and say then I'll tell about my insane goldfish. family. Okay, so my roommate in college and I, we had this fish, and his name was Sherlock. And I went um, on vacation, I guess for spring break or something. And uh, I asked my friend Becca to go in and feed him and stuff for me while we, because my roommate and I were both going out of town. So on the second day that I was out of town, I was going to be gone for the week. Becca called me, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I went in the room, and, and Sherlock was dead, and he was floating upside down at the top of the bowl. And I was like, oh, crap. All right, I'll just get another goldfish when I get back. So uh, the rest of the week goes by, and I come back, and, and Becca met me at my dorm because she still had my key. And I said, what did you do with the fish? And she was like, holy crap, I left him in the bowl. I was like, oh, great. Now my room is going to smell like dead fish. <laughs> so we go in, and it had been, a, I mean, a week since anybody had even been in the room. His bowl was like one of those giant martini glasses. 
Well done. So, well done. There was maybe an inch of water in the very bottom, and so here's this dead goldfish in the bottom of this bowl, and I was like, oh, crap. I guess i got to go flush him down the toilet. Da, so I pick up da, the glass, da. and we walk down the hall to the bathroom. We dump the contents of the glass into the toilet, and the fish starts swimming around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he was in like a little fishy coma <laughs> and the water of the toilet shocked him back to life. But whatever it was, that fish came back to life in the toilet. I have a question, and I, I believe I speak for many of us. Did you retrieve him from the toilet? Yes, we did. Oh, cool. We fished him out of the toilet and we no put him back intended. in the goldfish bowl. And damned if that fish didn't live for like three years after that. Jeez. I, I was changing... I had a gold, I forget the order this happened in, but my goldfish, the one that survived, you know, the previous Holocaust, the goldfish somehow managed to eat one of the pebbles, at the decorative pebbles at the bottom of, of the thing. So the goldfish, you could see within the goldfish the outline of the pebble inside its body, and the goldfish turned upside down and began floating up towards the surface. So I thought to myself... I'm not doing the Heimlich on the damn thing. The goldfish is now lost. So I said a short prayer, and I said it's time to fish the goldfish out. So I fished the goldfish out, and I inadvertently dropped him on the on the carpet in my room. Now, the carpet needed to be vacuumed, I should say. The goldfish starts flopping around on the carpet. So my, the goldfish apparently passed the stone, was alive, but now was gasping for water. And I couldn't get the goldfish to stop flapping long enough for me to... So I kept, like, trying to grab him. He would jump on my hands. And you're not supposed to, like, touch the goldfish because then the goldfish will die. I'm, like, fighting and arm wrestling the damn goldfish to get the damn goldfish back into the bowl of water. And I missed, and I, like, threw him behind, like, the table. like the, the end. So I, like, moved the table. I think I dropped it on him at one point, And the goldfish is still flopping around, in the, like, in the, in the dust bunnies. It was terrible. The goldfish lived. I just want to point out, I cannot even kill a goldfish. My little brother and sister, well, brothers and sister, I have two brothers and a sister. They are now 16, 10, and my sister is 13. They are the inspiration for a whole lot of the kids. And um, my mother told them when they went to the ice cream social last year, you're not allowed to win fish because some of the little games have fish as prizes. But what does my brother do? My brother comes home with two fish. So, fine. We get out the old fish bowl. We put the fish bowl up on top of his bureau. We fill it with water and put in the pebbles and put in the fish. Mm-hmm. We have cats. Holy heart failure! <laughs> yes, we... Within about a week, we no longer had fish. We had, su- <laughs> we had sushi. Yeah, that, that happened when I was a little kid. We had a cat that ate all of our fish. Yes, and... My mother says the moral of the story is that they're not allowed to win any more fish. My brother says the moral of the story is that we need an aquarium with a closed top. <laughs> one of these people is a Gryffindor, a- and one of these people is a Ravenclaw. I just want to say that. We had a we had a beta fish that we tried to kill. It wasn't even ours. Like, we had a neighbor give it to us or something. And we're just like, well, my sister refused to let us just flush it down the toilet. And so my mom and dad just stopped, like, cleaning the bowl and stopped feeding it. It literally lived, like, months. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, you would see him, like, swimming around in the green water, you know? You're like, why yeah. did you just die? They just oh, hurt him. little things. Very, very brief story about something I did with a betta fish. 
We had this fight. Does, doesn't that <laughs> sound like that we're about to go R-rated and need to get moved into the restricted oh, section? All right, go on. No, no, no. Okay. When I was in college, I was in a sorority, and there was this other girl in my sorority, and we hated each other. Hated each other. Well, I shouldn't say that. I should say she did, did not like me very much. She thought I hated her. I didn't. It was this whole big ordeal. Anyway. On Valentine's Day, we did this, like, secret sis, like, Valentine's exchange where we were all supposed to get gifts for each other. And she wasn't a very girly girl. So I went to the store, and I got her a betta fish that was in a peace lily. And, you know, it was a really cute little setup and all that kind of stuff. And I got it. And by the time I brought it to the sorority meeting that night and set it up and, you know, she went and found it, the fish was dead. Oh, no. So it looked like, it oh, looked no. like I gave her a face with a dead fish in it. <laughs> 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 like, I promise, it was alive when I brought it here. Rena engages I, I, in a hate crime. That's terrible. I really think, I'm, I, to this day, Ouch. she thinks that I, I gave that to her because I was being a bitch. And so I was just like, I'll show her. I'll give her a dead fish in a bucket. Right. You know what? Sometimes but, stuff like that happens. I have a friend who lives a few blocks away from me who had an in-law apartment. And her next-door neighbors were two men who lived together, two gay men. The, the the two men did not like her at all. For, for whatever reason, they just never hit it off. So they actually turned her into the town, and they forced her to get rid of her tenant, and she lost all this income. And there was this, for, for years, there was strife, discourse, locusts, everything was happening. So mm-hmm. after that, they decided she wanted to try and bury the hatchet, because she had apparently offended them, and then they retaliated, and she wanted to bury the hatchet. So she heard that one of the men um, had cancer. So she wanted to do something nice for her for her neighbors. So she's thinking, what do you get two men who have everything? So she's like, I know. I will order the two men pastries. I will order them pastries. I will have the pastries sent to their house. So apparently there's this mail order catalog. So she goes on. Mail order for everything. Yes. So she went on the mail order catalog and she ordered baked goods. And she sent them to to the next door neighbor. And apparently it did not go over well because she sent the two gay guys next door fruitcakes. Oh, no. (laughs) Never entered her mind, but they saw it as a hate crime. Oh, it was like, oh, and it just didn't go well. So the, the moral of the story is you can try and do something good and you can try and be a good person, but really they're and just going to think you're sad. leaving like a dead fish on their steps. And they're th- I know. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, dead fish. Right. Fruitcakes. Well, Why am I sensing like um, I'm sensing a title podcast pod. titles being I really generated? Am. I'm sensing- Brenda, what are we calling episode 49? When, when it comes out, I believe it's your ass. Rena's ass on it. It's gonna have butt kid. It's gonna have um, butt babies and Rena's ass on it. Will be heavily involved in the title of episode number forty-nine. Oh, thanks a lot. Now it sounds like I'm writing slack. You know what's great? It's the first one of your stories that's coming. No, out. honestly, it's because I broke my tailbone. So she actually is has why it's talking donut. about my ass donut. Is the because ass I donut have I don't mind so much. It's the butt babies. If people actually I swear to God, to if you ever, ever, ever make me cover a story with butt sex babies, I will kill you. <laughs> I think I'll do it just to hear the, I think I'll, I just want to do it now just to hear the level of criticism. It's awesome. All right, tell you what, why don't we get organized here? Why don't we do this? Let's talk about these chapters uh, right now. Now, one of the things I want to get into is, um, obviously it's conveyed within these chapters that the source of Danger's visions is, you know, is the four founders, you know, and their descendants, you know, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. And part of the vision requires 
danger to leave her body and go to them. I wasn't sure the exact manifestation. Um, before you get into it, Anne, I'm just curious um, to, to Rena and to, well, Scott's really big into it, but to, to Chi, what were your thoughts on the whole, and cover your ears, what were your thoughts on the whole, um, on that whole aspect of it? The, you know, the, the, the moving on to the next realm kind of deal. What, what was your impressions of that? I don't know. This is one of the things about the story that I didn't like so much. It's one of the it's one of the things that I could take or leave. Obviously, in the next story where they when they go to Hogwarts, it has more bearing there as far as the different descendants and that sort of thing. The whole psychic connection and the visions and the prophecies and stuff like that. I mean, it's been done a million times before. I mean, obviously, the the founders thing was a new new take on it. Trying to be honest, because I mean, I liked it, but it's one of the aspects of the story that I didn't like as much. The way that she writes, where there's a lot of dialogue, not a lot of description intermingled in between the dialogue, that kind of became burdensome because you needed a better sense of the setting all around in those particular... I'm just kind of remembering my vague impressions. I should probably stop talking. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, no, making, it's one of those things that I... I mean, it, it, it could be taken take or left with me. I would have preferred that she found some other way to do it. Instead of the mystical, you know, foggy, woo, <laughs> That would be great if they made that noise. If they made that noise, I would love it. <laughs> they need to make that noise. It, just, it was very, it was very like Twilight Zone. <laughs> no, I would have actually Doctor liked Who. it if they walked over yeah. to her and were like, woo, Like, I thought that would have been awesome. <laughs> like, parts of it, yeah. like, let me just say this. I, I, like, I, I too had issues with that whole part of it, but I did love the, and I know, um, Anne responded to this earlier, I did really love the part where they, um, where they're like, we're sorry, we gave you one prophecy, and per regulation 495, section 23A, I was unable to repeat that part of the prophecy. <laughs> it was very unfortunate that you didn't write it down and keep the piece of paper, because it could have saved you guys a lot of trouble. But the, um, the, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage here, because I don't know where the story's going, so I don't know how, re- like, I'm getting the impression from she it becomes relevant as we continue in, in as we go on, I pretty much see more of them. You do. You know, it was, it was, I guess I didn't get a good sense of them yet. And maybe I just read through it too quickly. Have like the cue from Star Trek or you have from quantum leap. You have, you know, the guy who's there, but he's not there. You have different, like, I wasn't sure were these, was this the great beyond? What were, was this just higher life? I I just didn't get a good feel for them. Yeah. I mean, the problem is it's an unclear setting with a lot of characters. And uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of bizarre because she does kind of throw in, like you meet like eleven new people, you know, and you're like, who is who? And I love the names. Who's talking I love the names. now? I love the names. I love the names. I know this wasn't one of the names, but it's usually you have like Severus Snape and you have Rowena Ravenclaw and Nerva McGon- and You have all these, you know, like the similar letters, but you know you have these very formal names. I was waiting to meet like you know Bob Hufflepuff. It was just like, <laughs> hi, I'm Adam. I'm Mike. I'm Steve. And like. Okay, apparently you guys were contemporary. Like, I just thought that was great. I was like, I was waiting to meet like you know Stan Ravenclaw and Bob Hufflepuff. I thought that would have just been awesome. But um, I guess this is one thing. I th- let me put it to you this way: this is what I thought was going to happen. This is my impression going into that scene. I'm like, oh, I know where she's going, and it really didn't go there. But I thought it would have been kind of funny if it did. When I was reading through that scene, what I really thought was going to happen was I thought that was where you were going to address the um, Mary Sue aspects that you said you wish you hadn't put in the earlier 10 chapters. And what I really thought was going to happen was I thought you were going to take danger there and part of her punishment for putting the curse on the Dursleys was going to be that she could no longer cure lycanthropy. 
that she could no longer have prophetic dreams. And I thought it was going to, you know, take away some of those aspects to her character. I thought that was how you were actually going to do it, which obviously didn't happen. Obviously, you know, she got some more powers, but I, I, I think that's where I thought you were going for a couple minutes there. One thing I did like was within ever, within these stories, you usually have, um, a main character given an artificial choice and the choice is either, you know, okay, you can go back to, you know, the world and it will be very difficult and, you know, strife, discourse, locusts, or you can stay here and never see them again and they'll never think of you again and, you know, they'll, they'll be very happy without you and life will be simple for them. They'll never have to do anything on their own and, uh, yeah, or you could do that. And usually what you see in these situations is the main character saying, you know nothing about what we're capable of. I'm going back to my family and being great. I liked the fact that just for once in a story, the main character was like, okay, option B sounds good. And eventually <laughs> came to change. But I like that yeah. because it's it's not what you expect. It's it's you, you, We're sensitive to that type of storyline. So I like the fact that Danger took the alternate choice. Just so you know, I'm hiding under the desk. <laughs> Get out from under the desk. I would make another comment. Why? I like it under Get here. Get out from under the desk. I love the story. I'm out. I'm out. Okay, you're out. You're out. Okay. I'm out. <laughs> Without spoiling the next one for me, because as you may know, I'm sharp as a tack, and I pick up on plot points like like nobody else can. I'm. I'm oh, good. please, Ryan. You make stuff up like there is no tomorrow. Pansy Parkinson <laughs> is a garden gnome. I swear it. That oh, my gosh. No. Let me tell you this. Oh, God. Ryan stopped talking to me for like three days around the time that Definitely the has. final Harry Potter book came out because I said on the forum, I said, I'll admit it. I read the carpet book and it was called yeah. the carpet book because it was photographed on a carpet. So people called it the carpet book. He thought that I was spoiling some awful secret that was going on that there was something significant about carpet. You made a comment book. about Snape in the Snape and Harry in the epilogue, <laughs> to which implied to me that Snape lives through the book, and I was very upset that I had been spoiled, and we saw how that worked out. Do you know but, what okay, happened to me? See that I totally made it up? With Deathly Hollows. What happened to you? It was incredibly bizarre. I was looking through a Facebook group that had all kinds of pictures and icons, and I came across this one picture. It was a, a white background, black lettering, and it said, on page blank, Moody dies, on plage, blank, Dobby dies. It went through, it finished up oh, with no. Harry and Ginny get married and have three kids, Ron and Hermione have two. And I was like, oh, huh, somebody's just, like, messing around and went on clickety-clickety. Yeah. I get the book. I start reading it. I'm like, hey, look at that. Moody's dead. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Dobby's dead. <laughs> I can't reproduce it entirely, but whoever that was got an advanced copy of the book, either that or their psychic, because it was absolutely accurate. Well, what we did was we planned to have a podcast like the Thursday before the book came out to talk about what we thought would happen, and then we would get together a week later and talk about what did happen. I was the mm -hmm. only one in that podcast because everyone had been spoiled by Thursday, so no one would do it mm -hmm. with me. So I'm sitting there like... <laughs> Hello, and the, the, it was it was just <laughs> myself, and yeah, Jen's husband I thought spoiled me, so I stopped talking to Jen. I told Jen if she wanted to ever speak to me again or work on the podcast, she'd have to divorce him. And uh, my boss at work, my boss at work was joking around with me. You know, it's too bad that Harry Potter dies, and I almost poured steaming hot coffee on him. I would like, <laughs> like, like I, I almost became unemployed and friendless in that last week. But that is true. I did throw things at Rena for no reason. Rena, I apologize. No, it's okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> I love how this podcast like careens around random corners. 
Oh, yeah, we have no idea. We're going to talk about potted plants in a minute. But where are we going? Oh, yes, <laughs> I am sharp as a tack. I can pick and up... And you don't want me to spoil you for something. Don't spoil me, because as you remember, in last week's podcast, I was picking up on every bit of foreshadowing, and I was only focusing on the areas that become fruitful, and, and I was not going down any dead ends. So, without spoiling for me, what do you think? <laughs> what do I think of what? I forget what we were talking about. Something about the Second <laughs> yes, Circuit of Appeals. I'm lost, too. <laughs> The Second Circuit Court of Appeals. Bob Hufflepuff. <laughs> Would you stop? I love the name. I do. I love the names. It takes, like, like you could have called him, like, you know, like, Heldernado or something like yes, that. Yes, I could have I could have given them ridiculous names. Well, the Ravenclaw sisters' names are actually picked for meaning, but, um... I'm not going to Maura Gryffindor was named after a friend. Adam Hufflepuff's name is picked for meaning. And um, Paul and Alex and Matthias Slytherin were just named because I liked the sound. And there was unfortunately no room for Bob. I have to say, Matthias, every time I read about him, Matthias Slytherin, I think Redwall. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to uh, uh, evoke that. It happened. I'd, I'd, already, I'd published the chapter and then I went, crap, that's the first hero in Redwall. Because <laughs> yes. anime just forms a just... snake, not a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, there, there's an important distinction there. Really random, and for the record, Alex Slytherin's animagus form is a golden retriever, or a golden retriever-like dog. Golden retrievers didn't actually exist then. Ooh, someone put some research into this. No, I just know about golden retrievers, because that's all we've ever had. All these rocks, man. <laughs> Do you have any response to anything that we said so far, or anything you want to throw out there about the Second Circuit Court of Appeals? Second Circuit Court of Appeals. I wish you'd stop calling them I'm that. not, because I'm going to get this in the damn fix. So at some point, they'll be like, wouldn't it be funny if we called them that? No. It's kind of like, um, and I know I talk about Lost all the time, but on Lost, they called, like, the producers, whenever they would shoot, like, the other's camp, they called it New Otherton, and that's their, like, little joke about it. And so in the season finale of the show, one of the characters refers to it as New Otherton. I love it when that happens. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe at some point it'll get in the fic, the second circuit court. You're so funny. I'm going to keep saying you. it, because people just, I, I say things, and, like, you'll be at work one day, and you'll pick up the phone, and it'll be me. You'll be like, how'd you get this number? Second circuit court of appeals. Second circuit court of appeals. Second circuit court of appeals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, you'd have you'd have a real hard time finding my work number, but we'll we'll get into that later. Okay. My screen goes completely blue. There we go. All right, is everybody still there? I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, my screensaver kicked in, and sometimes when it does that, it randomly disconnects me from programs. Second Circuit Court of Appeals. Second Circuit Court of Appeals. Yes. Fine. All right. All right. Mostly, I just thought that um, we never hear very much about the founders. They're mentioned in book two, and then they kind of just drop off the radar. We hear about the heir of Slytherin, but we never hear anything else about that. And I felt, I know in a million, billion fanfics, Harry is the heir of Gryffindor, and that's the big thing about it. But I have only one thing to say about that, and that is, I'm definitely, um, I've definitely got something up with that. Without spoiling you, I've definitely got something very much up with that. And someone is lying through their teeth. Dun, dun, dun. It is not yes. me. I will also say that um, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one to um, have heirs of Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff also showing up. Mm-hmm. But Can I have a request? Could I actually yeah. be the heir of Hufflepuff? Is that possible? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's taken. That's taken. 
Is yeah, there like sorry. A, is there like a deputy position available? Like if something sure. happens to the heir, if they resign or are incapacitated, I could actually be the heir of Hufflepuff. You you can, Honestly, you can be an honorary heir. That's possible. Okay, because I can. Deal I will with that. say this: when I read the story first, I kind of guessed from reading ahead about mm-hmm. who the other heirs were. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't, it's not incredibly it wasn't hard. Quite a guess. big shock when we figured it out. No, but, it, it's not meant to be. It's kind of one of those. Oh, well, that makes sense, sort of moments. Yeah. Well, I just have to point out now, I don't know who the heirs are. I haven't read ahead and being sure. I'll let, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil I you. I have no earthly idea who the heirs are. So I'm guessing Terry Boot and Luna. Let's see how good I am. Um, you're better than you know. Did but I, just, did I, won't I guess both? Say of nothing them? else. Oh, okay. Because if it's Terry Booth and Luna, I'm the, you know, that's going to totally redeem me for all the other crappy predictions I've made over okay. the years. Um, okay. I will so... tell you that um, the heirs we know about have been revealed one in year two, one in year three, and one in year four. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to keep going with the podcast, but I will read on later. Okay. So I want to talk about um, Andromeda comes in mm-hmm. in chapter 40. And, I mean, we've seen her before in the story, kind of peripherally. Mm-hmm. And um, we saw when she came through when Narcissa died. And now we see her interacting with the whole group, which mm-hmm. I think it's a good... I mean, obviously, since book seven has come out, there has been this huge new interest in Andromeda. Mm-hmm. Because she really was kind of a non-entity. She was just, you know, Tonks' mom. And we didn't really know... Well, Tonks' mom and Sirius' favorite cousin. So well, yeah. there w- there was some interest in her because of that, but I see we- I know what you're saying. She but, was just you know, kind I mean, of she was, there. Kind of, you did not see any fan fiction about her, I will put it mm-hmm. that way, before book seven came out. There's been this, this whole new interest in Andromeda, and, I mean, there's actually been some pretty good stuff written out there that talks about her and, and what and she's dealt really with. some really bad stuff, by the there's way. There's always bad stuff. There's always very, bad. There is a... There is a Harry Andromeda smut fix flowing around, oh, floating so around. Holy shit, are you kidding me? Interesting. Is no, it age, is it age appropriate? Is he, Harry Andromeda smut. Is it age appropriate? <laughs> is he visiting her in the nursing home in Biotrick of Let's get it on. What, what's, what's going on? Uh, don't, no, don't answer that question. No, Don't answer that question. All right. do, you, do you really want to know the plot no, of the story? No. I can tell you the plot oh, of the story. Cool. I read it. It was like a train wreck. <laughs> I just have to point out, for those of you who know the way, Lady, Lady Cheese's desire in life is to read as many train wrecks as possible and then go around and talk about them. I just have to vent that. Well, I'm glad, anyway. glad I didn't write one of them. No, you didn't. So, Although, in the beginning, we were nervous. It, people were yes, it, it could. I know it could have been. I'm still kind of sitting here going, how did this turn out well? Yeah, it did. <laughs> That's my constant surprise in life is people like this thing? checking accounts. They have checking accounts for it. Let's Don't talk- remind me. I'm going back under the desk now. All right, so so, okay, me. so I want to talk a little bit more about Andromeda and her involvement in all of this. Because we get to kind of, I mean, and I'm kind of skipping around a little bit because obviously, I kind of like it. This is sort of written like a TV show where you have the cliffhanger at the end of the chapter and the next chapter is about something completely different. Yep. Yeah, I worked but, real um, hard on yeah. the structure of this last yeah. bit. Yeah. But so, we have... Andromeda, and all of a sudden, I mean, everybody's being really, really honest with her. <laughs> and, mm. you know, now they've she got knows nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. you know, they, they're telling her everything. And, and Sirius is quick enough, I guess, or maybe he's just desperate enough to remember little of both. About, about the prophecy. 
you know, about royal stars will trust in him. And so he does this amazing thing that has everybody, I mean, has Aletha especially very, very shaken. And, you know, we know from the outside that this is because they're all supposed to be tested tonight. And we know Mm -hmm. because the founders have told Danger that they all have to face this test. They have to face their fear. Mm -hmm. And this is Aletha's right here. That all this time, she's been wrong. That all this time, Sirius really is a murderer. He really is this crazy they said he was. Yeah. It's like the the adults all face their fears literally simultaneously, which is obviously the structure of the plot. If you break down the structure, you have, you know, Aletha fearing that Sirius has been a murderer this whole time and she's been fooled twice. You have, you know, Danger fearing that Remus will, you know, not love her. You have, you know, Remus fearing that, you know, Danger will not love him. And what do you see in terms of Sirius facing his fear? He was, he just, he was afraid of, um, of losing it all. When you look at the way he reacts to it, obviously he stages a hostage situation with Andromeda the Tonks. And my favorite moment from there is, I, I don't know why, but when I'm picturing Amelia Bones, I, I always get this image in my mind of this older British actress. I know she's way too old for the part, and I know she's supposed to be much younger now because, you know, this is many years before the canon starts. But I always but- have this image in my mind of, of what Amelia Bones looks like, and she's this gruff tomboyish, will rip you apart. That sounds about like the image I had, yeah. yeah. And I'm just picturing, like I'm picturing her in my mind walking down like the hallway of the prison chewing on a cigar and like, you know, <laughs> like swallowing parts of it and like making the following noise every couple seconds. <sighs> like I'm just, that's what I'm picturing. So I'm picturing her walking down and she sees Andromeda being held, you know, prisoner by this deranged killer series black. And she's like, Oh, hostage situation. Oh, like that's what I was picturing in my mind. I'm like, this is wonderful. And what is she? What is she, Tonto? I don't know, but that that's the image in my mind I have. Like, hostage situation, like, very dangerous. Hostage situation, very bad. This is what we are trained for. No, wait, for. no, wait, I'm sorry. That's, that's Sala from um, <laughs> I Indiana. I don't know. I was, hostage what, situation, very dangerous. You like, go first. It's, it's like if McGonagall and Moody had a love child, don't, it don't, would be... Don't, oh, don't, don't, ah, don't. You had to say it. You this, had to say it. This is, this is who I picture Amelia Bones to be. So, <laughs> Have any of you ever read um, Harry Potter and the Battle of Wills by Jocelyn? No, but I can start. I have, yes. Her sixth year defense teacher is a female yes. who has a torrid affair with Moody. <laughs> you see him, like, come storming into the into the castle. Where are you, my little love bunny? Or something equally <laughs> ah, inducing. And they, like, fumble into her office and every student within range, like, turns and runs to find whatever magic brain bleach may exist. <laughs> My, when I was very new to the fandom, I didn't know a lot about the, like, I had never visited adultfanfiction.net. I did not know anything about the types of ships that were available. I thought everything was nice, Roland-esque, you know, fix. And Cannon, I'm, Cannon and Het. Yes, and I was, I was, and I was camping in, in Maine, and I had my pocket PC, because really, who doesn't bring fanfiction with them when they were in the middle of the woods? And I was reading, um, oh. what was everything? I was reading Curse of the Dam by Melinda Leo, and it was, it was a few, it was, um, Dumbledore's funeral scene. I hate to tell you guys, but, you know, it doesn't look too good. And, you know, they're, they're at the funeral, and McGonagall is saying a few words, and she's like, Albus, friend, mentor, lover. <laughs> and, and Hermione and, and Harry kind of look at each other, and I remember looking up into the sky, 
going, oh my god, there's a whole world out there that I have not encountered yet. So, and now, a word from Melinda Leo. <laughs> well, while I may have traumatized Ryan, I think we now all know that while Dumbledore may have been a lover, it was a McGonagall skirt he was chasing. Hi, it's Melinda Leo, and I'm bumping into your regularly scheduled podcast to invite you all to join us on the PFW forums in the reading group, where we're currently having a book discussion on the book and just mentioned Battle of Wills by Jocelyn. It's a great story with tons of twists and turns. It does indeed have a ship for Moody, or at least a lot of flirtation with the current Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. It's also got Snape losing his cover as a spy when he does something to help Harry. It's got loads of Harry drama, all kinds of issues and surprises going on for him. And it even meets the requirements of the canon crowd. So there's a lot to see. Come and join us. One of the most excellent plot points that she put in was, if you remember before Half-Blood Prince came out, we all had a lot of debate going on about the title, what the sixth book would be. There were rumors of the Green Flame Torch. Fortress of Shadows, Forest of Shadows, even the toenail of Ichabod, which I think was one that J.K.R. came out with herself. But regardless, Jocelyn uses those things as a plot element in the story and makes a chapter about it, and some of them are pretty clever. We'd love to have you come join us. It's a fun group, and you can even earn some points from doing it. So we'll hope to see you there. Bye! And, okay, I want I, I, I want to say this, and I want this to be in the podcast, because I think that people kind of got a wrong idea based on a comment that I made in the episode that I just listened to. Because mm-hmm. we were talking about slash stories. And I said, I'm going to go live in my happy little world of sparkles and snapdragons where there's no such thing as slash. That's not exactly how I put it. <laughs> that is how it got edited. <laughs> I'm not saying that I am against all slash stories. I am not. I don't mind slash stories that don't go against what we know of our canon characters. Yeah. If you want to have a slash story about Oliver Wood and some random Ravenclaw dude, that's fine. We don't know anything about him from canon. You know, it's not a whole left turn at the traffic light kind of situation. It's not, okay, we're going to have to suspend belief. Of course, if it was a story like this one that goes back to the very beginning and reworks the whole of it, you know, I might be able to stomach that. Probably not. But, I mean, I don't have a problem with Slash in general as a concept. What I have a problem with is when people take these characters and say, okay, all of a sudden Harry's going to wake up one day and realize that he just really loves the penis. You know, that's just not <laughs> how... I it hope works. he wouldn't put it like that. <laughs> I've read I some... I hope he likes like his own. You know, I mean... I've I, don't know, I don't know what to say about that. I'm, I'm going to leave it. You know, Harry literally wakes up one day and he's like, hmm, I feel different. What's wrong with me? I know, I'm gay. You know, I mean, and that's... <laughs> and then they expect people to believe that. And it's like, no, life does not work that way. But I just wanted to say, I, I really, I don't have a problem with Slash as a concept. What I do have a problem with is this idea that, oh, hmm, I'm a 14-year-old fangirl, and I think gay boys are cute, so I'm going to make Harry and Draco gay for each other. No. Rena, number no. one, welcome back. Number two, on the editing. <laughs> Sorry about that. And number three, um, while we're doing disclaimers, I would like to say for episode 49, uh, we at Pyrofic Weekly would like to apologize to all Africans everywhere. Oh, Living it, it right there. Wicked sorry. 
what have you associated me with? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm sure your reputation isn't going to take a nosedive after appearing on the desk. desk. I am very much under the desk, and I'm not coming out. All right, well, it's... And I just have to say this. You remind me so much of my friend Whitney. It is not even funny. Um... Thank you. Like for real. No, seriously, this is one of my best friends. I've known her for years. But just I don't know, the way that you put things and even like the tone of your voice, you just remind me so much of my friend Whitney. Okay. Okay. This is good. She's a little scared because she knows a lot of people from Africa and she's afraid of what she just associated herself with. No, it's more it's more that I've it's more that I've um experienced the podcast a couple times. And you remind me a lot of my crazy friends, and I know my crazy friends, and I know the people they are friends with. So I'm sure this is a compliment, but I'm still scared. Well, that's you should be. You, you certainly <laughs> okay. should be. Okay. So I'm taking the steering this- wheel. I am steering this conversation back onto some semblance of track. Okay, I'm going to jump in okay. here. I'm going to throw a bunch of ideas out at the group. Unless are you you weren't done with Andromeda Tonks? I'm not done yet. Keep going. <laughs> give me give me two more seconds. Keep going. So Andromeda, and you have to realize that. Andromeda has to be a pretty amazing character because I don't yeah. care if this is your favorite cousin from when you were growing up. I mean, my favorite cousin from when I was growing up is a slut who's got five kids now. I don't care for her anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I mean, if, if she walked up to me in the street and asked me for $20, I probably would hesitate before I gave it to her. Is she from Gloucester, oh, Massachusetts, by any chance? <laughs> no, she's not. Andromeda's been suspecting for a long time that there's more to this story. And right. why is that? And why is that? Because her 11-year-old daughter is brilliant. Just throwing that out there. Carry on. No, her 11-year-old daughter is, just notices she has things. To be, she has to be a very strong person. Because mm-hmm. even if she had her suspicions, she has had, this has now been, this is, how old are these kids? They're eight? Is that right? And at this point, they're um, not quite ten. Ten, something so, like that. They're, they're ten. They're ten and a half. They're ten. Okay. These are 10-year-old kids. She's had 10 years, pretty much, 9 or 10 years, of thinking that Sirius is a murderer. No matter what doesn't make sense to her, Mm -hmm. the overarching theme is that Sirius is a bad guy. And Mm -hmm. here she has to be a strong enough character, not only to believe what he says, but to accept it and to try and help him without any proof in Mm -hmm. front of her. You know, she has to be a very strong person to do this. And, you know, so she helps him accomplish this amazing thing of getting all the people together. And that's what I wanted to say about Andromeda. And um, I kind of think it's interesting that you related it to book seven because, um, you know, I didn't have book seven. I didn't have book six when I wrote this fic. And that's why I was amused last week when, was it Mike? It was some, somebody was questioning, oh, did book six come out between X chapter and Y chapter? Because um, no, book six came out while I was in the middle of the first year. Because I was even going to say too, um, the, the sacrifice of Narcissus Malfoy, or you know, the risk taken by Narcissus Malfoy, mm-hmm. panned out very well too. So it's, every once in a while, you really nail those things. Yeah, it was it was surprising to me how well some of what I did lined up. Yeah, because so, as we know, nothing yeah. I ever say lines up. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'm just looking over my notes here. You have you know, Danger's journey to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. You have Remus go and basically slap her three times across you, the face. You can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes. Well, you know what? I can actually hear it. Yeah, I can too. <laughs> I can. <laughs> I, and, and I will be sending you an email later with Second Circuit Court of Appeals just copied and pasted several times. <laughs> and, I, and can I just point out here, you know what? I, I, I made a comment in one of the podcasts that it's just the way the story came about. But when you create the story, you know, called Living with Danger, 
and it stars this new addition to the canon. It's, it's adding this new character of Danger Granger, who sounds like a Mary Sue. You would expect that that character would be the full focus of everything that happens in the story, and it's really an ensemble story from that point onward. And it actually reaches a point, too, where at some point I find myself, I find it almost like Danger, you know, slips into the background and she's not even that, you know, the focus of the story or, you know, a very important part of the story because the other characters and the kids are just so engaging to me. But I do Mm -hmm. enjoy the fact that Danger travels to the great beyond and she's there with Remus and they have this wonderful moment that I've had many times with girls when I was 17 and I didn't think you'd like me and I didn't think you'd like me and hug and everything. I love the fact that right there in front of Bob Hufflepuff, you know, and all the people with the wigs and they wear in England, you know, and all this in the black robes and the locusts and everything. I love the fact that they just make out in the middle of the room. Because you know what? These two people just have style. And I really respect that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I just want to let you know, if you call him Bob again, he will send his plant army to mob you. I am actually seeing how many times I can just poke at you and just to see if I get a mention in the story. Like, for example, as they're walking across... If you want to mention in the story, all you really have to do is ask. I am, like, an original character nut. I will just put people in for a moment. I'm going to have a character at some point named William Robinson for the sole purpose of allowing Danger Danger. to be introduced to him. Danger, Will Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Lions, tigers, bears, oh my. Well, no, I want to see what I can just leave you to. Like, if, for example, like, you know, Harry and, and, you know, Nini and everyone will just be walking across the entrance hall, and they'll just be that random Hufflepuff named Ryan game that's not beat up and Mother Slytherins, and they're like, oh, he's always doing that. They just pass him, and, you know, everything. (laughs) And, like, every, and, like, he comes down in the morning, they're still beating the crap out of him, and, you know, they graduate. Like that moment in Finding Nemo where the lobsters are walking along, hey, how's it going, Bob? Yeah. And the moon moves overhead, and you still see Ryan getting the crap beat up him by the Slytherins. And it's... I'm nicer than that. I, I won't. I won't have them beat the crap out of you all day and night. Okay, very nice. So, um, I'm just looking through my notes here. Other moments I have that I stopped doing whatever I was doing just to take reference of. I love the fact that we have Draco, and we have you know Nini, and we have. I love. I'm starting to call her Nini and not Hermione, and we have Harry and. Unbeknownst to us, they're in their animal form, and they decide to hold a staff meeting, and they decide that Harry should be the alpha male. And Harry's like, why me? And Hermione says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We've decided you should be in charge. And Harry's yeah, fir- and Harry's first job function, you know, as the alpha male is to call an election. Just, like, he takes over. But it's, like, the one thing all I could think of was... We just read Covenant of Echoes, and not only is Harry the pro- you know the promised one, or you know the golden boy, or what, what do they call him, the chosen one, the promise, whatever he was, the chosen, chosen one. one. Yeah, the chosen one. Harry Potter was big. He 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 had mm-hmm. a bright future ahead of him. So first he did that, and then you know after that was over in Covenant of Echoes, Harry was involved in this ancient magic with the leather. They wanted they wanted his they wanted his his and Jenny's love baby. They did. His so they lo- could his, make an evil dark lord. Yes, they needed his sperm. Yeah. Harry's sperm was very important in Covenant. Of that goes. Very important in that As story, those of yeah. you who belong to the restricted section very well now. Well, yeah, I've, I've kind of, that's, that's a, that's a pet peeve of mine, is not that he likes being the center of attention so much. Given his druthers, he'd rather only get noticed for the stuff he really loves doing, like Quidditch, and the rest of the time he'd rather everybody just leave him be. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the thing I actually wrote down here, the kids like Jack Bauer, because it's like every year, you're the only one who can save us, but haven't I done enough? Uh, can again. I take a year? Harry, you're the yeah. only one who can be the alpha male. The two of us are morons. We don't know what we're doing. Little do they know. They're not, they're not morons. They're just scared. No, they're not <laughs> morons. Can I tell you? The, I, how many times have I had to say this? These kids are brilliant. These kids could be running the entire world. Here's the thing. I think in, in their heart of hearts, most people are just not eager to yeah. do a lot of the like nasty details of life. And if they could get somebody else to do it for them, they would. Well, these mm-hmm. kids had that option. They didn't, they didn't have to take the reins. They didn't have to make the decisions. There are, there are people who are eager for it, but there are also people who will say, well... There isn't anybody else, so okay, fine, I'll do it. And it's just so interesting, too, when you think of the character of Draco, that he's deferring to Harry, because it, it was one of those moments where I snap back into canon mode, and I'm like... Yeah, and it's like, wait, what? Based on what we know of him from this story, it even kind of fits in with his personality, because he's not a leader. He's a bully, and you know that he's following the orders of his father. You know, he's not doing any of the stuff that he does on his own. You know, he he wants to be told what to do, even in canon. Mm-hmm. Other people tell him yeah. what to do, and he does it. And he's a bully, but he's not a leader. And I think that's part of the reason why Harry was kind of destined to be the alpha. I mean, really, I would have been very surprised if you would have picked someone else to have that role. Because yeah. it's not because, oh, well, Harry's the chosen one. He has to be. It's not that. It's because that's part of his personality. He is the one that people look to. You know, there's always that one person in any crisis situation. That, you know, that's, and, and that's very much what I was trying to bring out here. It's not, it's not, and, and the best part about it was, you know, the good leaders are the ones who don't want the position. Yeah. It's the well, ones who are. Leaders. If you had right. any idea how many times people have told me that, when I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to solve all your stupid problems when you're fighting in the chat room. Go away. Well, the best leader is reluctant. Leave me alone. Do you want to come work for us? We could use someone like you. No, I have enough problems. <laughs> Welcome to my life. But yeah, what I, what oh, I was going to say is. What if PSW we don't care enough about the fandom to have Wake? <laughs> we don't care enough yeah, about the fandom right. to have Wake. What I was going to say is that um, Harry is the leader. Draco is more of the show-off. Yeah. Like, he, uh-huh. he loves to be the center of attention as long as he knows he can do whatever he's just said he's going to do. Which means right. that as the story goes on, I sometimes have to work hard on not letting Draco, like, take over the story. Because he, he wants to be right out there like, look at me. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that, that fits with what we know of Draco from canon as well. You know, which, I mean, I think that's good. I think that it's good that you didn't completely rework the way these characters react to things and the no, way they, they behave. Wouldn't, they wouldn't because... really be those characters anymore. Exactly. They'd just be people that I'd used the names for, and I didn't exactly. want that. I wanted there to be the sense of it could have turned out this way. We definitely I mean, get that sense. It's a slightly rosier AU, slightly yes. rosier version of canon. Okay, and which first I like. of all, I, I want to say one thing real quick. 
and this is jumping ahead, but I just flipped the page and I found it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The fact that Dolores Umbridge brought Rotten Tomatoes to the trial, that just makes me hate her even more. Did we see Umbridge other than... I forget what happened that made her drop her tomato. I can't remember the exact... They caught her on fire. set her sweater on fire. They set her on fire. Was there a final reaction shot from Umbridge when everyone was acquitted? No. No, we didn't get to see her reaction. I left that one to your imaginations. Thank you so much for that. Because I'm like... You're welcome. <laughs> because I know perfectly well from my study of the noodle incident that you will come up with something far better than I ever could. Yes. In, in, <laughs> in one of Melinda Leo's fix, she had cracked down on, on the werewolves, and a pack of rabid werewolves ripped her limb from limb, and all you saw as they were approaching her was blood splatter on the wall, and I actually complained that they let her get off easy. So you're right. I mean, there was nothing you could have done. There. And yeah, she's I like, could... I had them eat her alive. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know what? You, you just chickened out on that one. So that was my reaction. Oh, I'm, I'm very cruel to her. I'm very cruel to her. That's but why I'm you'll afraid that you're going to put me in the story. I fear for my alter ego. I'm going to vomit some information out on the page here. And we'll just see what's, yeah, brace yourself, everybody. Okay, these are some of my best notes reading through these chapters. Okay. Uh, okay, here we go. The Care Bears stare. The pack has its own long-distance family share plan. I helped my mother pay her bills online. Her phone bill the last two months was like $270. If my mother had the ability to communicate by thinking, my life would be so much easier. So I really... Yes, but it's not quite that way. Mm-hmm. I think I think you've I think you've got a couple things mixed up. That seems like me. Yeah. Um the the whole like distance communication thing after this one incident that will not be a regular thing. This that was kind of a, a desperation maneuver because you know animals can't talk. One would think, yes. Yes. If they could, though, it would become a Disney movie, and I'd have a whole new set of of talking points. But yes, yes, so it's, it's it's not quite a Disney movie. But yes, when they turn, when the uh, cubs are untransfigured, whatever you say, they lose that ability, and they they only have it when they're using um their chains together. So it's it's not it's not unlimited, and it doesn't last forever and ever. Okay, because I I read this fic once, which it, it will be ever you know lovingly referred to as the fic that shall not be named. And after, like, 97,214 chapters, you know, something actually happened in the story. And um, it involved Harry and Ginny getting, you know, a way to communicate with each other anytime, anywhere, anyhow. And I, I felt like it was a Star Trek episode, so I'm glad there was some type of limitations. I'm also wait, go- wait, wait, hold on. Edit point, edit point. <laughs> They have this procedure done where if Harry looks into his hand, he sees Ginny. Like, the, like his hands. Oh, like, that would be creepy, considering where hands sometimes well, go. Well, that would be my thing, too. I mean, could you, <laughs> imagine, could you imagine if you called Harry to say goodnight, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God. Like, that could be... That could, that, that, that could be... I thought, well, it's kind of funny that you would say that. Do you object to what Remus and Danger have? Do I object to what they have? Um, Can I talk- answer that question? Um... <laughs> Rena has well. Number are you answering for yourself or for n- Ryan? Number one, it's gonna be in the podcast that I just sent you, uh, podcast number forty nine. But Rena, please go for it. <laughs> okay, that aspect of it is the one thing about this story that I do not like: the fact that they can talk to each other in their heads. And I, I have said this before, and I will say it again: it it's because, first of all, I think it would be incredibly annoying to be able to talk to somebody in my head, but. <laughs> 
But it's the whole idea of, you know, character one says, I love you, so-and-so, and character two says, I love you, too, and their super soulmate powers activate. And all of a sudden, yeah. they can do all this crazy shit. And I mean, it, and part of it is just because for about a year and a half, there was this rush of soul bond, soulmate bond fix where it was Harry and I Jenny. I it's overdone. And I do, ha- I do actually have a purpose for it, but. I know. I mean, and, and I understand that. And if I can look past it and just pretend that they're talking to each other, it makes it a lot more palatable to me. But it's just, that is the one thing that I don't particularly care for about this story is it's the whole idea of being able to talk to someone inside your head. I just, I mean, for, to me, it just, I, it never really sat well with me in thing, any of the stories. And the one thing I just want to add to is I listen to the stories in audio form. So I actually forget they can do that because mm-hmm. it, I don't see the bold or the italics or anything. So to me, it all comes out the same way. The one thing mm-hmm. I thought, which if, if I was, I mentioned this in the previous podcast, you know, like if any guy found out that his girlfriend could read any thought that he had, his first thought would be, oh my God, she knows where I keep the porn. <laughs> and it seems it seems like Remus's first reaction is this is wonderful, and I'm like, no guy would say that. But they can keep each other out. He's a slightly atypical guy. Yes, but I actually have a note in here that says Dangerverse series, the only place in the Harry Potter fandom where Remus is the alpha male. <laughs> like, like it just yeah. Because I know, I know that I know that that is one thing that has turned some people off. Is they're like, well, Remus would never be like that, but. Because of that connection, I think he can be. Because he has that one person who he knows will always support him, will not turn on him. The only other possible alpha male is Sirius. And can you see Sirius as an alpha male? Their house would burn down in like <laughs> six hours. So well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, even it's kind of the reluctant way to think again. Well, even in canon, Ramus is the more obvious quote-unquote alpha male choice. Because if you don't have James... You need mm-hmm. somebody to keep control. I mean, it's obvious that James was there to check Sirius. Mm-hmm. You know, Sirius was the one that always went too far. And James was the one that would hold him back. And, I mean, or at least it wasn't with All My Love, which is, of course, canon. No, never mind. Um, but, you know, um, I mean, that's the way it was. James was there to check Sirius. And Ramus was there to kind of sort of, affect, like, keep James sort of in check. Sort of. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you know, it, it makes sense for Ramus to be the alpha male more than Sirius. And I really enjoyed this version of Ramus uh, because I'm a big Ramus fan and I like to see him kind of in control of himself and, you know, and not quite so uh, much more of a wimp as he cool. was in Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he wasn't, well, I, I think it's just a bad rap in, in Deathly Hallows. I really do. Yeah. Because I think that Lickendrobby is such an unresearched disease. I mean, he didn't know if the kid was going to end up with it. He mm-hmm. didn't know. I mean, there's a lot of there was a lot of factors that made Ramus react the way that he did. Did he react optimally? No, but did he react like a real person would have reacted? Yes, and I think that's the beauty of Joe's characters. She, you had a great question that you wanted to ask, Anne. You mentioned back in the previous podcast about um, Danger's ability to cure Remus's lycanthropy. Remember? Is that how you say it? Because I always say lycanthropy. It could be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I keep screwing up. Um, okay. Veritaserum Listen, Veritaserum. Listening to excellent question. Uh, Chi, do you remember your excellent question? Because you said to yourself, I have an excellent question. Here it is. I shall ask this. No, I didn't. I don't remember it now. Okay. Cheese, do you remember it? I do, because I just listened to it today. <laughs> Cheese, excellent question is going to be 
the ability to cure Remus's lycanthropy every month. She is someone who sees lycanthropy as something akin to cancer. It's nothing that you can ever cure. It's something that you have to learn to deal with. Could you talk a little bit about your reasons for giving Danger the ability to remove that disease? And did you consider the possibility of not going that route and having Danger be able to communicate with the wolf every month, you know, if she had not been able to cure him? Um, yes and no. Again, this goes back to the whole, this was only ever supposed to be 10 chapters and I needed a a way to make it all happy. But, um, it's actually served me very well to have it as it is. I can't say a whole lot because it gets into plot stuff, but I can say that, um, you'll hate me, but, um, the werewolf taming is actually very much related to the bond that they have, to the fact that they are joined the way they are. Yeah. It's, um... It's she almost, can't do it to anyone else. Yeah, she she cannot she could not tame any other werewolf. This this is and always was only for Remus. And um And once you keep going, Ryan, you will understand. Okay. Yeah. And there's and I've also I've also started to get into the nature of lycanthropy more and the uh well, I I don't know if I've published anything on it yet, but it's very much in the future that it will be discussed. My feeling of it is that it is almost a cross between a disease and a curse. And um, the disease is what changes your body, and the curse is what changes your mind and soul. And danger can reverse. She can stop the effects of the curse part of it, the magical part, but she can't stop the physical disease. He still transforms. He just keeps his mind. Right. Okay. She, even though you don't remember asking the question, any, did I leave anything out? No, no. I, I thought it was an interesting artistic choice. More power to you for writing it that way. I think that without the the actual transformation every month, you lose some of the beauty of Ramus as a character. But um, I think you compensate for it in other ways. And I, I, at the end of the day, I mean, it's 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 a good. I mean, it's a good story. Yeah, and that's be, really what it comes down to. And just to be clear, he does transform every month. It is still a part of him. It's just right. It's the, I mean, um, I mean, but I'm the, saying, yeah, he's the full transformation. Yeah, he does. He doesn't is, lose his mind every month. But wouldn't that be the same if he was just taking Wolfsbane? He would transform physically, but keep his mind. Right. Right. I always got well, that he it's took, the same thing, but yeah, I always, huh? I always took Wolfsbane to be kind of like the way it was in After the End. That the Wolfsbane incapacitated the wolf himself, so that he did lose his mind. He he was literally the wolf, but he was so tired and so lethargic, he just couldn't. But do that's anything. that's not canon. In in canon, it says I keep my say. mind. I curl up as a harmless wolf. I'd tell you, but my roommate took all our Harry Potter books with her when she left. Uh, I used to have a set of my own, but they got lost along the way. It's a long story. So all I have right now is Deathly Hallows, but it's in Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay, Remus says, I take the wolf's bane. It allows me to keep my human mind. I just curl up in a corner and wait for the moon to set. Oh, wow. Okay. I do I do remember that. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, the first five books, I can probably quote you lines. I'm horrible that way. Hey, well, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I just, I don't know. I think it was probably the whole, I think Brennan and I probably have the same issue with the Super Soul Bond activate yeah. moments I don't know I don't know, I don't know if I would do the same thing if I wrote it if I started writing it today but I might yeah. because I've been able to do so much with it and I've even got um this isn't giving too much away I don't think I've got a mythological component planned for um the very very end of the story where you find out 
where lycanthropy originally came from and why it takes this form and what's been going on with it all these years. Can I just ask you one question about yeah. that? Because, the, like, obviously, like we said, in the first 10 chapters, you have, you know, it starts off Remus trips over danger at the park. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. if only I had Harry Potter, then he, like, you know, trips over him in the park. Oh, wait, look at that. Yeah, look, there he is. And, okay, now next paragraph in, he meets his wife. You know, next paragraph mm-hmm. in, turns out she's a witch. Uh, next paragraph after that, you know, she can cure like and throw it. Like, it's obviously, like, it almost seems like you, you can actually see, you know, your eraser on the, um, on the original timeline of the saying, nope, this will happen this way and this will move here. And it's, it like, obviously, you know, in the first 10 chapters, it, it moves very briskly. You do do a lot of things, you know, later on in the story that, you know, better compensates for it. Remus does still transform. The fact that he's a werewolf mm-hmm. does still matter because it's his insecurity and it threatens his relationship to danger. So there mm-hmm. are consequences to things. It's not neatly tucked away. Um, my question about the um, oath that the pack takes is the oath... And I hope I'm not getting the details wrong. Obviously, they take the oath um, when they're on the run, but then Harry mm-hmm. in, in the young and the younger Cubs and and, and Ron and, mm-hmm. and Luna and Jenny take an oath, and it seems as though if as long as you take that oath, you have not the the same level of the bond that you know <laughs> superpowers activate. But it seems like there are powers that come with that. You're, you're you're taking an oath to each other. It's a magically binding oath, for lack of a mm-hmm. better term. But there's also that component where they can communicate with each other. They, they they have additional powers with each other. I don't know if I just thought it was overdone because it had been done in the previous chapter. It came across like anyone can do it, which obviously I don't think they can. It's contingent upon the emotion. It's contingent upon mm-hmm. meaning it, caring for and it. And it, it was also partly contingent on it being that night, that place, those people. A lot of factors that all came into play to make it work right then and right there. Okay. Because for me, the way it came across was it was the only time it had been attempted in the story and it worked, so it implied that, you know, anyone could do it. I'm like, oh, it's really that easy to, you know, get super powers. Yeah, I know. I know. Super cub powers activate. No. Ren, Ren I can I do know, the line for you anytime. I know, it, I know it came across that way. I just... I was I was not as good a writer then as I am now, and oh, I was but kind I, of I disagree, my rambling friend. and improvising. I disagree on that one because I just have a few other things I'd like to chime in here with. Um, the fact that Wolf Harry tries to get the chess pieces out, and they're all like, "Run away, run away, run away!" Because a wolf is grabbing at them. I thought, was "Well, great. hey, you you figure you figure if they can talk, they have to be able to think a little bit." Yes. And what would you yeah. think if you saw a big giant wolf coming at you? You'd be like. Crap, All right. Run. Some of my other notes here. I mentioned this one before, but they're going to form a pack with Luna and Ron, but need to leave out the blood because they're not allowed to use knives without parental supervision. You would be amazed um, what rules kids think feel themselves obligated to follow and what ones they think they can break. I speak from experience. Okay, I'm just saying. I just thought that was cute. <laughs> no, um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be like. You just, you would not believe some of the stories I could tell you. Dead goldfish over here. Um, yes, Megan exactly. retires as a monologuer because now they can communicate with Animal Harry, Animal Nini, and Animal Draco. And I love that. Megan retires as a monologuer. She no longer has to be the voice of the pack. Mm-hmm. And she walks in and gives Molly Weasley a big hug and robs her blind within a few moments. Yes. So I and thought... lifts and just... Now, did they take... Now, how did... Ron and I think it was Ron and Ginny or Ron and Luna get to Hogwarts when they bring Wormtail. They they went by flu. Did they go by flu? Okay. They, yeah. they went they went by flu. Would they to the Hogwarts the wa- kitchen? What did they need the wand for? Um, to activate the Marauders map. This is good because I read this yesterday and you wrote this. Yeah, they ago. stole the map from Fred and George. 
They used Molly's wand to turn it on so they could be sure that Hagrid was there. And then um, Ron and Megan went to Hogwarts and, uh, and got Hagrid to help them. Now let's talk about how stupid Wormtail is here. Now, Wormtail's always He's a freaking rat. He's always been stupid. Okay, now you're Wormtail, and you've been a rat for, you know, nine years. And you're sitting on Percy's shoulder. And I'm only assuming he didn't pick up on the fact that there were, like, 17 other guy in the room who could tell he was an animagi. They were hiding. They were hiding. They, okay. they, were, they were hiding, so Percy wouldn't see them and be like, why are there animals right, in your so room? Now, so, now, so now you're this rat, and you're in a cage, and you go through the flu, and you go to Hagrid's. And it's Ron and was it Luna or was it Ginny that was with them? I think it was Megan. Megan. You just said that like two minutes ago. Okay. So it was yes, Megan. Yeah. Well, I miss it. So Megan and, and, and Ron go to Hagrid's hut and they're like, Hagrid, he's having trouble sleeping. Can you give him anything? And I can just picture Wormtail. I don't remember having trouble sleeping. <laughs> like, I'm just, <laughs> and he's like, here's some honey. Ooh, that looks tasty. Like, it just, it's like, you stupid moron. They're drugging you. Like, it just, I don't know. Just, that part cracked me up. Um, well, he's a but, dumbass rat. but, hold on, here comes he is a dumbass rat, but at the same time, if you can imagine, he's been living as a rat for 10 years. Okay. How many times do you think he might've just been, I don't know, feeling lethargic and Percy Weasley thought, oh, my he's rat sick. is sick. Like, Let me him- pump him full of rat tonic or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that anytime my dogs look like they might have a stomach ache, I shove Pepto-Bismol down their throats. So, I mean, I'm sure most of the time it's not actually doing anything. I'm just medicating them because that's what they kind of sort of look like to me. My kids it's are coming out on Benadryl. I just want to say this. My kids' and Benadryl and, is the and, Yeah, popular. Wormtail's just kind of like, oh, this again. Oh, Ron's this getting, kid Ron's thinks I look sick. Speaking of Percy Weasley. All right, fine. Speaking of Percy at least, Weasley. At least this stuff tastes good. I don't know why they're bothering to give him a trial. He should have been given the Dementor's kiss straight off. You don't get arrested unless you're guilty of something after all. Percy does not seem to be in favor of closing Guantanamo Bay. I just want to point that out. You're either with us or you're with the terrorists. Well, it seems to fit his character. It does. I'm just... Mm-hmm. Th- we're, no, we're Percy on the part where you're saying you, you weren't as good of a writer then, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm combating mm-hmm. that argument. Well, you haven't seen what I'm writing now. This is true, Tushy. And... Well, but also, you know, it just seems like Percy never, even the Percy in canon, he never hit that, like, highest level of reasoning. No, you know, he doesn't. He- you know, you get to that point where, you know, when if you ever study child development around between, like, seven and eight years old, it's everything is black and white. Yeah, rule I mean, follower. If, right if there was such wrong. a thing as a lawful lawful, mm-hmm. that would be him. He He's yeah. not so much mm-hmm. about the good and evil. He's about the lawful. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he, he's a lot like I, Hermione was in the first book, and yeah. she grew out of it, and he didn't. We could we could all have been killed or worse, expelled. Yeah, yeah. She needs to sort out her priorities. Yes. One other thing, I want you now. This is the conversation that the Second Circuit Court of Appeals gave to Danger. Now, I want you to imagine Canon Harry got the same argument. Okay. Is that is that why you entitled Danger as himself? This may be, because when I think Danger, I think him. God knows why. All right. Basically, Danger is given the decision. You can go back to your pack. Your husband will become a werewolf every month. You will have no early advanced ADT warning system of anything that's going to happen. And, you know... I throw apricots at you. Things look gloomy. Or you can stay here. Your family will be well cared for. They'll have everything they need. They'll never miss you. Everything will be fine. They'll never be in danger again. Everything will be great. What do you think Canon Harry would do there? Well, which which Canon Harry? 
Uh, Which this book? Would, let's say mid fifth year. Fifth year, Harry'd take it. At what point would he take it? I really do think he would. What point wouldn't he take it? Maybe Honestly, the first, well, uh, I don't think he would have in the first book, to be quite honest with you. Because he didn't think that his life was miserable in the first book. Well, in the first just, book, his life was turning out grand. Well, you know, and he wasn't making people's lives miserable. But at the same time, honestly, I don't think Harry would have taken it at really at any point, especially after he found out about the prophecy. But, you know, he was, oh, what, what I'm saying is, it's the type of argument that you have to recognize your friends would rather have you around than be convenienced. And that it's, it's a yeah. flawed argument. They're not going to be happy with you not there. I don't think Harry ever reached a point where he separated the two, and he only made the right decisions because his friends were there to influence him and show him the way. But I honestly think at any point in the series... Oh, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. You don't? I really don't. No, I don't think that's fair. I think that Harry Potter does just fine on his own, and I think he does just fine with his friends around. I think he was about to walk off. I think that you're greatly um, underestimating his abilities and his intelligence and his heart. I really do. I think he does just fine in Deathly Hallows without his friends. He does, but he walks off to sacrifice himself. He walks off to sacrifice himself without Ron and Hermione. He wants to take off in the fifth book, and only Ginny slaps some sense into him. He does fine without his friends. He jumps into a freezing pool of water with a horcrux around his neck, Otherwise, well, totally. Harry is the is the ultimate self-sacrificing hero. The, 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 right. I mean, he, that'd be, that's what I'm saying. He would sacrifice himself for his son. Yeah, so look at the decision. If he that's thought made. that they would be happier without him, he would have left. No, he, he wants... He would have made the same decision that Danger would have made. Well, here's the thing. Danger thought about it. Danger was on the fence. Danger needed more time to think about it. And I've... It was one of those things where, you know, the, I thought the argument was really over the top. I forget who one of the descendants was, but even, like, threw in a line at the end, they won't even miss you. <laughs> like, it was like, you know. It was the Slytherin. It had to be the Slytherin. You know Slytherin. that. Yeah. Waiting for the line, and they think you smell kind of ripe. Just throwing that out there, too. Like, I was waiting just, you know, for the ultimate salt <laughs> in the wound. But, you know, it, it was one of those arguments where it's either you can go back to them, and they'll have you, but it'll be difficult. Or you can stay here, and they'll be fine, and they can, you know, we'll take care of them. And, like. Like, I don't know, Harry, there's no circumstances under which he would go back. I was sort of playing with, um, last, at the last podcast that I was listening in on, you mentioned that, um, there were some fairy tale aspects yeah. to yep. this story. I was playing on that because in fairy tales, a lot of times you see that the characters have to face that one final test. And it usually mm-hmm. is a little bit, but over the top, a little bit overblown. So she makes the decision to stay, and Remus comes back for her, and Remus insists on being part of the punishment, and they both admit to their ultimate fears, which is essentially the test, to admit to their ultimate mm-hmm. fears. What would have happened, being the master of this universe, if Danger had said in the beginning, hmm, you know what, I want to go back, send me back. See, I don't, I don't know if her character would have allowed her to do that, because... She's got some very deeply rooted insecurities. She's She's got some self-esteem issues. She may not show it. She puts on a brave face a lot of the time, but she's got some very deep issues. So I don't know if I could have, at least believably to me, allowed her to believe that she was important enough to these people. Even with all the evidence she's had through these years, she probably wouldn't have thought that she was important enough that they would want her back rather than everything that she could do for them unless one of them told her so directly. Good answer. Okay. My last comment, because we're getting kind of late tonight, um, mm-hmm. my last comment is the fact that Danger 
beats the ever-living snot out of Reed the Skeeter. <laughs> in the yes. follow-up comment about how, you know, she broke 17 ribs and, like, shattered her vertebrae and all this stuff. And they're like, she said she got hit by a newspaper. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe she got hit by a newspaper truck. Like, I just, like, like, yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I had so much fun with that scene. No, it would have been better. The newspaper truck line was awesome. I can't even say that. You can't improve it upon the newspaper truck line. What would have been better is if there was no mention of her ever again. She just slid down the wall and was never seen again. <laughs> oh, but I need her to be horribly annoying in later stories, so. I know, but I hate her. I know. Don't mm-hmm. worry. Now, I have to point out, now, we're a very weird group of people over at Potterfic Weekly. And, no. Yeah, I once asked Chi, how are the pipes? And the, the podcast went down the hill from there, and now we can't let 13-year-olds listen to it. I... <laughs> I started reading a line, and I, I think I had stopped listening. No, I stopped listening to the story for a little bit, and I started the story back up, and I started reading the following lines to me. The boys lay in the sun outside the Weasley's I knew you were going here. Each Holy ruminating crap, silently on the beauties here. of the gorgeous things belonging to them. Harry's 11 inches, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, what the fucking <laughs> hell is this? And I'm like, oh, they got their wands. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is Ryan, just, Ryan, Ryan. Is it just me? Come on. Is no, it... I had that thought. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting here and I'm like, who put I this put on my iPhone? I put dirty stuff in the story on purpose. There is no need to read extra in. Yes, there is. You don't know Potterfic Weekly. Your official position as the author of the story is that was just a coincidence. Oh, yes. Just mm-hmm. an absolute coincidence. No, no, um, no innuendo there at all. I have three words for you. Paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't see it, but my horns are holding up my halo. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Right. <laughs> all right. I think that was all I really wanted to comment. I mean, I really love the way the story worked itself out. I mean, we obviously have the huge plot line with they're obviously arrested, they're brought to the ministry. Wormtail shows up at the ministry and everything kind of just, you know, goes forward from there. Like that part of the plot didn't really interest me as much because it was very A to B to C to D to E. I mean, there was no real mm-hmm. curveball thrown in there. It was more of just going through the procedural motions. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I kind of I kind of had the dominoes lined up and I just go flick and down they all go. There's even a line in there somewhere, I wrote it down in my notes somewhere, about how... Let me search for it. Everything will be fine if they find Peter. And then my only thought is, why didn't they do this eight and a half years ago? And it's like, the minute they find Peter, they're like, Case just missed! stupid. Thank you. That's Thank why. You. It's like, Case... And it was so... Fr- I love just the ease in which Case everything happened. It's, it's You could tell, thank God, Dumbledore was on the Wising Gamut and all this stuff. They see Wormtail and they're like, hmm, Case dismissed. We're so sorry. And he's exonerated the next day. And mm-hmm. One thing I, that really jumped out at me was just your, your style of writing at some points is just to say things very simply. It's like, Molly, sit down. Molly, sit down. Molly, sit down. We won 10,000 galleons. Molly sat down. Like, I don't know, I just, I was sitting on my couch with my girlfriend next to me, and I was reading through these chapters, and I'm like, <laughs> read this, and I would make her read it, and then I would get, like, two paragraphs down, and I'm like, <laughs> read that, and it, you completely screwed up her entire evening, I just want you to know that. Hey, I, what can I say? I like my stupid jokes. Does anyone else have any final thoughts on these chapters they want to? I have something I would like to say. Go for it. Oh. Uh-oh. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you That's for being me. a Harry Jenny fan. You're welcome. Yes. You're welcome, if, if you're this, welcome, you're welcome. Well, where else story... is she going to go? Harry Hermione? 
I know. I know. That would be it's kind just, of a little bit wrong. You know. They've been sleeping together for years. I, I will say this. I very recently become a little bit more open with some of the ships that I will read. Reveal your secrets. I I will admit I have read stories where Hermione ends up with somebody else, and some of them are pretty good. Go on. And I mean, Sorry, Rena, who does she end up with? Various people. Anyone in particular? Not really. Don't lie. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting just... I'm getting Rena's death glare. I'll shut up now. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've read some with I mean from various people, and and some of them mm-hmm. are pretty decent. However, I just, I cannot bring myself to read a story where it's not Harry and Ginny. I just can't do it. And I'm so glad yeah, that, that that Harry and Ginny are going to end up together in this story. It just, it, 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 it makes the baby Jesus happy. Were you, so. were, were you happy when not they finally got around to it? Not for a very, 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 very long time, but they do yes, get there. Yes, I was. I was thrilled to pieces. And you have to understand, when I started reading this story, I stumbled onto it and remember how I found it originally. At the time, I was working in a medical records office at this hospital. And the shift that I worked, I was by myself the whole time in the office. I went to work for like three days in a row, and I didn't do anything productive because I was reading this. I want you to know that 17 people in Arkansas died during those three days because their medical records were nowhere to be found. They all Everybody died. keeps telling me I write drugs. I didn't mean to do that. I just like to go on record when the nice policemen come to well, arrest I mean, me for peddling. That's just- that's something that I've always done. I mean, I get a new book and I cannot put it down until I finish it. And so, I mean, it's the yeah. same thing with stories. I, I mean, I like could that, not stop reading. And so, I'm like it was that, just, but I'm insane. So, and so, I mean, I I absolutely ate these stories up. And then, very last time that you updated the last chapter. I had just started reading the last story again. I got to the end of the where I knew it had stopped. I had already read the chapter that had already been posted. And I was like, oh, man, I just I wish there was another chapter. And then, bing, there it was. I was like, holy crap, this is so exciting. <laughs> um, you're welcome. I'm a big fan of the story. I really, really like the way that the direction that you've gone into it. I like the voice that you use in it. I think that there are a lot of elements in the story that could have been done very, very poorly. And I think that you've done a great job of keeping your consistency, keeping the characters really consistent. I mean, it's it's difficult to maintain a fluency in a story that spans so much time and that has taken so many years to complete. You know, it's very difficult to keep those characters you know, at the and same it has place. Gone so through so many incredibly bizarre plot twists and is due right. for several more. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean I think that takes a lot of talent and I think that I really, really enjoy these stories. Thank you. I think I'm tearing up a little Okay, is things. it is it my turn? Oh go I ahead. Guess. Oh, go okay. Ahead. I enjoyed reading Living with Danger and all of the stories that followed. Um I don't think that I've read the latest update, but I try to keep up. Um I have to say, I think the most favorite thing to me about this series was watching your development as an author. As a beta reader, I'm, I'm fascinated by how people grow um, mm-hmm. when they write. And I think that as a compilation, your story shows how you go from being what I would call like a baby author who makes kind of interesting choices because they're easy at the time but become complicated. And I, I think it's it's a good story to read for that 
reason. It's also a good story to read because it's a good plot. It's good characters. It's fun. It's uh, easy to read. And I think, you know, probably makes my top ten all-time favorite Harry Potter fan fiction list. There's a uh, light shining out from under my desk because I am blushing so hard. It's illuminating the whole room. And I just have to say, she is the woman in her bathroom who yells at the damn kids together for lawn. So the fact that we're getting praise on she is pretty damn good. Yeah, and I, I just want to say thank you for... like I hate everything, that's not true. That's not true. That's thank thank you for saying that about um, my growth as an author, because that's what I really mean when I say, oh, I wasn't good. I don't mean that I wasn't good as in I was bad. I mean that I was I was yeah. a novice. I was The Dangerverse was really my first truly serious Harry Potter fic. I had done a little dabbling at first, and then one night I was just sitting on the futon, and I was like, hmm... What if, what if, what if, what if? And I went over to my computer and started typing. And then I was typing at 3 a.m. and my roommate was leaning over the end of her bed going, I'm going to drop my Ochem book on my, your head and kill you. Go to bed. That's a bad roommate situation. You, you should have called the cops on that one. I'm just throwing that out. Nah, nah. I, 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 was, I was up too late. So um, yeah. she had a point. I just want to say something here. Before I read a story, sometimes I think I get scared off just by the impression of what the story is. And as I can tell you, like, we got, I got a bad idea of what the story was going to be like. I thought it was going to be 33 chapters of howling, just random howling, no apparent reason. I'm used to trying to find good fix to read and getting a fic where Harry is a cat. Um, you know what I mean? You mean like or, an actual cat and not an animagus cat? No, he's like a, he's like an Ostrogod cat having butt sex puppies. Like, it's, it's weird. Or, you know, you find the fic is wonderful, except, you know, for the fact that Draco Malfoy is inexplicably the headmaster of Hogwarts for some reason. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Reading the uh, summary of the story. On uh, fanfiction.net? Yeah, I think I'm on fanfiction.net. I've heard this a lot. Yes, I need to change that. Her landlady married a dog and had his yes. baby. Her oh, little sister God, is, I've heard so much about that. Her little sister is far too smart. She helped to steal two little boys, one with a famous scar, and her husband is a werewolf. Her name is Danger, and this is her story. I'm like... Huh. Okay. And then I'm flipping through some of the other, you know, summaries here. Harry Potter, Hermione Granger Lupin, and Draco Black were raised by the Marauders and their wives. They and their friend Ron Weasley are off to Hogwarts. Heaven help Hogwarts years one and two. It's just the points where you hear the names, and you're like, Hermione Granger Lupin, Draco Black. So this is obviously one of those stories where Harry in Chapter 2 turns out to be a cat. So it's like, because of what's out there, I tend to stick near my front yard. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting for me because when 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 I think of that concept where everyone's different, you think to yourself, okay, this is just you know an author who is obviously going to engage in some type of bestiality in, in, in the course of the story. But you never stop to think that the story will go far. It will go completely back to the beginning, and it will develop so believably. And we're hard on believability. You know, we gave um, Nightmare of Futures Past you know, as a series, a lot of flack. It tried to merge canon with AU, which is really hard to do. Yours mm-hmm. was just a complete recreation. And by the end of it, you have Hermione changing her name to Hermione Granger Lupin as a gift for Remus. And you have Draco Malfoy on the verge of becoming a Gryffindor. You have, you know, this, this you know, you have a universe where you have a character named Danger Granger who has secret super-duper powers, and it feels like a real place to me. And I think one of the things I mentioned in the first uh, podcast that we covered, which uh, you just got your hands on tonight, but I haven't mm-hmm. listened to yet, is that the whole se- the series itself in the first ten chapters, my complaint, it didn't feel like a real place because no one was behaving believably because, you know, within the first five chapters of the story, 19 miraculous things happened to Remus. 
It yes. didn't feel like a, the reason I liked it was Remus is like, this is odd. This shouldn't be happening. Like, like they could, they could like feel you writing it that way, and they're like, this is peculiar. But by the end of the story, they're a fan, they really feel like a family to me, and they really feel like genuine people, and they and, and I, they have substance to them. So if there's anything that you gained in the in the first fifty chapters that you wrote. It be, it's real to me, and that's why I want to continue reading with it, which I usually don't do at this point, because it seems like a real place. I'm interested to see where these characters go, because they it, it doesn't... Sometimes it's like you read it, and you're like, okay, you're still Draco Malfoy. I can't buy into it. I can buy into it, because it's so believably done. Mm, thank you. Our goal is to now that's just make where it where all our AUs come from, because yes. it is such a it's, a... it's another world, and we can use that and build off it just as much as we can build off the canon world. You made a reference to the real canon in there, didn't you? The oh, second, I, the second I have. Appeals, yeah. I have made references. The one, if I if I was going to recommend one um, AU fic for you to read before um, the next podcast, if you want to, it would be the one called Maybe, because that addresses that actually has a chapter in which um, Danger gets to see through the after effects of a bad spell the canon universe and. She's horrified because there are some things that are not good there. Yeah. Well, the good thing is when you're in a universe like this enough, I love the visual whiplash. It's when you go back to the real canon and, you know, Harry and Drake yes. are fighting oh. in the hallway. It's, we got, I got so many comments when Deathly Hallows came out. You have ruined me. I was reading it and saying, where are the characters? Why is Draco acting like this? And I had to stop and say, no, it's canon. I just love the fact that you gave... You know, Kingsley Shackenbolt a cubicle. I just, I thought that was a great artistic choice <laughs> as well. I'm picturing him working the little cubie with, like, the microwave and, like, the coffee maker, but if you try, you have, like, scoliosis in there because the thing's so tiny and he's trying to, like, get everything done and he's dropping ink on himself. I just, I don't know. Wow. Not one of my best moments to go out on, but it's, I'm reading through my notes. <laughs> it, it meant a lot to me. I love the fact that he had a cubicle. Final notes I have. Danger. I need to get back. They need me. Ryan. Not so much. <laughs> well, that was part of my running thing about how the, the the adults were kind of driving them towards the brick wall, and the kids were desperately trying to grab the wheel back. It's like, you ever read what you write and then try and figure out what you were going for? Danger must have amnesia if she doesn't recognize Hogwarts. She practically lives there. Well, she just... She just went through kind of a disorienting experience. That is true. Something doesn't seem quite right. Um, Danger, you're wearing a wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> Danger is surrounded by the contents of Noah's Ark and has a drooling problem. Drooling what? There was a line when she was there. I think it was when she first saw the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. There was a lot. It was like the closeout line of a scene where she's like, she almost drooled all over. Oh herself. yeah, she she closed her mouth before she drooled on her dress. Can I just tell you, as a small child, <laughs> I drooled consecutively for seven years straight. And never oh. stopped. Just sharing. I, I feel a closeness to danger. Right <laughs> Wonderful, right? Well, you thank know, you. I, I need, I'm so glad. I shall treasure that nugget of information always. I need to get the, the information out there to people who can use it. That's pretty much all I have here. Um, I just, I really enjoyed the final chapters, and I'm reading more, and no one has gotten me to do that ever. So, damn you, is all I really have. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little negative. No, because I could totally BS her. I love the story. I'm going to keep reading, and you have a wonderful day. Well, yes, yeah, so in, in that in that regard, I take your damn you in the spirit in which it was meant. And I would just say that if you're on TFA, my green website, 
do be careful. That is where I catalog some of the stuff that's just a little weird. And if you create an account and there, cause there, there's a couple levels of like hidden stories on there that people have put that they don't want everybody to see. So eventually you may be able to see a few things you couldn't originally. And some of it's a little odd. I'm from Perfect Weekly. Odd yes. is my life. <laughs> That's true. Um, you'll, you'll have to tell me what you think about the one where Harry is the caretaker of the shark petting pool. Okay, I'm used to Harry being a cat. <laughs> but I do want to say true. one thing as I close out here. It's actually my last note, which I have written down. Now, as we know, as Rena has said earlier, I am very good at predicting things. I'm always spot on. I'm, I'm, I'm virtually never wrong. The, the phrase at the end of the story, the might have been completes the pack. Future dangers they will dare, perhaps without their danger there. I read those lines and I went, <gasps> because what I believed that line meant was that danger was about to be assassinated. <laughs> Then about four Um, seconds later, I read the title of the sequel, and I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And I was wondering, I'm like, this is very badly written. Why isn't Danger so upset? She just found out she's going to die, and she's hugging the kids goodbye. It's like, oh my god. So, like, as I finished the story, I was very upset. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that you're not as far off as you think you are. Oh god, you're gonna... You're you're very off on time. You know what's going to happen? They're going to be 67 years old, and out of nowhere, you're going to see Rita Skeeter come out of nowhere and just smack Danger over the head with the newspaper. What were you saying, Scott? Oh, I just was telling Anne her horns are showing. Yes, there they are, with the halo right on top of them. You see, I've I've been horrifically evil in the third chapter of Facing Danger, the current story, and what will be the last one, I, well, let's just say you see a gravestone, and it's got a name on it that you'll recognize. I I just have to ask, it's not mine, right? No, it's not yours. (laughs) No, we haven't seen yours yet. Jesus, Ryan, the world does not revolve around you. Her hatred of me tonight has no bounds. I'm just telling you, (laughs) anything could happen. Well, with that, uh, we're done for tonight, and uh, thanks, Anne, for jumping in there. I know you were probably sitting there, you know, preparing to do other stuff and just listen to us. And I'm like, Anne, come on the podcast. And you're like, uh, so. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, I- I'm more of the show-off personality myself, as long as I know what I'm talking about. And it's my story, so I really hope I know what I'm talking about. I have been able to actually hear your eye rolling and your horns, so it actually worked out very well. And I'm registering for your website right now, so I have to get in on the sharkness. Well, the, I, I, think, I think the shark story is available to all comers. It's you'll you'll have no is. trouble finding it. It's called Shark. Okay, on my way in. I don't remember seeing it there. It's under the category called Danger vs. Fun, right next to um, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, which features um, Percy doing the Black Knight scene from um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And Harry and Draco doing what is this feeling from Wicked? Can I just point out I have a compl- I have a complaint to make about your website. It discriminates against people who are trying to register who are over the ages of 104. <laughs> okay. If you could look into that, that'd be super. I'll send it on mm-hmm. to our tech maven. There you who's go. Who's just gotten back from Ireland? I'm not sure what that has to do with it, but okay. I just thought I'd throw that in there. So with that, have a great night, everybody. Thanks, Anne, for Cheers. doing this, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Bye, bye, everyone. Bye. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Scene one, Apple, take one. Well, I'm a Capricorn, what's that?
Pisces is of water, obviously, <laughs> isn't it? I don't really pay much attention. You're an Aries. What's Capricorn? I think. I think it's an Earth. What are we, PS? <laughs> it's a goat. It's a goat. Oh, I'm banana! <laughs> Hi everybody and welcome back to Peoncast. I'm PS. I'm Gen 2. I'm Keza. Okay, our fix for tonight is Elemental by Purple Fuzzy Cat, and that makes me really excited because this is my romance pick, and it is a bunch of pairings. It is Albus Minerva, Albus Horace, and Horace Minerva. So I'm really excited that we're doing a fic that are basically my favorite pairings. This was the first fic I had seen with these pairings, so it made me really happy to find it because it's basically what got me into these pairings because I hadn't seen them before, and now... They're my favorite pairings, so I say it's a pretty significant fic for me. Is this what started the Horace Love pairs? This fic? Oh, I did enjoy him before. It was, I had never really thought about Minerva, Horace, or even Albus Horace before. And this fic, this fic got me thinking about them, and look at me now. Yeah, see, I try not to think about the old people being together. I know that's terrible of me, but I just I try. <laughs> that to is terribly. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, I see. I don't know if there's something wrong with me, or I mean, I just. I that never bothered me that they were old. I don't know what it is. See, even old Harry and Ginny bothers me. I'm just. I'm just so How shallow. many old Harry and Ginny fics have you read? <laughs> not many. I've read a couple that squicked me. <laughs> Well, I like old people. <laughs> I'm sorry, P.S. <sighs> because if we put different people in here, this would probably be a really beautiful <laughs> fic. But the first thing that I started doing is I started laughing about McGonagall <laughs> because she's so wanton. And and then she was wanton with Albus. And, and, and I just, <gasps> that's Dumbledore. And that's, that's Minerva. And I'm like, they're... <laughs> I'll wait while you have your third grade moment because I get this all the time and I'm kind of I'm kind of sick of it. Like I guess it it must be me because I honestly don't get why people don't see it. I I don't have a problem with with um Albus and Minerva. That's not that. I'm just being very mature about old people. So <laughs> just ignore me there. <laughs> Um, that's funny because I don't even like Albus Minerva. That's like my least favorite part of the fic. I like skimmed over it. Yeah, I I just couldn't. I think because I see, I see Dumbledore as very asexual anyway. You know what I mean? So I found it a little bit confronting in that way. Um, not necessarily because they're old, but it just didn't occur to me that he he would be a sexual sort of being. It's just yeah, I think. I think the reason that I 
I was so shocked about it is because I think when I read the canon, I have this whole like motherly Minerva feeling. How do I want to explain it? Maybe it's because I never, I never saw either one of them being sexual either. Well, I like Minerva. I like McGonagall, I guess, as a teacher. Just never really explored her as her own, as a person. As a person. That's what I think. I think that's what it was. It was because I see Dumbledore and McGonagall as teachers and I don't see them as people in their own right because we don't hear about their feelings in canon. Like we know how Harry feels. It's pretty obvious how Ron feels. But Dumbledore's very enigmatic and McGonagall is very severe looking. So so, so I think that's why I sort of was reading it and I, I – found that they were characters I wasn't familiar with because I'm not used to thinking of them as as people. That's interesting because it it gets into what I think is probably the fundamental difference between maybe both of you and I is that when you get to the stories about the characters that we hear about all the time, like Harry and Ginny, I get bored with that. Like, I am so sick of Harry and Ginny. If I never see another story about Harry, it will be too soon. What I found was interesting was because um, a fix I read are normally a, a, a narrative, like the story happens, you, you start the story, they have the, you know, you, you build up to the climax and stuff, like narrative stories. Um, and so I find this really, doing this podcast really often brings me out of my comfort zone in a bit because there are different ways of writing, obviously, and this is this is one of them because it's more episodic sort of thing and and this one obviously is element it's called elemental so it's based on on these elements and i guess what the author was trying to do was talk about the elements air earth fire and water as they relate to relationships that minerva has that that sort of structure is throws me off often but the thing that i that the thought that this came out for me if i have it right because it's not a narrative so i may have got it wrong but um that McGonagall, I can't call her Minerva, I have to call her McGonagall. <laughs> During the Second War, after Dumbledore is dead, I guess it's assuming that they had a relationship the whole time until his death? No, 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 no. It was, it was, I couldn't tell when the Albus and Minerva thing happened, but it seemed to me like Albus and Horace were more consistent. When was Minerva and Albus getting it on? Because I thought it was up until like, he died and he was doing them both at the same time. I don't know. Because she seemed really devastated when he died in a lover sense, not in a... Now, see, I got that I got that idea well, too. Or, that... like, it seemed to me like it could have been either... I mean, now I guess y'all can't say anything about, like, me not liking your Harry Ginny No, I'm, we know that you don't like Harry Ginny fluff. I... Yeah, this is what I like instead. I think it just, it comes down to personal preference and, and it, it's not that it's not a good story. It's a great story. I was just going to say that the first one, the air one, I found it a bit harlequiny um, about the silken sheets and whisper to the air. And I just found that a little bit <laughs> oh, God, yeah. top. I really, I really do not like Albus and Minerva. It's, it's not the, it's not just the, that ship, it, it's the way that was written. It just grated on my nerves. I felt like I was reading, you know. Yeah, and that, that, and that part is my least favorite. So I just found that a little bit, but there, I liked um, this bit here. It's right near the end. Um, they met in a clear, calm kiss and moved together gracefully, unhurried, as if dancing underwater. Now, that imagery, 
I really liked. That was a, a nice imagery. It was a lot better than the first lot of imagery. It sort of yes, that was, and I liked the I liked the concept of um, Minerva and Horus coming together in grief. I liked that they were two people who were grieving for someone and else, and then how it developed, and that they were able to. Well, look, I see what you mean. It's like it's like at first you see them grieving, and it's almost like they're kind of on the rebound. But then later on, you kind of see you get the sense that they have got something real that's not just they are together because they lost the thing they both had. But you know, they're describing each other. They're describing each other. It's almost like it's physical. She's describing his physical traits, and and I see physical things about about Horus and it's just sex. And then you get back to the second, you, you get back into Horus starts to explain it from his point of view. You, he starts to explain it about how he's lost Albus and finally gotten to know this woman that he has, that he has hated for her own sake, just because he never even wanted to get to know her because Albus cared about her. You know, he didn't ever want to, you know, he was never interested in her. You know, she was, you know, that woman the whole time. I think throughout the whole thing, it was Minerva that was more sexual and more physical. Like the imagery in the Minerva ones, which are which are air and earth, they're more sexual. And really air and earth are the more, the more like physical kinds of elements. Whereas fire and water are more all-encompassing, more and more on the emotional level. And I think Horace is the one that gets the more emotional relationship more romantic relationship like i don't see i don't see like the one that each they both have with albus i don't see the albus minerva relationship as really romantic it's so sexual and i think that's what because i was saying about it sounding harlequiny i like the water one there's more yeah there's more um more the imagery and the feelings and emotions come out a lot in the water one that's the one that i like I really disliked air. I think I actually, I think I actually will have to admit that I disliked it <laughs> because I think it was. It seemed so wanton and and just purely physical, and there wasn't much sort of depth to it, and it seemed a bit pornographic almost. <laughs> I think it's not the writing like that. I think it's supposed. To, I think it's intentional because I think that's the way Minerva was thinking. Yeah, and I just I think I just can't associate that with that character. That's one of my issues there. Because she's, you know, she's a teacher. <laughs> and so, but yeah, the water one wasn't too bad. It's, it's, it, it sort of explains things and you can sort of get inside Horace's head. So I can see, I can see why, you know, you, that's a good, that's a good part, part of the fic. Well, I, and I also like the way that um, Horace describes things. You know, when you see it from Minerva's point of view, she's seeing, she's, well, of course, it's air and, and earth that are her elements. So she, she uses that kind of imagery to describe things. But, um, Horace is his, you know, he uses the sweets and the candies. And so all of his descriptions are very, um, he uses a lot of senses in his descriptions. You know, dry grass and lemon drops and mint, and it's like you can almost taste and and feel and smell his just, you know, his parts of the story. Whereas Minerva's parts of the story are very are very earthy. Right. I think I think the strength of that is in the Horace part. And you know, you know, another thing that I think that bothered me about this 
about Albus P.S. And I think that it wasn't so much that it bothered me personally. I think it bothered me character-wise because I never had that Albus bad man moment that some people had during after Half-Blood Prince and during Deathly Hollows that, you know, oh, he's a Machiavellian manipulator. You know, he's he's put Harry through all these things and, you know, he's just... You know, some people can't forgive him for that. those things. It's like, I think during all of this, I, I always believed that he had a reason for what he did and that he really believed that things would come out well on the other side. You know, I just always trusted and believed that he was doing the right thing and that he loved Harry and that he wasn't manipulating him in a bad way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I never, I always thought that, that too. Does. I don't see, yeah, I, ne- I never... Obviously, I never thought he was a bad guy. I always, I think my my image of him is 100% positive. Because I don't even like the aspect of this story. I felt like when he was playing both sides, I didn't feel like it was fair. Because I, I, because I read Minerva and it was obvious yeah, I didn't like that, that Minerva either. cared deeply about him. And then you re- reread Horace and it's obvious that, well, okay, Minerva... Minerva cared about him, and she had very strong physical feelings for him. That's very clear in the story. But yet Horace was deeply in love with him, and had been since he was very small. And, I mean, he even retired from his job, and he he left because he couldn't deal with Albus and Minerva, and, you know, he couldn't handle it anymore, and he left, and... And I think that seeing Albus portrayed like that, it upset me. Maybe not upset. That might be too strong. It upset me. I mean, I didn't like it either. I kind I see it more as a as a, a story f- about like about um Horace and Minerva and how they came together. I don't really see it. I see Albus as being an element in it, but I don't really see it as being. That who is that who it's ultimately about, which is why I was more comfortable with letting the bad Albus slide. I got most of that, I think. But yeah, I mean the the end how how it ends. I I like that, but I think that the that the parts that just the Albus playing both sides, and again, I suppose you know it kind of it mirrors canon in a way where you know people think that you know he's manipulating and you know he's saying one thing to Harry and meaning another and but I think that just disconcerted me because it it pulled him down off his pedestal a little bit it's one of these deals where it's like there's so little of my favorite ship written that I kind of have to put up with anything you know what I mean I mean I don't like that aspect of the story but if I can if I for if I don't think about it and if I just read the fire part, then I'm happy. If I disregarded those two sections, I wouldn't have been angry with Albus at all. You know, then it would just would have just been a, you know, jealousy situation between Horace and Grendelwald. And since, you know, they had pulled away from each other for a while, it would have been normal for them to have other lovers. So that didn't bother me at all. It was just the whole idea that stringing two people along is, is never a good thing. So... I'll quit beating that dead horse now. 
just had this image of Gen 2 coming after Albus dead on the ground and then beating him up because of what he did. <laughs> Final thoughts? I liked the water section. I thought that was very moving and emotional. And it it talked about how someone's really feeling about things. And I thought it captured how how someone might be feeling after the battle, how, how this Horace might be feeling after the battle. I like how you see the relationship between Horace and Minerva develop from this kind of grief thing to being something more real. Because I think that was one of the things I went into reading it kind of concerned about because I'm thinking, well, if it's portraying them as having come together because they just lost Albus and they're grieving, then is that kind of weird? Is that kind of not healthy? (laughs) But I, I, I liked how it became something bigger than that. There's so many different ways that people grieve. At first, it, it was very physical for them. And the, what they needed was they needed to feel and they needed to touch and they needed to be physical with someone because they were missing him and they both loved him and he was gone and they didn't have anything to do with that intimate side of themselves. And so what they did was instead of having them, they used each other as a proxy for his love. But yet after time went on, they realized that Albus had actually made some very good choices and partners. You know, Horace realized that Albus was with Minerva for a reason and Minerva realized that Albus was with Horace for a reason, you know? And so that's what I'm saying is that I'm just very impressed with, with how she writes this grief and that's probably just because of my own life experiences. So is that all? What are we going to do next week? What can I snark up next week? We are going to do our first member choice fic that was voted on and selected by the members of the Potterfic Weekly community. And that fic is called... Not as a Last Resort by Arabella. Yes, Not as a Last Resort. And it's about Ron and Hermione in the snow. In Hagrid's bed. So there's a scandalous image to keep you listening. I think it'll be our first Ron and Hermione fic, won't it? I think it will be. So we have some Ron and Hermione to look forward to. It will be. Not that I'm really into Ron and Hermione, so... Yeah. It's kind of... We have something different It's just like me and We are expanding our horizons yet again. That is what Peoncast should be called. (laughs) It should be called expanding our horizons. All right, so are we signing off for today? This has been Peoncast. I have been P.S. Bye. (laughs) Good night. Bye. Bye. Good night. Okay. Bye, lady. Do not sat in a doorway. Heart sore for power. Train came rolling down the track. Toot, toot, peanut butter. Toot, toot. And there's too much sex. This is Brittany. This is our. This is the Jen and Lady oh, Chi fan how girl. You doing? And she was sad because they weren't going to be here. Jen doesn't have um, internet access to her house because she refuses to pay what the cable company charges, and she calls them every day and yells at them, and they won't lower their prices. So she only can podcast from her studio. But she's actually there now. Hang on.
before you go home, I need you to come online. Ryan, <laughs> I think you are officially my favorite person in the entire world. There you go. I am a sock. My dog picks me up and runs around with me. Ah! 63 cookies and you didn't even have the decency to get sick! When you write my death scene into Living with Danger, could you possibly, when I'm buried at sea, have a southern woman fall off a boat? Is that possible? Can we do that? The opening of this chapter is Ginny running up to Ron, thrusting a piece of raw steak into his hand and running away. Does Ron eat it and die? <laughs> no, Ron looks at it, goes, what the heck is this? And then looks up and goes, oh, crap. And I will leave the rest to your imagination. Oh, God. I didn't think that she was using tongue. No. Well, that, <laughs> then I'm fine with it. Jen just finished up with her appointment before she heads home. She's going to pop in and say hi. Brittany gets to fangirl somebody. I'm like, Jen, your number one fan's here. I think she has a poster. I'm so nervous now. <laughs> oh, oh, please, it's Jen. She'll probably throw up and leave the room. <laughs> she does. Well, she's hey, pregnant. I, I like red, too, so we have something in common. Jen, how are you? Jen, your mute button no. is in fact on. My mute button was on. on. My <laughs> I'm wearing red. It's a Jen. Hooray. Jen, did you meet Anne? She wrote Living with Danger. I can't remember. No, I was, Hi, I, Jen. I, I was throwing up. Being I'm sorry. Hi. Jen, thank you? you for not throwing up. That's very nice. <laughs> I wasn't throwing up your story. <laughs> are you sure? I, I promise. Jen it's was okay. a, Jen Thank was you. impregnated on a boat with a man who sounds suspiciously <laughs> like John Cryden from Farscape. So you just We're not to... going into that. He's Thank just you. Proud of his Marshall, which is actually really excellently done, Ryan. Cheers. There you go. Okay, Jen, say hi to Brittany. She has a poster of you. You have a poster of me. <laughs> I she do wants not. One. She wants one. She's. Oh shoot, Jen! I have to tell you, the first thing Brittany said when I was like, "I'm gonna be on Potter Fake Wiki," she's like, "With Jen." My dad just called me. Dad, come it. Say that again. When I told I'm the Brittany, first person ever. <laughs> yeah, but, but I told Brittany that, oh, Potterfic Weekly's going to do my story. She's like, you're going to be on a podcast with Jen? <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, I'm yes. So she was very, very excited. Oh, I did. wonderful. Thank you. I didn't think my face could go this red, like, all at once. Oh, no. You should have seen me the first time I met Ryan. And it, he, he'd only done, like, one episode. And I was like, <laughs> Then I got to know him. Yeah, and then that, well, the scariest <laughs> thing was Jen stayed in New York City for a week with with my fiance, and it was like she stayed there for seven days. I stayed there for four, so she got there two days before me. And she I was got all, to count his wife. Yeah, by day three when I got there, she's like, "You're nothing special anymore." I've heard all the stories. <laughs> it was like, I know you now. <laughs> is your name Brittany? On the have I talked to you before? No, my name is Zoe Fanny. On the, oh, Zoe, and then I, yeah, I just got I just got sorted. You're Gryffindor. Awesome. Oh. It was like it was like two points between Gryffindor Wait, and you're Hufflepuff. a Gryffindor. Yeah, I am. But we needed one. I don't think we have a Gryffindor on the Packified thread right now. Like it's very <laughs> predominantly Ravenclaw and a few Yay, Ravenclaw. I guess I'm Ravenclaw. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, Jen's like I the Don Imus of Perfect Weekly. She wears whatever shirt is winning at the moment. Well, I called Ryan today, and I was really upset that I could only be Ravenclaw. And I was like, why can't I be all four houses? I'm and like, he's like, not a bad fic. You can't be in every house. willing to be a uh, semi-Mary Sue. I could do that. I, could, I have Mary Janes. Josh says it doesn't work. Probably wouldn't work with my leather fetish. Um, Jen, Jen, now that I think, you actually are a Mary Sue. No, I'm not. No, I'm if very you, seriously, I'm think, 
think about this. You come back from the dead frequently. Oh, God, here we go. You ha- like <laughs> Strange and exciting things happen to you on a daily basis. I-, I think the plagues just haunt me or something. I don't know. Jen's the only person I know who can get diagnosed with cancer on a Thursday and find out it was just gas on Friday morning. <laughs> was it gas? It was Good something Lord. similar to gas. <laughs> it was not gas. He just likes the g- gas concept because when I got diverticulitis, I had none for a month. I just drank water. Don't do that to me. I know. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Someone else who does that. My so father's how- stated life ambition is to get me to pass rice through my nose. Hold on. This is the man that didn't like our podcast because we were talking about Ghana and he... No, he's just he's just unimpressed that you don't know where Ghana is. Sirius's weirder jokes are my father's. Oh. Because my father has a truly bizarre sense of humor. Ghana is a place? <laughs> yes, Ghana is a country in Africa. I've heard of Ghana. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out. Oh my god! Jen refers to Michigan as one of the ones in the middle, right? So it's not like we should be asking her for logistical support. I've heard of Paris. Paris, good France, for you. <laughs> oh wow! I thought that she said Ghana was in France. Africa. No, honey. <laughs> Oh, okay. I liked geography because we got to use map colors, but I never right. memorized the name. Jen, before we start like, our podcast tonight, can you tell me the abbreviation for Alaska? A L. That would be Alabama, dear. Want to try again? A K. There you go. Yep. Bingo. Yay. I had to help my little brother memorize those um, this past school year. Oh, my goodness. I can say all the states in alphabetical order. That's something, right? Yeah, because I can't do that. <laughs> Thank you. I learned You're the welcome. song. You'll be here all week. <laughs> so how did oh. how did um, fan fiction inspire your lives? Is this the point where we start the podcast or what? We it started. Well, we've been talking, and we we I had to um, I had to reenact is this, is this, you and you and she in the boat. So that took a while. <laughs> oh, is, is this is this the point where you say and welcome and back welcome to back to Marvin Weekly? Well, Jen, I just want to point out I'm trying to talk her into writing you and she into um because I'm already going to be in the Living with Danger no, series. We made, we made Melinda cry. No, but what's going to you did make Melinda cry, and that was more. <laughs> I that, know. That was all your I problem. dare you to make me cry. No, we've learned our lesson. But we've Jen, stopped saying cruel things. But Jen, here's well, here's the thing, Jen. She's she's already writing me into living with danger. I'm, she's going to attack me during um, a DA practice, and I'm going to be covered in what apricot something or other. Apricot yeah, preserves. Preserves. She's going to write you into the scene when the preserves, seventh... not burgers. Apricot. I say preserves. So when the seventh years uh, leave Hogwarts for the last time on the boats, your boat with Chi is going to tip over, and you're going to both going to be very confused <laughs> as to why the boat is capsized. <laughs> it wasn't clear writing. <laughs> Jen, it, was it wasn't clear because neither of us could figure it out. You were drunk off your ass. I was not. I was <laughs> Might just feel uh, obligated to go get the wine. Please Wait, don't. I'm what poster? Oh, I want to know what poster. Jen, she doesn't have a poster. I, I don't. I Poster. I was imagining like Jen getting eaten by a bear poster, or like Jen. Hold on, Brittany. Did you? Where's hear... Beth when you need her? Brittany, did you ever hear the one where right. Jen was attacked by a bear? What no. color bear? What color it was bear? A bear, dude. Is it by Grizzly. chance red? Wait, who's that? 
That's Josh. I haven't been speaking much. Sorry. Hi, was it, Josh. Was it a, sorry. Was it a reddish brown bear or was it a white bear or what? It's a grizzly bear. They're like silverish brown, oh, but he was going around and yeah, do grizzly. we have one of those? I don't remember. I don't think we do. No, we have we have a cinnamon bear and a Kodiak bear and a polar bear. Is this bear. in Ghana? What? Ghana? No, Ghana. this is in this is in another universe that we've spawned in our chat room, and I don't know if I should talk about it yet. Are you watching Star Trek? It's it's likely not in Ghana. Harry though. Potter bears? Well, not Harry Potter exactly, <laughs> but oh god, it, how the hell do I explain living with danger exactly? <laughs> not living with danger. I can't talk. I was like, Natural wait a minute. Life, huh? Natural, Natural life. life. Thank you. Thank you. You want me to try and... Yeah. Okay, before I really get started, I want to point out I don't really have a poster of Jen, okay? <laughs> She's lying well, to you, Jen. Do. She has a poster. I will give oh. anyone a thousand points. Jen, I, you cannot give people a thousand points. I took away, I took away I your ability to, to give a thousand. Remember the time you gave everyone a million points and you almost yes, destroyed the forum? Yes, and I did, but you started crying, so I put them back. And then she <laughs> leaves the forum for a week and a half, and I have to put out all did the fires. Does anybody watch Whose Lines It Anyway? I've seen Yeah, it. dude. Did anybody ever see the episode where Drew Carey had a little tape recorder, and the tape recorder said 10,000 points, and just after one commercial break, Wayne Brady sneaked down there and recorded the word that got you, like, banned on iTunes? And he goes, <laughs> my ass, my ass, my ass, into the tape recorder, and after the next game, Drew presses the play button, and his tape recorder does not say 10,000 points. He's looking at it funny wayne is dying falling <laughs> off his chair and the audience goes nuts and welcome back to parific weekly i'm ryan i'm ann i'm Brent. i'm josh i'm jen <laughs> and welcome back to parific weekly this is ryan i'm jen <laughs> i'm <Even laughs> not in this episode <laughs> long awkward pause i'm josh <laughs> I'm it's not so easy is it and welcome back to parific weekly this is ryan i'm jen I'm in. I'm Josh. I'm Damn, they almost had it. One more time. And, and welcome. Josh, you go first. Actually, Britt, yeah, Britt, you go first. The last two of you it's just go. Alphabetically, dude. Alphabetically. Okay, alphabetically, my last name, Britt, goes before me. There you go. Fine. Fine. And. Welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. <laughs> Okay, the order. Ryan, Jen, <laughs> I want to point out it's not just right My Skype died. And welcome back to Puffwa. This is Ryan. <laughs> I'm Jen. I'm Ann, and my Skype's not dead. Yay! I'm Brent. And I'm Josh. You may be wondering, who the hell are half these people, and why can't they introduce themselves like the normal people can? All right, here's the deal for this episode. Jen is not really here. <laughs> No, I'm still at work. Jen is working. I'm like, Jen, can you do me a quick favor? Uh, yeah, Ryan, I'm very busy. What is it? I need you to put your headset on. Ryan, I'm very busy. <laughs> Just put your headset on. Just two seconds. All right, all right, I'm on. Now what is it? And welcome back to Barbara quickly. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> no, no problem. I had a 6.45 uh, contract signing appointment mm -hmm. that just ended 10 minutes ago. Like, I'm ready to throw up. I, well, can we explain that? Jen is with a child. It's not like she doesn't <laughs> like parasite us. parasite at this point. But Jen, yeah. Jen as, we, as we learned, um, became impregnated on a boat with uh, her husband, John Craig. I did not become impregnated. Oh, no, we lost someone. Oh, no. Oh, no, we lost, we lost Anne. Anne. 
And she wrote the story. That's very not good. I want to congratulate Jen. Oh, thanks, dude. So besides being your fangirl, I'm very, like, supportive. This is true. We're trying to get her to name it Ryan, but we discovered we cannot name the baby little Ryan because that leads to mixed signals with friends I told and him I liked Aaron, and Ryan is sort of in that, but then I got yelled at by, um, who yelled at me? Somebody on the forum. And I'm back. And <laughs> oh, yeah. welcome back to Pick Weekly. Jen continues having a baby that we will hopefully name Ryan. That was not impregnated on a boat. Jen was impregnated on a boat. I probably didn't stay on the boat long enough to get impregnated. Why why are we discussing this? Because it's Perfect Weekly. It's Perfect Weekly. This is what happens. All right. So Jen is not really here. And we all know Anne. Anne wrote Living with Danger. Some Uh, of you may have read it. You may be familiar. If you didn't read it, um, there's, there's just a wonderful representation of the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. It's lovely. Uh, and <laughs> That's those Apricot preserves I, are getting hotter and hotter. I'm going to get a cameo. So, Anne, why don't you introduce everyone and kind of take it from there? Sure. Hi, everybody. I am Anne. I write Living with Danger. This was not supposed to happen, but since it has, yay. To my uh, right, as you're facing north, I guess, is Brittany. She's from Rhode Island, and she's a fan of mine. Say hi, Brett. Hey. Hey. And to my left, also facing north. Oh, hang on one second. Just stop for a second. Um, we're hearing Stopping. an echo again. Does someone have oh, bother. A sound? On? Oh, I haven't heard that since Pooh. I love it. Thank <laughs> you for that. What? Pooh Bear. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh father. Oh. From Christopher Robin, man. Oh, I, I, I'm I yelling at me. Um, I'm sorry. I'm tired. And on my left, also facing north, is Josh, another fan and friend. Hi. And I should mention that Brittany is also my friend because that came out completely wrong. I'm yes. not a friend. I'm just a fan. This is true. <laughs> no, now, Br- now well, Brittany is also the president and founder of the official Gen Fan Club. Um, oh, well, my God. Very, I didn't want to be. Can I do that? Why the hell not? Oh God, she has one. I, why Dang don't it. I have a fan club? What is wrong with this picture? I'm the guy who says, welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. you keep hugging people, no. man. Well, well I am a Hufflepuff. Everybody who listens <laughs> to <Potterfic laughs> Weekly is a member of the Ryan fan club. Oh, That's she is, right. She Huggle. is good. She is very, very good. Thank you. <laughs> so how do I go about making a Gen fan club? What? I think you just put it in your signature. Yes, uh, vote for your favorite Gen poster. It either involves Gen being attacked. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here, okay, here's the fan art challenge for this week. We need Jen chasing a Camry. No, 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 no. Make it where, make it creative. Like, it has to be a poster of something that Jen has done in the past. And the most not brought up thing wins. Because I want to see if people remember the really stupid stuff I've done way back when. Do you remember the good old days? Remember the something scorpion? and the... children a retard and a, re- or a refund or something? <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking... Yeah, but that was recent. That was... But, a... No, the, yeah, the um, the, scor- the scorpion the, and the you got um, no, you got attacked squirrel? by three scorp. No, you got attacked by three scorpions and an iguana attacked you. Was the oh, iguana? I forgot about the iguana. No, if you're you like ha- to tell random gen stories. I might just have to retaliate with random pack stories. Well, that's why we're here. Ooh, look at that segue. That is why y'all are here. Random pack stories. What what do you what do you think I should tell, guys? All right, Jen, can you stick around or you gotta get going? No, sweetie, I. I'm exa- I haven't eaten eaten All since right. like t- 
go, go. Oh. Yeah, thank you very much for dropping in. I know I you pretty much one. just made my day. I oh, Brittany, <laughs> you should. I want to point out I was here the whole time. She felt nothing. You pop. <laughs> oh my God, it's Jen. Welcome back. <laughs> Can I just say, Jen and I are like, if you watch the movie Galaxy Quest, who the hell plays Snape? Oh my God, Alan Rickman. We're like oh Alan Rickman and Tim Allen. We're like, all I want is a little respect, and everyone's like, Yay! It's Jen has <laughs> saved us. So oh, I love it. It's awesome. All right, Jen, uh, give me a call tomorrow. I want to talk to you about that thing. I had some more ideas that you'll hate. Okay. I, I didn't say I hate it. So I, I no said you were you very interesting. Yes, Jen's like, hmm, interesting. In that tone means you hate them. Yes. Well, and it was a pleasure meeting you, Brittany. It was lovely. And Josh. Glad to meet you as well. Up. Okay, thanks. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Cheers. Talk to you later, Jen. Bye. Bye. Um, so what we're going to do with this episode is, in all of the fics that we've covered, one of the things that unites them all is the community and how Harry Potter fans kind of bind themselves together, you know, through their fan fiction. With After the End, there were Yahoo groups that connected people so that years after the story came out, we still found fans, and that's where we found Phil, our guest host, and, we, and people came out of the woodwork still, you know, loving the story after all those years. Um, with Melinda Leo and the Seventh Horcrux, we had, you know, many members from her Yahoo group. They're, like, the core group of um, Pyrofic Weekly fans. You know, a, a year like none other, we all remember Pyrofic Weekly fans when a year like none other got chosen for the podcast and you know boatloads of people showed up between 7 30 and 8 15 one thursday evening on the forum to register i mean and there was one and there was much rejoicing there was Yay. much rejoicing well first we thought it was an attack <laughs> but then after we realized they came in peace we stopped throwing sticks and assorted you know vegetables <laughs> at them um so so i mean that's the one thing that what ends up happening is that if a story passes this threshold it becomes a thing and once it becomes a thing, it's its own life form, and it grows and reproduces and becomes many different things. I think it's safe to say that living with danger has become a thing. I know this because it has a checking account. It does not have a checking account. Not we're working quite. on it, though. Yeah, we're still working on it. <laughs> but I, I do have to ask you a question, Ryan. Yes, Anne. What can I help what you What exactly were your criteria for determining that this little experiment of mine has become a quote, cult classic, unquote? Cult classic. Well, I'm going to tell you. Originally, I felt like using the phrase cult phenomenon, but then the cult has, like, this derogatory term to it. So I'm like, hmm, I could anger people with this. So I sat at my computer, and I was like, hmm. And then the light bulb went on, and I'm like, cult classic, because people love classics. Now, it, so the <laughs> negative and the positive balance each other this out? This is exactly it, because people can't yell at me, because they're like, he called us a classic, and people love classics. So it, it was basically just the shield I used to protect myself from enemy attack. Okay. Would you define yourself as a cult classic? Um, cult, quite possibly. Classic, jury's still out. Okay, well, you know, with every... But a, a, good, a good kind of cult. Um, love, love your parents, stay at home. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Hugs, Don't do not drugs, drugs, stay in school. I am a Hufflepuff. Hugs, not drugs. Yes. Stay in school, kids. Okay. What we would like to do tonight is just, instead of doing an interview with Anne, because we've done that 19 times already, we would like to just stop for a minute. We've been doing fan fiction for like 65, 66 episodes. We would just like to talk about how these communities 
that sprout up because of love for particular stories just grow and and what happens and how it impacts the people who were there at the beginning and the people who sit down to write a three chapter fic and all of a sudden have bridges named after them and are assaulting people they've never met with apricots and we thought living with danger would be a really good story to work on this with so no 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 not whole apricots apricot preserves there's a difference now for those of you who read living with danger when a character named ryan who wears a black and yellow scarf shows up pity him pity him make him like your little nigel from the movies you know that little cute little kid who really we don't know why he's there but isn't he adorable that's gonna be me pity him <laughs> oh i won't be that mean to you okay remember the scene when they lifted him up in the air and and harry's like "Ooh, hormones and you know, he hit his head on the deck plate like people forget about the little guy it's it's very tragic I'm still wondering where the hell Colin Creevy is, but that's just me. But at least we know Nigel's getting a death scene out of the whole thing. But enough about Nigel. So, Anne, let me just start you off with one question. Okay, you sat down to write a 10-chapter fic, right? Uh, yeah, I was about, let me think, I was a month and a half into fan fiction. Uh-huh. Uh, my friend Sylvia introduced me to it at the beginning of my junior year in college. Before then, I'd been very critical of fan fiction. I'd be like, pa, real authors come up with their own characters. But I got severely addicted to Harry Potter in high school, and I was going through withdrawal. Um, this was 2000 and bother four. 2004. It was not 2000 bother. Um, it was, well, there, there's really no such thing as 2000 bother. We were going to let that go and take care of it in editing, but now it's just gone too far. Please continue. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, it was 2004. Um, I started writing fan... Well, I started reading fan fiction in September, started writing later in September. That's really helpful. I originally wrote under a different name, which I will not reveal because it would cause riots, small riots, but riots. And um, I then shut up, shut up. I, I know where you no both idea. live. I know where some of them live. I'm just, I'm going to shut up now. Please continue your story. It was, I'm very All right. Excited. So um, as I was reading Fix, I was like, hmm, there are connections here. Look, Harry and Hermione are described as like brother and sister. That's cute. And, hmm, Remus and Hermione have a lot in common. And, oh, isn't it terrible that all these bad things happen to these really cool and good characters? And, of course, I was in mourning for Sirius, because since Order of the Phoenix came out, who hasn't been? And I I like Remus, and I was like, you know what? It's not fair. He should get to be happy. I have Remus Lupin's wand. You frighten me sometimes. I, I'm, I'm more frightened than Anne is right now. I'm clutching to my water bottle for support. No, so, it's just, I'll explain it later. This is how right. Jan gets into trouble. Watch yourself. Carry on. So, yes, um, one day in October, I was sitting on the futon, and a scene walked into my head. It was like, hey, have Remus be very depressed, and then turn around and see Harry. I was like, okay, well, then you solve everything and make everyone happy ever after. I think I can do that. So I got up and went to the computer and wrote it. It was much worse than the scene you'll see now. Mm-hmm. I posted it. Then I thought better of it and took it down and rewrote it to be slightly less offensive and put that version back up. Slightly less offensive. Um, Danger was originally a horrifically blatant Mary Sue who would have been flamed from the skies in screaming uh, balls of ashes. Ooh, that's descriptive. Thank you. Mm. I'm not a writer she pulls for that stuff. In, she pulls that stuff in real life all the time. <laughs> now, let me ask you this question. Have you ever seen the first Naked Gun movie? I don't think so, Has no. Has anyone here seen the first Naked Gun movie with Leslie Nielsen? All right. 
You haven't? No. Okay. I'm not. There's a scene in the beginning of the movie where Leslie Nielsen's a detective, and he's walking down the street of, of I forget what, New York City, pull set. And he, I'm sorry, Los Angeles. And he's just walking down the street, and he's thinking, he's monologuing in his head, as I am prone to do, about the case he's working on right now. And he's asking himself a series of questions, like, who killed her, and how did the gun get in the barrel, and you know, blah, 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 blah. He's, he asks himself like four or five questions as you see him walking, 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 walking. And the last question he asks as he's standing on top of a freaking mountain. <laughs> 27,000. He's like, and where the hell am I? And you hear like growling in the background, and he has this Peter Griffin, <laughs> and he has a Peter Griffin look on his face, like, uh, Lois, what the hell just happened? I mean, okay, so, all right, so you sat down to write a scene about Remus finding Harry. Yeah, and then to make everything come out okay, to okay. be like, oh, happiness and joy, fluff and marshmallows. Now, now okay, now, now think about that for a second, and now just in your head. Think about where you are now in terms of the fan fiction community and your own life and, you know, friends and just everything that's happened to you, you know, since that time, okay? Keep those two mm-hmm. things separate. Now, my only question for you this evening, what the hell happened? <laughs> well, um, it was a phenomenon. Thanks, Britt. That's so helpful. Well, One thing that happened might- was lots of reviews, which inspire me. Another thing that happened was, well, gee, I like these characters. Maybe I should keep going with them, tell a little more of their story. Now, I was always intending to have, like, an epilogue to explain that tantalizing little prophecy in the first chapter. But I originally intended that after the first ten chapters, the next thing you saw would be, 16 years later, the most really seminal moment. And no, you're not allowed to make jokes about that. None of you. (laughs) I wasn't going there, but thanks for loading me up with the visual. Oh, you're welcome. Anyway, um, the, the moment that really, like, kicked everything over, browsing through some profiles and spotting somebody who had a bunch of challenges up. And one of the challenges was, write Draco as a Gryffindor. And this got into my head and ate my brain. Hmm. And that's why she's crazy now. Well, I've always been crazy, but this is a different oh, type. Yeah, she's had a brain-eating episode, evidently. <laughs> Well, no, no, a brain-eating episode would mean I would be eating the brain. I have had an episode in which my brain has been eaten by um, fascinating and fantastic characters. Your story obviously expanded greatly. There is fan fiction of your fan fiction. They're, they're, you know, just yes. They're, they're I've, actually, I've actually written some. Yes, yeah. like uh, both Brit and I have written some. <laughs> yeah, like I'm even in some of your fan fiction, and that blows my mind. Like, I have to tell you today, I was reading a story for our podcast, and I listened to it on my iPod, and mm-hmm. I was one of the people thanked in the author's notes. Like, I got really? up, and I'm like, there's so many people I'd like to thank. And I'm sitting at my desk at work, so that was awkward for my coworkers. Mm-hmm. But one thing that it's, like, from all of the different groups that we've covered, the Dangerverse series has created a community that I am unable to, number one, articulate. <laughs> number two, if I immerse myself in this group, like if I stand in the room during like a danger first meeting, I don't know what anyone is talking about. <laughs> We're good at like, that. Like, We're very good at that. Like I stand there and I start bleeding from my left ear and I focus trying to understand your the basic sentence structure and I fall asleep. Because Well it probably I, doesn't help that we speak a different language, at least partially. 
Yes. So I guess my question is this. We've discussed your your story and the plot in the Second Circuit Court of Appeals and the fact that Ron Weasley is Mensa and Severus Snape needs a helmet. We have gone through, you know, we, we, we've discussed the characters and we've discussed all that good stuff. Talk about what Dangerverse has done for you, your life. Just talk about this community. I work at a bank, and I was supposed to be a teacher by now. I think that it's really because of the Dangerverse that I realized, uh, not last Christmas, but the one before it, that, you know, this teaching thing, it, it isn't working. If I come home and cry every day, that means something's wrong. And, you know, it put me, like, twice as deep in debt as I was before, but now I'm not doing something I hate, so... Why is that? Because I, I always just thought, well... Teaching is the only thing I'm even remotely good at that has a possibility of supporting me for the rest of my life. And writing the Dangerverse has really opened my eyes and made me see, yes, I can, I could, and I will write for a living. That I, I am able to do that and that people like my work, which still completely blows my mind, but I have to believe what my eyes and my ears tell me. And they tell me that People like my work, and there's every possibility I could make it someday. You're a traditional Harry Potter fan, and you listen to Potterfic Weekly because Jen amazes you on a daily basis. And you, you like the fact that we talk about fan fiction every now and then, and you find she quirky, and, and you think Rin is cute, and... And know. I'd like to hug you and take you home with me, yes, yes. Well, thank you. You know, I'm very fond of in you. A, well. in, a, in a platonic teddy bear huggles kind of way. This I know you true. have a fiancé. Well, you know what? The Hufflepuffs just took over the Perfect Weekly yes. form and hugged everything in sight. So I, got, I, got, I got several hugs, so well, I'm well, very happy. Well, that makes me happy. For the typical Harry Potter fans out there who just listen to this podcast and like fan fiction and it you know, takes their mind off the fact that their child needs to be hobby trained and he's 28 years old and it's not working well, is someone eat, drinking a Slurpee by chance? No, that no. was me having a whole bunch of papers fall off my desk. Uh, pardon me just one moment. Oh, take your time. Who is sending me messages right now? Oh, it's Keza. I love Keza. Keza just amuses me greatly, because she speaks with a sentence structure with which I am not familiar. <laughs> to people out there who are just normal Harry Potter fans who listen to Parfic Weekly, who you know, are trying to put off the fact that they need to probably train their son who is 27 years old, but they just haven't gone around to it because they like the fact that Harry may end up with Ginny someday. For, for you know, those, the normal Harry Potter fans who love fan fiction, describe your community. Insane? Does yes. that count? Insane is, um, it's insane in a good way, though. It's insane in the fact that just, like, one thing that we all have in common brought together so many people that you wouldn't even have met in life that you've just become such good friends with. Let me let me see how... Let me think how to put this while I disentangle my uh, headphones from my chair. Um, it, is it the chair we bought at Ikea? Uh, no, it's the, it's the other chair. The one I found okay. in the garage. Okay. Go, go on. I think... Because the Dangerverse features such a uh, strong and prominent family that it attracted people who either have that kind of strong family, like um, Britt and Josh, whose families are both very strong, very loving, or it attracted people who want that. We, we have some people in our group who have been very hurt and who are looking for someone who will just care about them. And to the extent it's possible over the Internet, we, we care for each other. We've become a 
very much like a family. How large is this community? Like how, like in terms of Cheers the Bar, everyone knows your name. Like in terms of like the close knit <laughs> nature. Like, uh, 30, 40? I think that yeah. that's the largest it's ever actually been on the chat room. Yeah. The, um, I don't think the chat room's ever had more than about 25 people in it at the same time. Yeah, but that's just because some people can't get in at times. There, There's about 40 people all told who have been or are part of this thing, and another uh, 20-ish kind of skirting the edges who, who know what's going on, but are hesitant to get too deeply involved. Rena came out of the closet last week on that one. She's a constant lurker. I can understand <laughs> that. We're scary. We are kind of scary. It reminds me just of the Perfect Weekly community. It's we literally started like I think we thought we'd get like one listener to to a podcast, and we were just in the yak about whatever. And all of a sudden, Jen came along before the episode even came out, and she was a fangirl, which I thought was awkward because we hadn't actually done anything yet. Sometimes it's just an idea that attracts people or pulls people together. Other times it's, you know, just something that you produce that just, like you said, inspires, you know, a need for family or a need for, for one thing or another. And it just, it just amazes me how much it pulls people together. And basically at this point, for those who haven't encountered your community or just, like, I guess I'm trying to get you to geek out, basically, is what I'm doing here. Just oh, you you want you want geekery? Um, Go well, for it. I have I have one I have one thing to say first. You can decide for yourself whether or not this goes in the podcast. But this is this is not bragging. This is true. There are at least three people whose lives we have saved. Works for us. We're used to talking about Jen's toilet. We've just had people who have very deep problems in their lives, and one person we actually did have to make an international phone call to the police. I was at work, and I'm very glad I don't have that job anymore because everyone was like, okay, slightly weird. There's been some crazy stuff, as yeah. everyone else has said. But it's also, I'm speaking for myself, although I have a really wonderful family, I've always been very much an introvert, and honestly was kind of focused on computers and programming and all that stuff to the detriment of absolutely everything else. I got into fan fiction, I read The Dangerverse, I met these people, and I've really changed, I think, a lot for the better because of it. I'm more outgoing, more liable to actually talk to people, as opposed to just sitting in my shell and typing on my computer all day. <laughs> Although I do, I still do do some of that. You, I'm sure the others can uh, give you plenty of tales about various technological hurdles I've leapt. Yes, um, Josh was recruited by Google, and he's not out of high school. <laughs> not, okay, that's a little bit of an overstatement. Some person saw my name somewhere and sent me an email, but then when they realized my age and my relative lack of experience, they said, oh, no, okay, sorry about that, but in politer terms. Still wicked schmott. Hey, you, you, still, <laughs> you still got an email from Google. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah that, it was cool, but... Anyway, I think, I don't know, a lot of what the Living with Danger series has to say about family and friends and all that stuff is something that too often gets overlooked in fiction. I think a lot of it is trivialized because people want to see the action and the plot get resolved and everything. But I'm really glad that I've gotten so involved with a story that has a lot of that in it because I think it's important. Guys, do you think I should go into natural life? I mean, we might as well talk about like how our community got started. I know I came here back in 2006, mm -hmm. around the middle of the year. And mm -hmm. that was also around when the chat got started. And I don't really remember much before that, so someone who was there then might want to talk about it. Anna Britt? It um, was uh, mostly on my Yahoo group then, and um, it, it was a tad crazy, but 
Mostly it was But good. it was just the Yahoo group. My story, I haven't talked a lot at all yet. Um, let's see. It was probably, probably September 2005, you guys think? That yeah. I actually, September or October of 2005. And I was actually just recovering from one of my first surgeries. And so I was just lying I on my bed. That, I think. I think you do. Uh, like, so I was just you, were, you were the sick girl. I was the sick girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just lying on my bed, and I was looking through uh, fanfiction.net. I'd only discovered Harry Potter fanfiction, like, a couple of months before that. And I just saw this summary, and it's just, like, her landlady married her dog. And, Am I ever going to be able to live that one down? No. And had his baby. And I was just thinking, what? So I clicked on it, and I read it. And it was so cool. So I made I made a photograph for the Yahoo group because I'm very. And you much can't remember the actors that everyone's been on your case for years oh about this. <laughs> for three years, everyone's been like, "Who are the actors that you put in the photo?" I'm like, "I don't know." I Google I Google brown haired woman. Leave me alone. <laughs> I just I put the picture up and then I just didn't talk on the Yahoo group for a little while because I went back in for surgery again. And I came back and people were like, who's the person who put up the picture? And I was like, wow, I didn't think it was that good of a picture. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever heard of the website Blabbernet. It's a very rudimentary chat thing. But I had had some experience with it. So I was like, oh, wow, we should make a chat room. This was in uh, mid-2006, around August-ish. So I was, it, I was on the group for like a year before we actually got into the chat. And I... Actually, it was myself that initially made the chat, but it was just on a website. It got, a like, scary bombarded. South African website. It was a scary South African website. And, um, and we got bombarded. So then Josh stepped up. He's like, you know what? I think I can make a new one. Just give me a little time. And now we're on there every day, and we're absolutely nuts. Like, what is the topic right now? Why did I get really small and feathery oh, right. and hide inside your blouse? Uh, the one before was Happy Hugging Day. <laughs> That sounds um, oddly we, we familiar. Have, we have we have happy birthday to the bunny and the uh, and the mototose pair of uh, raccoon and horse. Okay. Matt and Sarah and uh, Sarah. what what does she prefer to be called? Chrissy, Becky, whatever. Chrissy. Yeah. So we we have we have our own chat room and we go there a lot. At least and I do. We say a lot. And there is a small program that I wrote that keeps track of everything that everyone says and can be asked to remember things to recall on command also. But some oh amusing- my god, the cricket bot! Oh yes. <laughs> Which that is was, now the owl bot whose name is Wool. <laughs> but let me look at uh, the quick statistic for you. And Wool, Wool says amusing things. Like if you, if you offer him an owl treat, he eats it. If you say, I love you, he says, I love you, too. If you say, I hate you, he flies at you and attacks you. If you tell him to assassinate someone, he raids the weapons locker and flies out the window looking purposeful. Sometimes it would get really quiet and no one would type anything. So I kept saying, well, I wouldn't give her a recording of crickets. So eventually Josh wrote up a, um, a web robot um, that we called Cricket. Chirp after that five, chirp after ten minutes. After of nobody talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And eventually, just say got, chirp, chirp on the screen. Eventually, and then someone got upset about not being able to change the time. They they were annoyed, and so I said it's easy. Someone changed send the, him a message and change and so, what what he said and how long they he changed would wait what he said. Him. Yeah, and people would have conversations with him by saying something, sending him the message to change what he said and say it in ten seconds. I I think I had an entire conversation with him the other night with just like me talking and then feeding him the. <laughs> I was so bored. It was like three in the morning. 
We don't have enough to do if you can't tell. Oh, no. I mean, I, I know nothing about communities where just craziness happens at all hours. And like, Yes, I'm, I'm sure you don't. Like, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm used yeah. to it, the Perfect Weekly community, seeing, you know, people running with potted plants in their hands, but they won't tell me why. Like, that's, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that, sound, that sounds fairly normal. We have the exploding couch. We did at one point. And the couch also yes, had antlers, antlers that no one was it. allowed to remove. couch with antlers on it. There is a general interdiction against removing them. I'm sure there are many other things that have been conjured or whatever in our chat room. For- Everything is of doom. Yes. Everything. The, the cupboard, cupboard of doom. Of doom. The, the um, doorway of doom. Oh, and the bottomless backpack. The bottomless backpack. That was fun. But I'm looking through. We actually, um, we have a, a chat quote website, kind of like I don't know if you've ever been on Bash.org. It's it's pretty much it's just a quote database, and I'm just looking through them right now, and I don't even remember. But on one of them, Anne was like, "Please, someone tell me why I can't go bo- postal with a baseball bat in my workplace." And Alexa is just like, "You'll get fired," and Hannah's like, "You're gonna arrested," and Rick's is like, "You have to go find a baseball bat." <laughs> well, thanks, Rick's. That's helpful. And also, there was the time where Tim, he was like, Snape, Snape, Severus Snape, and I go, Dumbledore! And um, And then we taught the Owlbot to do it, and and I will kill whoever did that. Because I hate that song. And we taught um, Wool to um, trigger whenever whenever anyone says Snape, Snape, Severus Snape, he says Dumbledore. And... (laughs) And it's driving me insane, because I absolutely loathe that song. We, we also have our own language, or I guess it's my language, because I invented it. The, something that bugs me okay. terribly is when authors are writing fantasy worlds that are good fantasy worlds, but they just throw in random italicized words with apostrophes and dashes, and are like, this is my foreign language. It bugs so the heck decided, out of me. So she decided to take it a big step further. Yes, I created a language with more or less internally consistent grammar and syntax. It has rules. It has a smallish to medium lexicon, and I'm improving on it. And, well, we, we, we use a few of the most basic words pretty frequently. How does one just create a language one day? Like, okay, it's, it's Sunday and it's raining outside. <laughs> well, no, in this case it is. I'm working on this enormous original world project, and I don't want all the characters to speak English. And th- this started back in high school, so I've been working on this for quite a while now. What What is it? It's going, oh, dear Lord God, it is going on 10 years since I started this. It's a lot of time for su- final language. I'm not supposed to be that old. There's a place on the web, I think it was originally Usenet, and it's now a website called the Language Construction Kit or something similar, and I relied heavily on that. It's very it's very detailed. It's a lot of fun, actually, to read because the guy who wrote it has created several original languages for fantasy worlds. And I thought a lot about, well, what, what do I want this language to sound like? What do I want it to be capable of? And so I came up with my rules, and then I started working out words. And when I would come across something I needed to translate, I would make up words to fit it. They, it kind of grew oddly organically. It, it will tell you something about my mindset that this language has uh, defined words for hamster and elderberry. Well, elderberry is a, is, is a word that is becoming very, very necessary in ordinary speech. The phrase that uses both of those in uh, reference to one's parents is the worst possible insult in this language. 
<laughs> we really are dorks. She told me something about Dangerverse today. Well, can I tell them this? Uh, Ryan, do you mind being a little... Well, not a little. It's a whole lot spoiled for the beginning of Facing Danger. It's Go for a it. vision that Luna has. Go for it. I, I want to I tell the vision, because the vision is mine, and it's wonderfully evil. I wasn't going to tell the vision. I was just going to tell them about the Princess Bride part. Well, I'll tell the vision and you can tell the Princess Bride part. At the beginning of Facing Danger, Luna's seeing power that she has is out of control. So she's seeing random visions of the future. She sees a vision of herself crying at a grave. Then she sees Lucius Malfoy come up to her and be like, why are you crying for this person? And she goes, oh, you're right. I never really cared about him. Let's go. And they walk away together. And the grave turns out to be Draco's grave. And I today I told Brittany that as they are walking away, drum roll, please. I don't know how to do a vocal drum roll. That's a purr. I'm a cat, so I'm allowed to purr. Yeah, that's another thing we have to explain. I, I'm okay. That's that's where the vision ends. You get to tell the princess bride thing. Oh yeah. Um, Typical. What? Uh, do you want me to tell her? Yeah, because uh, I forgot. I told Brittany today that as they are walking out of the graveyard together, Lucius Malfoy leans over and says to Luna, You know what I remember about that dark hallway? It was the word, please. He said, please let me live. And it was so strange that he would beg me for his life. And I'm incredibly evil for telling her that and now telling you and everybody else in the entire world that. But I won't tell you why I'm evil. Because I'm she's not going to tell you anything else. <laughs> I'm, trying to figure, I'm trying to figure out why you're evil, too. And I, I can't come up with much. I just know that you are. So for me, yeah. you just kind of... Well, telling, telling you that I'm killing off a character who improbably became, like, the most popular thing I've ever done... The character, not the killing thereof. No, okay, killing him off is not popular. Killing him off has caused a great deal of torch and pitchfork action. This is the character that Rowling didn't kill off? No, no. no. This, this is something else. But the character that Rowling didn't kill off will also get me torches and pitchforks. Well, if you get the locusts, you're screwed. But if you don't get locusts, <laughs> you might be fine. Yes, what is it with you and locusts? I don't know. It's a wor- I came up with the word locust one day, and I'm like, ooh, biblical, and I just went with it. Yeah, we just had an argument over biblical proportions. We have two nitpickers in the... In our clan, never get two nitpickers together anywhere. It did not go well. They nitpick each other. It's actually very amusing to watch. Only if you're not in the same room. Okay, okay. Yeah, I have been in. The, I have been in the same room with you guys. Yeah, in the they will ever forgive me for using this phrase. The honeymoon period. It got a lot worse. But we're, um, we're not we're not going to talk about them because they'll both murder me. She's yes. she's not just joking when she says they'll murder her. You'll see, like on the headlines. <laughs> There's a question. What would you see, like on the headlines? Author of Dangerverse found found dead uh, in river. <laughs> like what? Like what's the first line of your obituary? Like how are you going to be remembered? <laughs> uh, how am I going to be remembered? Yes. What's the top line in your obituary? When do I die? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks so much. No, I mean, is it like, did it, did I die tomorrow? Did I run too far and get hit by a bus? Or um, is In this... Which case, I would have to take over Dangerverse. Well, you, you and Beth, but... Or is Beth. this like 50 years from now? Surprise me. 
If it was today, it would probably be stupid girl does stupid thing and gets herself killed. If it was 50 years from now, I'd like to think that there would be something in there about the famous author of the Caparo books. I love that. That's actually a very good answer, because if it's right now, a cousin of mine the other day inadvertently like almost blew her face off with a grill, and she only lost her eyebrows and half of her hair. And... Am I missing an eyebrow? Well, the thing I said to her was, do you realize if you had been killed, I would have to call the whole family together and announce that you had died in a freak grilling accident, and it's <laughs> not like, you know, you saved the kid. You know, no, or, you, you know, you went back in for the cat. With the grill. It's like you were trying to heat up some lemon peppered chicken, and that was it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's like the most unceremonious way to possibly go. So if you can, yes, aim... there are there are heroic deaths, and then there are Darwin Award deaths. Yes, exactly. Oh, the Darwin Awards, I love them. And I would I would probably be a Darwin Awards because I read while I'm walking, and I don't look where I'm going. But see, I have something to live for now. I have to finish the Danger Verse. Because, Brittany, I love you, and you all know I love Beth, but... <laughs> but no. No, I really would like to finish this myself. Just no. Okay, so one of the funnest things about our communities probably would be Kennywood. Kennywood was last summer. August 4th, 2007. Thank you, A bunch you, of us are our way to Pittsburgh. So most yes. of us. Most yes. of you. I arrived on Monday. Yes, there were 11 us, people in total. I don't care that my arms are not 3,000 miles long. I will hit you. I'll shut up. <laughs> 11 of us on the 4th of August, 2007, got together at the amusement park in Pittsburgh, where I live. The amusement park is called Kennywood. Because I was also buying tickets for my family for later in the summer, and because a couple people brought friends and family along, we were able to get the group rate, which is a nice discount, and therefore we spent a day running around the amusement park. We went on this water ride, and I threw my hat off the water ride because I didn't want it to get wet, and it went between the uh, railings on the safety rail, which was cool. Josh managed to get through the ride without getting wet, and at the end of the ride, the person park personnel triggered the geyser and soaked him, and we all laughed at him because he was very wet. And that's what I remember most about Kennywood, except that we drove Beth completely crazy. Beth is mercury blue on the forums, by the way. And all you have to do to make her extremely angry with you is to say two words. Isn't it oh, just one word? word? No, it, it no, is it's just two words. It's two words. Funnel no cake. Oh, funnel cake. Okay. What the? No, no, don't say the S word. Don't okay. say the S word. Please. That's that's bad. Beth has a propensity to throw things. I'm pretty sure I had a bruise after she threw, I think it was like a Hershey's Kiss or something. Yeah, she, she's deadly. She's deadly with Hershey's Kisses and M&Ms. We coined the term HVC, high velocity candy. High velocity candy. candy. Yes. <laughs> Beth, Beth and I were roommates for about a year, so I would be sitting at my computer and suddenly, ow, what was that? Oh, that's just the HVC hitting me in the shoulder or on the back of the head or smashing into my monitor. Um, Ryan, yes. have you ever gone to addictinggames.com? I haven't. I haven't done anything to them. I'm so boring in this podcast. Good God. No wonder <laughs> I don't have a fan club. I was at her house for my spring break. Before I get to the funny, I want to tell you the amount of friendship we've gathered online. Oh, God, you're when, going to me blush, aren't you? Yeah. When I... Oh, continue. I love this stuff. No, she's going to blush because she was a nice person. Though she did wind up throwing my book off of an escalator. And that was mean. <laughs> that was an accident! And, and, and. <laughs> she says it was an accident, but, you know, it went pretty far. <laughs> 
I didn't throw anything of Jen's, although in my presence she almost contracted bird flu. <laughs> she was st- walking across a street in New York City, and a seagull was, was walking next to her. And the seagull <laughs> jumped off the ground and flew in front of her and turned around and flew into her abdomen from, like, four feet away. And she, like, almost toppled, grabbed her abdomen, and screamed, Oh, my God, I have bird flu. <laughs> but no one threw any of her books so oh we really wow yeah. yes well mine got thrown pretty violently i just i hear a whooshing sound and i turn around and she was holding my book and suddenly she wasn't <laughs> but just um get anyway, on with it i'm sorry get, so on we, with it. get on with it <laughs> Yes, another thing you'll notice is we like Monty Python quite a lot. I love Monty Yes, I'm, I'm very proud that I made the pack complete geeks. If you read carefully, they really love Monty Python, and they're also familiar with at least some video games and with Star Trek. Are you watching Star Trek? Oh, if, oh. if we're going to talk about Star Trek, I'm going to come off my don't ask question philosophy. We are not here. going to talk much about Star Trek, but there's at least one moment in dealing with danger when you know that the pack has watched Star Trek. Is there a warp core breach? No, there is a there's a Borg moment. Okay, just have to say one thing. I was watching a Star Trek Next Gen. My, my fiance is watching Next Generation for the first time, and she's just finished season two. She has one episode left. It's the it's the clip show, so I'm trying to get her not to watch it. But there was an episode in the middle of the second season where the warp core on the Enterprise sister ships, the Yamato, breaches, and Picard's response when he hears it was a warp core breach is, "That's not possible. Warp cores can't breach." I just want to point that out, because every warp core ever on the show after that point breached. I just want to point out how pissed I am they changed that (laughs) rule. That's all I have. Carry on. So I was in her apartment. She was doing something fancy. We just got back from shopping for food. We did just get back from shopping for food. I was very mad that she didn't have a type of sauce that they sell up here in Rhode Island. I think it should be sold everywhere. But I was eating chips, okay? It was my happy time. And we get a call from my mom. And I called my mom every day when I was down there. And she goes, Britt, I think you should come home. And I was like, why? And she goes, Britt, I need you to come home. I'm in the hospital. I have a brain aneurysm. At this point, I started crying hysterically. They told me they couldn't send one of my aunts down to fly up with me because I'm absolutely terrified of planes. I took the train down there when I went to go visit her the first time. And I was going to take the train up. The very first thing she did was ask me when my plane was leaving. And she immediately got onto her computer and booked herself a ticket for the same flight at the same time. Of course, then we left a note for Beth saying, flying to Rhode Island, be home tomorrow. I I should mention that um, I was on a week's break from work. That was my week's vacation because when I told my parents this, they were really shocked that I was skipping work for this and I realized that I had not properly set this up. Have they not like, seen the West Wing? This happens all the time. No, they they uh, don't watch TV. I'm just imagining Beth's face when she got that text message saying, off to Rhode Island, be home tomorrow. <laughs> Beth doesn't react very visibly to things. She probably just would have looked at her phone gone, okay. And gone back to making sandwiches. She worked at Subway. This is Mercury Blue, right? Yes, yeah. this is Mercury I'm col- Blue. I'm collecting Hi, whatever Beth. information I possibly can at this moment on Mercury Blue. Carry on. What sorts of information? What do you got? Um, you don't want me to go into it anyway. Yeah, we hop in my car. 
go uh, <laughs> through Pittsburgh and twice as far as I live from the city, the other way to the airport. It's a very good thing the plane was delayed or we would not have made it. Yes, but I even forget what I was saying before this. Something about I was playing addicting games and I was playing the um the impossible quiz, which if anyone has ever played the impossible quiz, they know it's very aptly named. Oh dear God, yes. And Beth came home and she's like, oh, I beat that two years ago. Here, you have to pet the cat and then you rub the pole to make it static. She basically beat the game that we had been trying to beat for like three hours. I'm like, I can't use that information against her. What can you use against her? She can't sing. <laughs> she, she likes music a lot and she likes to sing, but she really doesn't sing well. I think that she could learn. What do you really want us to talk about, Ryan? Like what, you gotta have you have gotta have some direct questions for like, us. What we always do in the podcast is we always say, "Okay, this is a great story, and maybe which expanded to its own universe." And now you have this universe, you know, like the after the end universe, where you have these hardcore fans for many years, or you have you know Melinda Leo's universe with hardcore fans who get together and realize they all have kids around the same age. Or maybe they have other things in common because they're Harry Potter fans. Or maybe you have a year like none other, and maybe they all band together because they're the people who see the world a little bit differently and, and whatever. So I guess what I'm looking at here is you're all Harry Potter fans, obviously, and yeah. you're all fans of Living with Danger based on you know th- the different themes it brings out. And well, I guess what I'm just looking at here is an opportunity to say, okay, a banker who wrote 10 chapters of a story and then said she'd go off to be a teacher. And now all of a sudden she's flying to Rhode Island, which I believe is near a body of water, and she's you know not becoming a teacher now, and there's checking accounts involved, and there's pack mates involved, and it's years later, and she's on a podcast with some guy from Massachusetts, and Massachusetts that, is a cool place to be from. It is a cool place to be from. Very proud of Massachusetts. And we're going, and we are now going to have a conversation in another language. Okay. Nidu taimode aksu niru. Ataka emaduri. And that is our extremely short conversation <laughs> in another language. Unfortunately, the rest of the language has not yet been written. Please hold. It has. It has. It's, it's just well. It's hard to come up with stuff on short notice. Yeah. I, yeah. I said. I said oh. hello to him, and I asked him how he is. And I said that I was tired, but good. The reason why it I, takes a little while. And correct me if I'm wrong. For the most part, you come up with the words as they're needed. Well, yes, but in this case, I mostly had those words. I just had to go look them up. If someone wants to say something that has never been said before, and yeah, the words has have to, to figure be out invented on the it. spot. I mean, we're not talking about Klingon here. I mean, you don't not have quite. Your, you haven't published your dictionary. Not yet. Some some she people will. have uh, partial copies of it, though. It does have rules, and it does have a lexicon, and it will someday be speakable. We have little bits of it. We we say hello and goodbye. We say thank you. You know how when somebody has trouble and you want to say, oh, I'm sorry, but you know they're going to say, it's not your fault? Mm-hmm. We invented the word tenyata. Which is awesome to say. I want to point yeah. that out. And, it, it, and it, means, it means, I'm sorry to hear about your trouble. I express sympathy for you. So the next time Jen comes in is like, my toilet exploded, you can say, oh, Jen, tenyata. <laughs> and she will look at you and say... What? Gone is a late gonorrhea. <laughs> she gets confused when I say I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so so she'll be like, "Why are you saying piñata?" <laughs> yeah, we had an incident once when I asked. I don't her, understand. Why is the boat tipped over? No, there was once an incident. Who wants to see Hermione as a trial lawyer? <laughs> as a tribal warrior. <laughs> So we now have fan art. I think Scott made some banners with it. And- I would not be surprised. 
Um, real quick before Josh has to go, I, I've been like saying this phrase, natural life, and we came up with it, and it's... It is the greatest a, thing ever. <laughs> it is not. It's a completely separate fictional universe. It stemmed out of us all picking Animagus forms and Animagus names. Because we're completely... You know, you know how the Marauders had Mooney and Wormtail and Padfoot and Prongs. And a lot of people use those names to mean the marauders in their animal forms. So we decided, hey, that's a cool idea. We should make animagus forms and names for ourselves. Because we're so, <laughs> yeah. So we all started picking them out. And then one day, um, Cherry I- Cellini from the forums was like, hey, we're all crazy. We should have a Dangerverse Asylum, a place where we can go and like shut the world out. And somehow or other, that and animagus forms morphed into a uh, sort of fantasy, almost comic book-like world in which there are people who are randomly turning into animals. A person, like, in a, so at a moment of a great... comic book, isn't it? Yeah, it, it could be. It could easily be. A person at a moment of extreme stress will turn into an animal. These people are called therianthropes, and they're they're extremely scary to the government and the other people around them. So they get boxed up and shipped off to this compound in Colorado called Sanctuary, in which there is no law, no one like monitors anything in there. So basically, they run amok, and the ones with the big predatory forms run everything and do horrible things to people until. A couple of girls with fairly powerful forms decide, hey, if we work together, we can find a place they they aren't and make like a safe haven for people to go to. Mm-hmm. So, and this is yeah. my love. I just want to point out, I absolutely adore this whole universe. I want every single one of my friends. I've handed them like copies of the stories and be like, you have to read this. This is the coolest thing ever. We all have natural life names and forms. Brittany is Brushy Tail the Fox, who gets flinged. I I don't I didn't pick that, her into the lake. I I didn't pick that name. I want to point out. <laughs> no, but it fits you, and it's really cute. Thank you. And Josh is Beowulf the Red Wolf. Yes, because I have her hair. Beowulf. And I sent him Beowulf for Christmas last year, and he was amused. Well, Beth, Beth is Beth is a cinnamon bear, and her uh, name is Callisto. Which is why we asked Jen if she got attacked by a red bear, so then we could talk to Beth and be like, you idiot. We attacked Jen. <laughs> we also have a polar bear who lives in Arizona, but we're not getting into that. And yes, my form is a panther. And my uh, Therry name, Therianthrope name, is Bastet. For some reason, my natural life character is Asian. We don't I've never know been why. able to figure this out. <laughs> no, she's being I'm, I'm not, serious you're from right. Pennsylvania. <laughs> yes, I, and I'm not. I'm not Asian at all. The, the closest no, thing she's I actually, have to my mother actually, is part Slovak. Let's see. What else do we have there? Scott. I know. I, th- I know you know Scott. Um, oh, isn't he one of the Hufflepuff pants? Jesus? Hufflepuff Jesus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh you Scott is an otter hound. His name is Benji. Which oh, I that's going to come up at the staff meeting on Thursday. <laughs> oh, Benji! I, that was the, he didn't want to be called Benji at first, but we kind of forced it on him. Like, you're so cute. You have to be Benji. Uh, Cherry Cellini, I think you know her as. Um, her I'm form sorry. is a uh, horse, and her name is Ayatsi. Trying to think who else we have. Um, it's not just happy go lucky people t- turning into animals, though. Like people get no. shot. It's kind of yeah, like being in the hood. <laughs> there's there there's severe angst in this universe. Like people getting. I thought eaten. it was called angst. 
It usually Whatever. Is. She's from Pennsylvania, so there you go. She's from Pennsylvania, so it's immediately called angst. Yes. <laughs> okay, somebody yesterday said, oh, you can tell she's from that town that she's from because she says the T in the word wanted. I'm like, that's not where I'm from. That's my speech coach from high school. I put an R on the end of every word. What do you want from me? Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much... What area in Massachusetts are you from? Just north of Boston. Yeah, so... You pretty much drop R's and put R's where they don't belong. Yes. Hey, when, yeah. I, w- when I was at Britt's house for her graduation, when we went to get the frozen lemonade, the guy in the truck spoke with an accent that I thought only happened in the movies. Oh, Rhode oh, Island's yeah. bad. Rhode Island's bad. Yeah, honest, honest. Yeah, he we are bad. Like, wow, like, what I'm the? picking it up That's from you, real? but you guys are bad. Now, let me just ask you this out of curiosity, because this is one of the great things I'm picking up on here. Now, you live in Rhode Island, and you live in Pennsylvania, but I think you've yeah. so far remarked, like, you know, eight different times during this conversation, you said, oh, the time when I was over your house for the insert X here. I mean, this is far beyond just, oh, I know these people online and we talk about a woman named Danger, and this is so much more for you guys. Yeah. yeah. These are our actual friends, and I, I think we have some pseudo-adoptions. Yeah, some of us did have a lot of friends before this. So we hang out, we talk to each other daily. I've actually run up my text bill because I text people from <laughs> from the chat so often. I'll just pick it up and be like, you'll never believe what I saw on you know TV. A rabid fox attacked a woman up in Gloucester. <laughs> Can you call me if that ever happens? Because I'm in the or area. Like, OMG, <laughs> Brett, go get your rabies shots. Seriously, though, it was just on the news. A woman in South Kingston got bit by a rabid fox. I kid you not. I saw on um, WPRI 12. Yes, and Britt made sure to send all of us the link. I should check on this because I have a peon in the area. You do? Yeah, Melinda Leo. Are you kidding me? Cool. I, I kid you not. Well, not cool if she just got bit by a rabid fox. <laughs> but well, we'll have to look into <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you're going well, it didn't hurt her. Well, actually, yeah, it did. But the fox got hurt worse. They killed it. But yeah, we, we tend to anthropomorphize everything we see. Like, all animals of a certain type are automatically assumed to be the uh, fairy pack member with that form. I saw an otter town the other day, and I was like, Benji! <laughs> and last, last summer in Detroit, I think it was, a coyote randomly walked into a Quiznos and jumped in the cooler with the drinks. Oh my god, and we all called Lauren and, and told all, her to get yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> we all called Lauren, who lives in Indiana. We're like, yo, yo, what are you doing in Detroit? She goes, huh? I have to ask this question. If Joe Rowling were here right now, do you think she would have any idea that when she sat down in that cafe, you know, what, like 18 years ago, whatever it was, to write a story about this little boy named Harry... In 2008, a bunch of people would be on a conference call talking about the coyote who jumped in the cooler with the tr- like. This just amazes me how one. I don't. Event- I don't think that back in October of 2004, when I sat down to write my 10 chapter fluff fic, I would have had any idea that I'd be here now. So. No. I never she had was... any idea when I started the podcast about fan fiction, I'd get someone who could do my wedding photographs, because Jen is a photographer. But it's just like, I'm like, That's okay. nice. Yeah, that worked out well. Yes, and see, I've, I've got, from, from fan fiction, I now have a copy editor, a historian, a tech maven. I, I have that people would be Josh. who... Well, yes, but... A I guy have who looks like Jesus? Will. I mean, that's going to be helpful. From Canada, you have a Canadian Jesus? Yes. Oh, yes, and I also have a Canadian, um, what's the opposite of lyricist? Musicist? <laughs> I don't musician? know. Yeah, I, musician. I, I wrote, I wrote, um, lyrics to a, a country-type song 
Because she's just year. that badass. Oh, shut <laughs> up. And um, I was like, here, these are lyrics. I don't have a tune. And Scott reads the lyrics and comes up with a tune. I think the word you're looking for is composer. Thank composer. you. That is the word I'm looking for. So, yes, Scott and I have uh, written a song together. Hang on, Ryan. I'm going to send you the song. And, and <laughs> Brittany made a beautiful um, montage video for it. Oh, I'll send that to him. Yeah, You it's not actually perfect. are a pack, because as I sit here, I'm noticing that everyone has finished everyone else's sentence for the past hour. Something like that. I'm not as talkative as I could be, but that's just a no. of mine. Get Get you started, and yeah, I remember. I remember. Like, let hey, me, let me ask you. Be this. glad. Be glad we don't have Lexi here. Lexi uh, giggles, and if you, all you have to do is go, tickle, 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 tickle. Lexi, this is for you. Tickle, 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 tickle. I have a question. This is somewhere just, in New Jersey. There is, is insane giggling. <laughs> well, if you're in New Jersey, you have to laugh. Um, <laughs> let me just ask this. Now, I obviously read all the Harry Potter books. I am obviously big into fan fiction. I've read Living with Danger the whole way through. For 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 your your friends and your aunts and your milkmen, do you ever try and explain all of this to someone just cold turkey? I have rarely. <laughs> I have I'm a that lot more parents. shy about it than these guys. These guys will stop strangers on the street. Have you read this story? And I'm standing there going cringe. Mm. I've actually I've never stopped actually stopped the, story the stranger on the street for that reason. I know. I'm being rhetorical. It's one of my bad habits. You'll have to excuse me. You're excused. Does that mean you. I can leave now? <laughs> no. I'd rather you not. Bah, mommy. Wait a minute. I can't call mommy. I'm the mommy. Well, okay, so Anne, like, what do you do with this? So you... Do you just explain, I have a bunch of friends I met? Like, how do you explain this in, like, China? Well, occasionally it comes up in, like, conversations with my coworkers. So, what do you do for fun? Oh, I write stories. Oh, what kind of stories? Um, fan fiction for Harry Potter. Oh, my kids like that because I work with mostly people who have children my age, which is frightening. Oh, can I read your stuff? Well, it's a little weird. Not, not bad. Not, like, anything gross, but it's not probably what you're expecting oh well tell me about it well for me it's more of like a george costanza thing like i have a guy in my office who is obsessed with harry potter he was complaining to me the other day about how he wished there was a new book coming out i'm like why don't you read some fan fiction he's like they have that and i was about (laughs) to go into it and then i'm like he's gonna find the podcast and worlds will collide and george will be very upset it's george is your boss no george is um jason alexander from seinfeld oh Duh, yes, yes, you know the the episode I'm talking about. Uh, I am. There's an Seinfeld episode. Illiterate. I'm sorry. There, okay, George is friends with Jerry, Elaine, and Kramer. That is his. This I know. That is this his pack, and he has a fiance who he can't stand, who later dies in a freak envelope looking accident, but she doesn't die yet. So right. his girlfriend becomes begins hanging out with Elaine, and then she comes by the apartment, and now she's joining the group, and his worlds are colliding, and George is very upset. I see. <laughs> so my thing is, do I let him listen to the podcast? Because God knows, maybe I talked about him in one episode. But it's like, I don't want people here to know I do this. This is, I do this to get away from these people. So it's it's weird. It's like, how do you, I don't know. It's like you have well, to make it like a friend. Well, um, for me, there's actually something very tangible that uh, separates my worlds. Anne is not my legal name. It's not the name that I was given at birth, and it's not what the people at work call me. So dun, they, dun, they, dun. Use... shut up. 
I would just like to point out I already knew that, number one. I know you knew that. Everyone on this call knows that. Everyone yes. knows that. I, I dramatically revealed it a year or so ago. Around around the time of Kennywood, because I didn't want people like because we had you to convince people's parents that we weren't creepy stalkers. I think I think all the emails we sent out with um large sections that said, please Bring your parents. Have them call us. Have them call our parents. We're real people, and we're not creepy. It it helped some. We triple dated with um a couple of people from the um Perfect Weekly forum, and one of them, one of the women, has two daughters who are like sixteen and thirteen. And the daughter's like, you know, ma, these people could be, you know, just like crazy killers. And my exact response was, yeah, we're serial killers who started a Harry Potter fan fiction podcast, and the off chance we ever got to meet anyone in person, we could kill them. But yes, that 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 sounds about right. So. So yeah. yeah, that's that's my like disconnect factor is that out there I am somebody else and here I am Anne. Yes. I prefer to be Anne, I think. And Josh would like to say something because he has to go. Cause his I have to go. Dinner's there. soon to be on the table. You asked a question at the beginning of the podcast about how, do, how did it get here? How did it turn from being a 10-chapter story into this? Yes. Something with a checking account. And obviously... I'm only, only one on perspective and account. not really. We're not going to give up it. on the checking account. No, we're not going to give up on the checking account. But I think it's because Living with Danger was the sort of story that attracted a lot of people who really wanted to be close to other people and either needed that or wanted to be part of it. And because of that, the community has stuck together a lot. And little the little ideas that spring up just in any uh, any creative person given enough time, like Natural Life and everything, sort of spread throughout the community and became really big because everyone in the community was interested in them. And so. I I think that's how it became this big thing. It's because the community was sort of self-selecting for the type of people who would make things big. Good answer. That I'm makes sh- a lot of sense. I'm shocked. I forgot I even asked a question, so I'm like completely blown away by your perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> Josh thanks. is uh, one of our more mature members. And um, I'm at, that's actually why I'm on this. It's kind of like a spectrum thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, if I won the spectrum, you both know who I would have invited. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Shall not yeah. say names, but... I gotta have... go, dinner and everything. It's been, like, it's been um, great podcasting with you. It's been a lot of fun, and might be back later, but in any event, take care. Take care. Good Thanks. talking to you. Bye. I, I don't, I don't want to kill this character. Yeah. Ooh, podcast. I'll go listen to that instead. Yeah, basically. Okay, <laughs> done, done writing about Ron and Steak and, like, weird dog pile. Oh, podcast. I can do that. What kind of hierarchy does your group have? Me, boss. I think. Yeah, that's pretty much, um. I'm, I'm, I'm the boss. If I tell people to stop fighting, people usually stop fighting. We've had a few notable exceptions, but after I speak to them, it usually settles down, more or less. We, we do have a group of, like, betas who uh, moderate things when I'm not around. It fluctuates, but generally they're the people who are both mature and intelligent. It goes... I'm the alpha. I'm I'm the yeah, she's, pretty much she's ultimate kind of like boss. Hestia. I don't know if she's on the forum or not. I don't um, I don't think she is, but yeah. She she's she's special. And uh Buffy. In a good way. What what's what's Buffy's forum name? I can't think of it. Isn't is she it, Ray? Isn't it Ray? Yeah, she, she's yeah, Ray. Ray Ray Saracy. Yeah. 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 That's that's our that's our Buffy. I guess what I'm trying to get out here is it, this isn't like a cluster of people going to have a picnic with each other, looking for new members and, you know, looking for people, you know, of like mind to join the group. This is a group. No, we, has... we don't, we don't recruit. If people find us and want to stick around, that's fine. Oh, yeah. Usually we have people come in and just, you know, hang around spend for a five while. minutes and never come back. Yeah. Then never come back. And we don't like put, we don't 
ever be like, you, you should become one of us. No, if if you come in and you're like, hey, this is fun, I want to stick around, then you do, and we're glad to have you, unless you're a jerk. We had a couple of those, but not many, thank goodness. Generally, the people who stick around are the people that we like to have there. Yeah, I mean, the way we do ours is, and I'm sure you know it because you both post there, is that we, we go by the house model. So everyone is either, you know, Hufflepuff or Gryffindor or Ravenclaw, and there's heads of mm-hmm. house and there's prefix, and there's this whole yeah. structure. Yeah, you, you got to have something like there, that. There, there's that whole structure set up, and we have this whole Wising Gamut structure set up, and that works well because it gives people something to do. So if you mm-hmm. want to do X, you need to be, you know, elected to the Wising Gamut. How you get elected, mm-hmm. you don't go stark raving mad in your common room. You know, if you go stark raving mad, you will no longer be able to do X, Y, and Z. And they've essentially said, okay, you guys get to make the rules as to what type of form we're going to have. I get to overrule you if I don't like them. But I most, mm-hmm. I most often will like what you're going to come up with. And mm-hmm. I put the people who are the most mature kind of in charge of enforcing the rules. And we've been pretty lucky. A lot of our people, they're just a joy to be around. So it's working well for us. Well, yeah, well, that's what we have for us. We have the four, I guess you can call them the four alphas, which is people, you know, that everyone likes and everyone turns to. I beg your pardon. I am the alpha. You have betas. And then you have like the bait, like the lower betas that are well liked, but don't have full power. Like myself, like Scott, Kirsten, Jamie, yeah. who, who else? Chris and Dan, right? Yeah, people people who, if they say, guys, you're getting loud, take it to the other channel, or um, please, everybody settle down, it's getting, it's getting too much in here, that people generally listen, and they don't always have to call in the big guns, which generally turns out to be me. Yeah, and everyone knows, like, I bend over backwards to consult people. Like, today, I could have just mm-hmm. posted a thing, I consulted everyone for, like, ten hours. I'm like, I just want to make sure, you know, you're cool with this. And this, is, this is why you're a Hufflepuff and I'm a Ravenclaw. Exactly. With uh, severe Slytherin leanings. Exactly. Gryffindor! Yes. Yay! We, we, need, we need some Gryffindor on the packified thread, but... Can I can I go totally goofball geeky on you? Go for it. I said that we'd thrown ourselves into the uh, story that we we'd all picked like people to be. A bunch of us decided to live in the founders' time. Hestia that Brittany mentioned is one of the people who lives in the founders' time. Mm-hmm. She's actually Godric Gryffindor's wife, okay. and this is where it gets complicated. Okay. Somebody asked me at one point, "Where's the breakpoint for this story?" It's actually in the founders' time. Really. Because, okay, this is the point at which you will either go, wow, you're really cool, or you will stop reading my story forever. I sent the founders to Narnia. Something's wrong. Hang on, I'm hanging in there for as long as I can. Okay, all right, I'm the founders, and I'm in a staff meeting. <laughs> and we founded Hogwarts. No, they, they hadn't founded Hogwarts yet. They were young. They were like young Wait, adults. I didn't know that was actually canon. Oh, yes, honey, that's canon. All right. That's so, canon? Yes, sweetheart. Okay, so the founders are all hanging out in diapers. They're they're young adults, dear. Don't mock me. I'm hanging on here. This is complicated. All right. Okay, I will not mock you. All yes, right. they're, they're young adults. All right, and they wander into a wardrobe. No. Something like that. All right. They, there, was, there was a brilliant flash of light. All right. There's a flash of light, and they're in Narnia. Yeah. Talking chipmunks everywhere. <laughs> well, we're not going to get into chipmunks because that has a whole other ramification. We're going to pretend but... I don't know that. So they're in there with the talking chipmunks with, well, it's basically Narnia's version of Hufflepuff Jesus, which would be Aslan. And you've got all this stuff going on there. So then they return to our world. Yes, but here's the thing. Uh-huh. 
in Narnia, yeah. they uh, picked up some interesting powers that we got into in Living with Danger. They also met their spouses. In Narnia. Yes. And brought them back. Yes. Slytherin married um, one of the snake people from the northern mountains, which uh, is where he learned to speak parcel tongue and explains why all his kids can speak it. Let me get this straight. Bob Hufflepuff was from Narnia. <laughs> no, just just his dad. Bob's dad uh, was from Narnia. I don't get to be from, from Narnia. You get, you get to marry a half-Narnian, dear. So Bob okay. was a hybrid. Something yes. like that, yes. So basically what you're telling me is Bob is a Prius. <laughs> you have entirely too much attachment to the name Bob. All right, so Bob is a Prius. <laughs> Just for that, I think I'm going to name you Ryan Bob. All right, so that's a ridiculous name. That's that You can't do that. That's like Draco Snape. I mean, you're like, Watch yeah, me. not roll. All right, so Bob... So Bob, Please, can we put that into the title? So Bob is a Prius. Bob's father. Do you, do you want? Do you want the whole story from the beginning? No, I think it's much better my way. No offense. <laughs> of course, so I think it what is. happens. So what happens here is that the the founders go to Narnia, acquire powers which allow them to put curses on people and run those curses, <laughs> and then bill people, you know, <laughs> enormous, enormous, enormous fees for their services. They return from Narnia with with their spouses and their powers. And they and they give birth to a new generation of of hybrids who serve on the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. <laughs> and uh, making allowance for snark, that sounds about right. All right, can I just tell you, I could not get away with saying that on any other podcast that we've covered so far. Thank you for that enjoyment factor. Okay, oh, you're very welcome. You're okay. very welcome. I might even forgive you for calling him Bob. You're gonna slip up during editing once, and everyone's going to be like, who the hell is Bob? Just, uh, <laughs> think, I think I'll just name him Adam Robert. I've impact- I hate you. I've impacted so many Why do people. you hate me? Is Adam Robert so bad? His name is Bob. All right. So, <laughs> let, so let me ask hey, you that's, this. Hey, that's, that's her husband you're All talking right, so about. Let me ask you respect. This. Let me ask you this. So, Danger's existence in this universe is in some way related to the fact that Bob originated from Narnia in some capacity. Sort of. I'm okay with that. Well, thank you. I'm so glad. Seven episodes, I could never get over the fact that Snape could be Harry's father, but I'm okay with the fact that Bob came from the land of the chipmunks. (laughs) You know what? You really need to stop saying chipmunks. All I can think of is Lexi. There's there's a story Uh, here. I don't know it. Lexi, the person who uh, giggles when you go, tickle, 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 tickle. Is you her animate You don't her, her touch her. There he forms a chipmunk. And we have another chipmunk in Kentucky whose name is Chris. And um there are Thery names. There are Thery names. Chris is Chipotle and uh Lexi is Lily Dale. I get the impression so I'm gonna leave this podcast and wander aimlessly in the woods for like three Probably. hours when it's over. Probably trying to figure out who am I? Why am I I'm gonna be like Admiral Stockdale. Yes. To figure who, out which is who am I? Who am I? And why am I wearing this football helmet? Yeah, exactly. And why? Like, and they're going to hear me mumbling something about the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, and they're not going to know what happened. Something like that. All yes. Right, can so, I tell you the fact they were from Narnia? That would have really helped me understand what was going on. I'm like, this is very well. Nobody, nobody that you meet in Living with Danger is technically from Narnia. The kids are all half Narnian, but um, the, all kid, their- the founders' kids are half Narnian. Yeah, the founders. The founders' kids are half Narnian. The Harry is not half Narnian. 
No, Harry is not half Narnia. All right, well, that helps. I'm not sure no, why, the thing but is, you never. I, I don't think there's a point where you ever actually meet the spouses. Um, no, there there isn't. But there is there is one little wrinkle. Godric's spouse, Hestia, was married once before, and she has a kid. His name is Emrys. And um, what happened was they all got, like, magically zapped back to the ages they were when they entered Narnia, even uh-huh. though they'd been there for 20 years, like the Pevensey kids did originally. Uh-huh. And um, Emrys decided, hey, you know what? There's nothing to see here. I'm going to. So he got zapped back to being about five. And that meant that since he grew up twice, he knew, like, twice as much as everybody else by the time he got to be an adult again in our world. So he had time to learn about all kinds of insane, crazy magic, and he took this enormous time jump backwards in time, and he's Merlin. Okay. Can you tell tell that I have spent way too much time thinking about this? Okay. This This is the most important question I have for you this evening. Have you ever been driving thinking about this. I put this together and you look up and you see a sign that says, welcome to Montreal. No. Um, cause that happened to PS, one of our peons. That just had her GPS, big U-turn and drive from Massachusetts to Maryland. She ended up in Montreal, but, um, how, uh, apparently Never. she passed through Rochester, New York. I don't know. I don't want to know. Um, no, I've never missed a turn driving thinking about this, but I have missed a whole lot of turns walking. Alright, now this is all I can say here. There's a, there's a point where you write stories, and there's a point where these stories become their own life forms. It's like that Star Trek episode with the holodeck and the train that made absolutely no sense because they were running out of ideas to keep the next generation going. That was the yes. one salient point that came... Yeah, there was the guy with the brick. I had no idea what the hell was up with that. So, anyway. <laughs> th- now, And then, then, of course, they came up with Q... Q was in the first episode, and can I tell you, Q's best line was on Star Trek Voyager, and that pains me because it was such an awful show. But I digress. Oh, come on, I liked Voyager. Oh, come Star Trek Voyager? Oh, I didn't say it was good, I just said I liked it. Okay, that's... It's a fine line. It's that, a tells, fine line. that tells me a great deal about you, Anne, if that's your real name. I have the, I have the, <laughs> capacity, for, I have the capacity to enjoy even things that are horrendously bad in some way just because they amuse me so much i have a couple like my writing i have a couple fix i'd like you to read all right so no thank you it's i my enjoyment stops uh short of sticking a fork in my eye although i do know how to do that you should hang out with rena on like a, a more frequent basis i bet i will so at one point your story became an independent life form yeah i think i could probably pinpoint the place now i now i don't now here's the thing i don't want to get into, you know, when that happened or what's required and the effect it has on... We all know that when stories become alive and they become Mm -hmm. universes and they they grow on their own, they're going to pull people like us and we're going to get stuck to them. Like, you know, like, yes, thank you for the sound effects. That was (laughs) Thank you, you're welcome. And, And they get stuck to them and you never quite... If you break off, you're never quite the same again. Otherwise, you're just... Stuck, it's you're just stuck to this giant metal disc. Ah, uh, but you see, um, I I have plans. You you won't ever have to be free of my story because it's not going to be fan fiction forever. I I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but I just want to say here, I think the point when your story became alive had something to do with the fact that you worked out who Merlin was, 
and I have to well, tell that you, was actually sort of happenstance, but okay. that's another story. Well, but when you explained that to me, I want you to know I didn't blink for 83 seconds. And my <laughs> eyes are very dry right now. But Yeah, I was going to say, didn't that hurt? I'm, like, if you back up the tape, I'm like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yes. And I have that effect on people. And it's like if it's like if people call me right now, they just get a dial tone. It's like okay, that blew my mind a little bit. But at that, yes. your your story is like I can't like we've we've covered eleven fix, and I have to say we have never covered anything quite like your story. And you like is that I, good, bad, or that's, indifferent? That's very good. I mean, well, thank you. That that's gonna be good. Anyone like I, I have a feeling that if any like if my mother tried to if I sat my mother down and tried to explain this to her, she would be it would be the equivalent of her being locked in a closet for the rest of her life trying to get out. I mean, you have created this this, this boxes within boxes within boxes within boxes, and I hope that makes some degree of sense. It didn't it does because there were just so many ridiculously weird layers to this story. Yes. There there are things about this story that people don't get and since Brittany knows the end she's gone back and she's been like oh and she catches the stupid little foreshadowing things I just, that i wrote into the second chapter without meaning to i just want to th- say a, a shout out to etai right now off our forums who's listening to this right now etai's signature expression is oh so that you just reminded me of him i just want to say hi please continue Hi, Itai. Hello. 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 Okay, this is, this is how you know it's one o'clock in the morning on a work night because I'm like, hello. Yay. Hey, I can. On? Hello. I can. I can live with the little. I can live with the little, little lost sleep as long as you guys can. Uh, I may have to cut this short in a few minutes. Although I'll leave the podcast going. You guys can close this thing off whenever the hell you want. But uh, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll probably go off when you go. There you go. But yeah. So I, let me ask. Okay, Britt. Now you're here. With Anne, and it's not her real name. We're going to call her Anne, even though we know it's not her real name, because really, why the hell not? That's been my philosophy writing this entire story. Why the hell not? Why the hell not? (laughs) Exactly. If it amuses me to have them do a full-scale musical, why the hell not? That lost me a reader. One of the other authors on Fanfic Authors was like, you know what? The musical. It's too much. It's stupid. I'm leaving. I was like, well, fine. I don't like you anyway. You ship Harry and Hermione. Hey. I'm reading a Harry Hermione fic right now. I'm three chapters. I'm actually three chapters. I'm three paragraphs in. It's lovely. Well, it can be done. I I just I'm afraid I read a very badly done one real early on Which in my fanfic writing. Which one did you read? I don't remember, and I don't want to. I just it was terrible, 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 and did it, it ruined me. Did it involve a grave by any chance? I don't think it did. All right. It, it involved Jiminy Cricket. All right. Well, I have to tell you, never get fanfic recommendations from Lady Chi. <laughs> <laughs> I gathered that already. All right. You, you were asking Brittany something. Okay, Brittany, how are you? All right, now, <laughs> Brittany and and Brittany. Now, I thought you were calling me by my full name first. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like Jen. When I call her Jennifer, she knows she's being grounded. That's now, a gun. Even though she's married and has, like, you know, an unborn child who will hopefully be named Ryan. Now, okay, Anne sat down one day in her career as a successful banker and decided, you know, before I become a teacher, 
I'm just going to write this quick fic down. It'll take me like 25 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. The wheels came off the wagon. The wagon flipped over. It, it fell in front of a train. I don't understand why it hasn't sunk. Train drove over wagon. Train lost balance. Train fell into river, hit boat. Boat flipped in the air, hit plane. And, you know, the, the rest is history. What do you have to say to... And just after all this time, everything it's created. I think that, you know, even though I have to tell you the Living with Danger verse community has to be the weirdest thing I've ever encountered in my life, and I mean that with all due respect, because I think it's the best thing I've probably ever encountered, but it is it's the like weirdest It's like the Manhattan thing. Project. It is. This, this has got to be the weirdest thing I've ever... Like, I had someone PM me during this asking me what's going we on. We like, are not the Manhattan Project. Someone PM me during this saying what's going on, and like, you're never going to believe what I'm listening to right now, but it's fascinating. I love it. Now... What do you have to say to Anne after all this? Like, what, like, I'm sure you've done this many times, but what is your just response to Anne for living with danger in this, in this universe and everything? I have two responses. One is usually, thank you. <laughs> and two is usually, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, like, I, I recall you... <laughs> you saying that several times. I, I wish I'd, I wish I'd taken pictures. Her face was astounding. Oh, she told me something from Dangerverse, and I literally fell over on her couch. I was I like, think, I, think you, I think you were impressed by the soundtrack. Yes. I was going to say, she explained the Narnia thing with me, and I felt lightheaded, so I can easily see how that's possible. Oh, oops. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Alright, Anne. Yeah? You have some uh, fans out there, I hear. Uh, so I'm... <laughs> Just a couple. Couple. You were the successful banker. You were like George Banks or Mary Poppins. You're walking around singing everywhere. Well, I do that anyway. With your smoking jacket on and your wife, who is apparently a feminist, except not in front of you. And I have a wife. I really need to know about it. I'm from Massachusetts, and everything's lovely up here. Now, right. <laughs> okay. We'll so, get to that some other time. Yeah, exactly. So, and now you have a couple fans read your stuff. You got a couple, you know, comments. A few nice reviews. A couple reviews. Yeah. You know, keep trying. You know, mm. you, you might make it someday. What, do, right. what the hell do you say to these people? What are you doing in my house? Stop <laughs> following me. <laughs> what do what do I say to them? I say if oh heck. Are you going to hurt me if I sing? I'm not. We've never had that before. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. There you go. That's that about what I say to them. I've got to somehow get the, 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 the phrase B. Arthur into the title of this podcast. I'm not sure. <laughs> I am not B. Arthur. <laughs> if you're going to call this podcast, it is not B. Arthur. <laughs> I will cool down the apricot preserves just a little tiny bit because Wait, that's a really funny well, idea. If I, if I said B. Arthur's ass donut, you know we would lose half of our listener base, so I'm, I'm, I'm prohibited by law from doing that. Please don't do that. I won't do that. I won't do that. Okay. Um, may I sing one song for you? I know that's like totally random, but see, I wrote this song for my little brother who's 14 years younger than me and people think he's my son. And that that was embarrassing a lot when I was in high school. But oh wait, are we talking about um? Yeah, and I wrote it. I wrote it into okay. chapter eight of Living with Danger as the lullaby that Aletha wrote for Harry. And like nobody's ever heard it because yeah, like like I not even I I've no no one knows stuff. what this song sounds like. So I don't know. Can I impose upon your goodwill? Go nuts. Bleh. Go for Go it. nuts. My my tongue has decided to tie itself into a knot. Untying tongue. Step one, get foot out of mouth. 
This is me flinging the fox. I Fling. apologize for you. <laughs> <laughs> nice timing. She's gotten very good at that. Oh, my love, you are my child, though you bear another's name. Wherever you go all throughout your life, I love you still the same. And if you should cry, I'll hear you. And if you should call, I'll come. For although you were not born to me, you are my little one. Oh, I love that. Yes, that is my song. I'm going to give you a hug the next time I see you. I have to point out that you're the only person other than Jen to sing on this podcast. No, actually, Lady Chi has sung many times. Lady Chi has an excellent singing voice, and as does Jen, but that was was incredibly nice. I'm picturing, I'm sorry, I have Jen singing the national anthem in my head right now, and it's coloring everyone else who's ever sung here, but... Uh, I'm thinking of that bit from your opening where somebody is, like, horrendously belting something that I have no idea what it's from, but it sounds wrong would that be uh jen getting so excited for the guy she married yes of <laughs> the intercourse so I, married I will, I will have you know that was jen serenading me last christmas actually was she married to james yet yes she actually was listen to our christmas episode special edition i was going to but it was six hours long no not that one it's the one um it's oh the, okay it's the, it's the actually if you want to hear jen have you listened to this one, Britt? Jen sings... What does she sing? She sings with Scott, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. Scott sings very well. Yeah. Scott, Scott sang the plague. Phil, the plague well, really. yeah, Scott, Scott sang the pledge, the song that um, we wrote together. I, yeah, I linked you to earlier. Scott also sang... Have you ever heard um, a song called I Love This Bar? No. It, it's, a, it's a country song all about the guy's favorite bar. Beth, Mercury Blue, and I did a, a joint filk of it about our chat room called I Love This Chat. Scott got a hold of um, a backing track for I Love This Bar and sang I Love This Chat. We don't know how he did it. He's magical <laughs> that way. We, we just uh, accept that. He's Canadian. Yes, he, well, that's my excuse for everything that Scott does. Before we no. go, you know, you've obviously listened to our podcast or at least half of the ones that we've done so far. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say? Well, actually, actually, I've heard all the episodes that you did yes, on my yeah, story. You did because I've heard I've heard the two that you did, yes, you did. and you then I was sitting in on number three, and I'm sorry about like typing to you on the chat and annoying you. Okay. And that I was it came out very well. It was either that or I just laugh at Mike the whole time because he's always wrong. Yes. But, um, oh, you have no <laughs> idea. Lisa is not a death eater. Last, last night in the middle of a uh, Puffle Exchange episode, I almost tasered him in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> but, okay, so my question for you, you've heard everything that we've done. You know, you, there's obviously people listening who have read your story and liked it very much but aren't part of your community. There's people who read your story and love it very much. You're on their speed dial. And there's... You know, probably a lot of people in between. Do you have anything you wanted to say while you have the microphone to just casual readers, you know, members of your clan, my mm. mother, <laughs> your father, anyone listening while you have this microphone to speak? Okay. Hi, Dad. I'm sorry. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Hi, kids. If you're still listening at this point, go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to clan members, woohoo, Kaparo forever. To casual readers, hi, thank you for reading. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you'd care to drop by the chat room, uh, we're usually the least insane. Well, never, but come by anyway, we're nice. 
and two people who didn't like the story. I have a response for you. It comes from Screw my you. department <laughs> of uh, Brittany. Give, give me back my thunder. I'm sorry here. <laughs> Thank you. This this comes from the department of uh, mature and uh, well thought out responses. It goes like this. <laughs> I like that. And that's really about all I have to say, except thank you very much for both the podcasts about my story and the parts of the podcast that were not about my story, because your randomness amuses me very greatly. Well, you know, Jen's toilet doesn't overflow, you know, just, you know, in sequence. It just happens, you know, whenever, you know, she's... (laughs) Thou thou anointest my head with toilet water, my toilet toilet runneth over. Yes. It's the part not when it overflows, but when she tries to siphon it, and she's standing there staring at the toilet, looking like Peter Griffin, and the water's rising, and she's looking at the hose, and the water's rising, and she's looking at the hose, and you know a podcast has been born. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. And I'm just so sorry that we have bestiality coming up in the next one. What? I'm sorry, too. Oh, just listen to the episode 50. It's wonderful. It was a typo. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> Is there such a thing as a typo out loud? We've managed to find it. Okay, I want to. I want to bring up one nitpicky, annoying point about the story, and then I will shut up. Go for it. The very last lines of the story, "Living with Danger." I think I am right in this. Um, I would check, but I can't open Firefox right now. And uh, I have Beth- my book on me. Okay. Um, <laughs> the the very final line are Harry something like. As the train rounded the corner, Harry felt a great leap of excitement, but there was a little tinge of sadness to it. He knew what he was going to, but it couldn't be better than what he was leaving behind. Um, yeah, that's basically word for it. It says, um, they all disappeared as the train rounded the corner. Harry felt a great leap of excitement, but there was a little tinge of sadness to it. He knew where he was going to, but it couldn't be better than what he left behind. So word okay. for word. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, we, we all know about me and my party trick, but anyway... I want to point out that I stole that. From who? We're, go- we're going to pause a moment while we figure out where exactly in a Harry Potter fan fiction I could have stolen a line. Don't look at me, I'm new here. I have a feeling I should know this. You didn't steal <laughs> it from Cassandra Clare, because that would be awesome. No, I didn't steal I don't even know Cassandra Clare. Neither do I, but <laughs> I've heard stories. Yes. Come on. What is my source material? Geeky stuff. <laughs> Are you both being deliberately obtuse, or is it just that it's 12.45 in the morning? It's 12.45, it's 12.45 in the morning. morning. <laughs> Who did you see all the damn line from? Come on, don't play these games. I'm sorry. I stole, I stole the line from J.K. Rowling in uh, Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone, whatever you want to call it, wherever you come from. Uh... Oh, you know, you had, you had said something like it was a fi- where, where, from fan fiction when I have stolen No, it. I did not say I stole it from fan fiction. I just said I stole it. Oh, no, you'll you play back that tape. Oh, I can back the tape up. We're going to pause a moment while we figure out where exactly in a Harry Potter fan fiction I could have stolen a line. Fan fiction, fan fiction, fan fiction. Because I was actually thinking J.K. Rowling, then you said something. I did not say I stole it from a fan fiction. We're going to pause a moment while we figure out where exactly in a Harry Potter fan fiction I could have stolen a line. Okay, you can't set up a joke badly and then yell at me for not getting the answer. (laughs) I did not say that I stole it from a fan fiction. We're going to pause a moment while we figure out where exactly in a Harry Potter fan fiction I could have stolen a line. 
here, we'll do your eulogy for you while you're here. And which is not her real name, beloved writer, banker, <laughs> teacher, plagiarist. <laughs> but I, I changed I changed enough words that I don't think it's plagiarism, but Well no, you know what? It's obviously Harry Potter. It's an it's an homage. It's okay, an homage. that works. Cause see, when Harry goes off to school, he didn't know what he was going to, but it had to be better than what he was leaving behind. Oh, okay. That's no that's an homage. You're alright, you're alright. Well, that's that's the original line from the original book, so I just, like, flipped it around. You're all right. See that? We're, we're, Thank we're you. okay. We're on safe ground. We're on, we're on safe ground here. We're in Are you going to kill me if I say that Voldemort will kill one of the pack eventually? Was I the only one in the room who didn't know that? Yes. Probably, but... <laughs> Does, I, I know everything. Does everyone? Okay, let me ask you this: of your of your pack mates listening to this, did, how many of them just went? <gasps> everyone, really? most of them, everyone of except them. Um, Brittany and Beth went. Okay. You little. Is there anything else you would like to share with with us who have stuck through this five hour podcast? I'm lying so badly about so many things, and you are all going to kill me. That's the thing I don't like, because now I don't know when you lied. You really are the epitome of true evil, and I'm glad we've come full circle in this in this podcast. And, <laughs> oh yes, um, I'm going to eventually explore the nature of lycanthropy. So, that's about all I had to say. I have to um, say, this has been the strangest podcast I've participated in. You know, and, and I podcast with Jen on a weekly basis, and... <laughs> you told me to, uh, what, what was the phrase? Just go for it? I believe that, I did that's say a dangerous go for thing. it. That's a dangerous thing to tell me. I did. And now you have discovered that. Like, I'm, like, literally, I have to share with you, I am, I am, I am podcasting with, 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 with the pack mates while I am being Skyped, you know, Skype messaged by drunk Puffwanians. It has been an odd, odd evening for me. <laughs> Who's Skyping you drunk? I can't say, but anyone who listens to the podcast knows. Hi, drunk person. <laughs> I'm overtired. Does that count? Well, no, no, no. Okay, wait. I'm getting ready to close up. Any last words anyone wants to get out? You want to mention the fact that you're going to kill Remus in the next chapter? Anything you want to throw out there? You good? I hate you. You're going to kill Remus in the next chapter, aren't you? No, I'm not going to kill Remus in the next chapter. <laughs> All right. With that, we have completed our journey through living with danger. I began this podcast series thinking it was about small people howling at the wind for chapters and chapters and chapters. That was what I was told to expect. I went as far as to find howling podcast music I could use as scene breaks, which I haven't had to use yet. And I have ended wandering aimlessly in the woods and being drenched in apricot preserves. That was well. That, that was unexpected. And you know, I always say this will be a journey over the next few weeks. <laughs> this has been a journey. I'm in the woods. I'm aimlessly wandering around, and I had a blast. So, Anne, thank you so much for everything you did. Thank everything, you. Everything you wrote, and you know, will we'll write and the, the the part about Merlin literally blew my mind and. Like yes, right and there. the fact that um, someday these characters or a modified version of them will be original fiction. The first novel is in the works, so... If Ryan's in there, we're, we're doing well. I either have to be in your original novel or the name of Jen's future baby. One or the other just needs to happen. I'll, I'll slip a Ryan in there. I think I may have one, actually, so... See, there you go. See. Wait, would, you have, would you have any objection to dying and coming back in a different body? What body would I be coming back in? Uh, the body of a human-sized house cat. 
Yeah, whatever. It, it can it can talk and it does magic. So it's kind of like Sabrina, teenage witch. Well, yeah, it's, bigger. Yeah, but bigger and um, got the hots for a uh, human dragon hybrid girl. You know, it's one o'clock in the morning. That works for me. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. With that, have a great right. night, everyone. Next week, we're coming back to With All My Love by Lady Chi. I hear there's a moronic train conductor in it. Don't miss it. Have a good night, everybody. Oh, goody. Night-night. Good night! There you go. See, now you're going to seem like you're just on caffeine, because I can edit these things together. And it <laughs> so hold on to the wonder that those books brought to us. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. This is Sue at Duxfoot. I just wanted to tell Anne how much I've enjoyed the Dangerverse series and to thank her for being part of the podcasts and forums. It takes a special person to let herself be duct taped to a chair in the corner just to listen to the podcast being recorded. So thanks, Anne. Thanks for everything. Other podcasts finished their excellent podcasts on the Living with Danger. I'd like to invite every single fan who enjoyed reading the fic and listening to discussions about it to join the pack. Yeah, that's right. Those of us who are really fans of Anne Walsh's stuff at chat, C-H-A-T, shocking, isn't it? Dot Tricanta, T-R-Y-C-A-N-T-A, dot com. That's chat, dot Tricanta, dot com. Because there, the madness never ends.